Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is proudly brought to you by More Beer at www.morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. (laughs) You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five? Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Hi. Welcome to The Session. Hi. I'm maintenance drinking today. Yeah, you are. What does that mean? It's when you're drinking just to deal with the hangover from the drinking that you've been doing all weekend. Oh. Maintenance. Got to stay at the same level. It's the only way to get back to where I was before the weekend. I don't want to be drinking. No. I'm not even enjoying the beer I'm drinking. Well, it's probably an IPA. That's why. Is it like when heroin addicts use methadone? Yes. Right. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm uh, the equivalent of methadoning right. today. Says, says the girl from the ghetto. Yeah. I'm not from the ghetto, bitch. <laughs> says the girl from that the ghetto. Says it all. Uh, yeah, it was Schumann's stupid birthday this oh, week. Oh, yeah. I missed you on the Friday night event. Yeah. yeah a Schumann birthday usually means me feeling like this. So, But it was a fun time. And, um, yeah, I just realized as I cracked open the first beer today, I don't even want this beer. <laughs> but I don't have a choice. <laughs> it's the only medicine you can take. There's only one way out. It's SF Beer Week, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, a lot of things happening uh, for SF Beer Week. And uh, it also means that we get to do some great interviews uh, during the week. Uh, and in fact, next year, uh, next year, next week, uh, we'll be broadcasting live from the Celebrator uh, Beer Festival anniversary party. It's their 25th anniversary, I think. I wonder what Tasty's going to be like when we celebrate our 25th anniversary. Uh, Dead. Not, not very alive. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We'll just wheel him out. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I think you'll be alive. You'll just be a mess. I'll be nothing. You'll be shitting yourself. Shoot me, will you? <laughs> you want to just <laughs> I'll sign the contract right now. Write it up. He'll, and, uh, he'll be like in, uh, you know, in the in, in Scrooge. Yeah. The first ghost <laughs> or, uh, that uh, Bill Murray sees is his, like, dead boss. Right. It'll be like that, with, like worms coming out of his cheeks <laughs> and shit like that. Well, that's a great thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not that it doesn't that. cross my mind. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It happens Appreciate to everybody. <laughs> Why are we not having party? Yeah, so we'll be All broadcasting right. uh, from the celebrated party next week. But this week, uh, we've got in the studio with us today, Jester King Craft Brewery out of Austin, Texas. Jeff Stuffings and Ron Extract are in the studio with us today. And... Uh, I think they've got a beer dinner going on tomorrow for SF Beer Week, and uh, we were lucky enough to have them come in and hang out with us. So we're going to be talking to those guys today and some great beer uh, that we have to taste, don't we, Moscow? Yeah, super stoked on those. Uh, a lot of uh, spontaneous fermentation type things and some, some Brett beers maybe. And I know Nathan Smith brought in a, a beer that we were talking about last week, his uh, uh, Brett Saison that yep. I really enjoyed at, at the Winterfest. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit today too. Sounds a lot like of a, things to do. Sounds like a gay dancer. What? Brett Saison, everybody! <laughs> All right. Please welcome to the stage. <laughs> Brett Saison. Uh, stage two. Hey, Nate. Uh, Speaking of yes. gay dancers. Steel Panther's coming back to town. Ooh, really? Yeah. It, your presence is this, required. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It is, it's a BN company thing now. Without and, question. And we can't go without you anymore. JP oh. has already got his tickets. Yeah. Uh, I'll be buying tickets uh, tomorrow. I know what I'll be doing at the break now. Yeah. Buying tickets for this. <laughs> it's Steel Panther. At the Regency Ballroom. Regency Ballroom, 2250 plus... A nine dollar convenience fee. I wow. figured we should get some kind of VIP treatment That's there. Convenient. Like they should know us by now. I think yeah, we should. It's true. So yeah, Steel Panther coming back to town. Hell yeah! I'm gonna allow Sam to go. Yes. <laughs> Tasty, you going back? Yeah, sure. You went to the last one too. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that was a All great right. time. The only one uh, that uh, isn't the big Steel Panther fan that we are is, is maybe Moskowitz. It's, it's too butt rocky for you, isn't it? It is, but I'm growing my hair out right now, so it should be real long for the next one. I'll, I'll be ready. <laughs> You'll be ready to go. In a month, it'll be oh, fine. This is slightly off topic, but I don't know if anybody... It's, it's sort of on topic, too, though. Um, have I you a heard chocolate of, frosty. I did, and it was delicious. <laughs> um, dick. No. The first Dodger-Giants game is Metallica Day. What? <laughs> They're going to sing the national anthem. Oh, no. Really? That's amazing. That Is there a surcharge for that? How do they get their royalty? It sounds horrible. Oh. It's Metallica Day. Who cares? I totally want to go. <laughs> How washed up is your band when you get a day? Metallica Day to come do the national anthem. Cliff Burton's going to crawl out of the grave and kill those guys. Oh, <laughs> they can, can do it. you see ya? I bet Dave Mustaine hey, hey, yeah. rolling over somewhere, wherever he is. Wow. I guess we have to go to that game. Right? Yeah. Hey, I'd rather have Steel Panther. They'd be great at that. Oh, yeah, they would be sure. good at it. Yeah. At least they can sing. Lars yeah. probably sue everyone. Put on a show. The <laughs> yeah. Do not listen to this without paying me. He's Close already, your eyes. He's already You're suing right. you for slandering him just now. <laughs> All right, let me get through some announcements real quick because we've got a lot to do today. We're going to be tasting some Moonlight Mead today, and uh, we're going to be interviewing some good folks from uh, a company called Fast Rack. Um, and then, of course, we've got the Jester King boys in the studio. So we've got a lot to uh, get to. Uh, you can see us live next week at the Celebrator Anniversary Party. Tickets are on sale now. You can go to Celebrator.com, and uh, there's a ticket link right there. Uh, if you if you want to bypass, you go to Celebrator.com slash anniversary slash 2013. A lot of good breweries are going to be there, uh, and it's back at the Marriott this year, so it's a That's bigger a spot. It's yeah, we were we broadcast live from there a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Last time it was at the Marriott. I think it was like three years ago. Yeah, I and think it was a, at their twentieth. I think the twentieth, and I think they're going to do the twenty fifth. The first year of SF Beer Week. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah. So get your tickets now. Come on out and hang out with us. Uh, you can do your shopping through Amazon by clicking on the Amazon link on our homepage. It's a great way to support us. It's pretty transparent. Just click that link and then go on about your business, and we get a little cut of the proceeds, and it helps us out a lot here. You can also shop in the BN store. Just, uh, you know, we got hats and T-shirts and glassware and all sorts of good stuff in there. Um, so just click the store button and support us that way. Also, of course, you can become a monthly donor. Uh, for as little as 2 bucks a month, you become a, a donor in the BN Army, and that enters you for a chance to win a $100 gift certificate from more beer. Our great sponsor, More Beer, who brings you this and every session that we do. And, uh, yeah, just 2 bucks a month to get a chance to win 100 bucks. Um, what else do I have to let you know? Our mobile app is in the store. Just search BN Mobile in iTunes or the Android Marketplace. You can listen on the go. Watch all this and more on justin.tv slash brewing network. JP's working the cameras today. Looks like it's on Tasty in Moscow right now, that, that lovely camera. Uh, not it's yet. Down, it's not over yet. there, but I have to. I had to reboot the computer because ah, things were going weird. So. All right. Um, okay. Get all this and more over on Twitter. And <laughs> yeah. All right. Send your show ideas to scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Send feedback to feedback. At thebrewingnetwork.com. Everything else goes to JP, and I'm sure he will answer you in a very polite tone. I do. I'm very polite with people. <laughs> All the time. JP, you didn't email me back. It's been two fucking hours. What are you doing, jerking off? Yeah, bro. <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah, I love getting emails. <laughs> They're great. They love you. <clears throat> do we have a Twitter game today? We do. Uh, in celebration of SF Beer Week, I need a hangover cure. Oh, yeah. Went yeah. to the opening gala, which apparently is not a gala. Anymore. Not anymore? No, I made some stupid joke on Twitter about, uh, I want someone to come up to me at the SF Beer Week gala and tell me what a gala is, and I'll give them a hug, and SF Beer Week wrote me back. Oh, they did? Yeah, and said, we don't call it a gala anymore. Why not? And then literally... They downgraded, that's why. <laughs> and then, they decided celebration. I can't believe they took the time to, to write you about that. Yeah, I mean, they put a little smiley face. They didn't want oh. you to but try and pronounce the word. They were were you overdressed? Literally, two minutes later... Matt Reynoldson says, hey, there's a Firestone event right across the street from the opening gala. I bet he didn't get a note. <laughs> Interestingly enough, he did not. Mm-hmm. Oh, you asked him? Yeah. He said, hey, did SF Beer Week? Yeah, and they're like, he's like, no, it's a gala. Everyone calls it a gala. It's a gala. Right. Don't well, change it. It was for the first four years, so now they've kind of right. set the precedent. Well, now we're not calling it Winterfest. It's called Party in the Winter. <laughs> it's, it's... Well, what's with the downgrade? What's know. in it for him? I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I guess you can choose not to call it a gala anymore, but why are you going to make a thing about it? Yes, we know what it was. When it was the gala, they were over at, like, what, Yerba Buena or something like that. Right. They were, like, shit shows. It was too small, the lines were long. Now that they moved it over, I think they wanted to change the name, so it didn't carry right. it over. The, the new venue isn't as classy right. either. No. It kind of looks like... No, it's more like a warehouse. Yeah, you yeah. just step over more bums and, and like <laughs> smeared in dog feces than, than, you know, ever before. Like every good gala. Human feces. <laughs> Is it gala or gala? I was just going to ask that. I thought it was gala. Maybe that's why they changed it. Peters doesn't like saying the word gay. Yeah, I don't like gala, dude. It sounds too homo. <laughs> Next right. year, yeah. you guys should wear tuxes. I know. That's why I was wondering if yeah. you were overdressed now that it's not a gala, JP. Um, I, you know, I, I had a button-up shirt. And, uh, you know, I, I, I looked all right. I brought it. Yeah. yeah. You bring it strong? I brought it kind of Did you wear your, butt, your like, nice new butt jeans? I did. Nice. Yeah. Did, did you do anything for the Brewing Network while you were there? Yeah, I took pictures. Yeah? I took pictures and made some notes. I'm going to write a little blog post about <laughs> made it. Made notes? Yeah. About what? Like about the beers? About the beers. Like Roger Davis teamed up with Drake's and he made a beer called Tree Beer. Oh. Which was a lot of like Doug Fir needles or whatever. I don't in know. It? I'll get details later. Uh, yeah, and it tasted really good. Wouldn't that have been in the notes? Uh, well, then I had to ask Roger and you try to get a straight answer out of Roger after he's been drinking for X <laughs> yeah. number of hours. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> I see. That's a good point. Yeah. 
Uh, Nathan and Tasty, you guys went to the gala. We did. We I were did. quite gay. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, fun? A lot of fun. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I do like that new venue better. It's, uh, it's there's rad. so much more space. Yeah. They had a they had a couple bands playing though, and they and did. That, yeah, that wasn't mixed real well. But uh, were they metal? No, they were like the indie SF artsy folksy. You know, one dude had an electric violin. And and all the ironic mustaches just made me really not like San Francisco. <laughs> I was really tired of it. All the handlebar mustaches. It was a great event. They had like seventy or so breweries, and uh, yeah, all you know, mostly from Northern California. They had a few out of area. Yeah, uh, what's it? Uh, Ballast Point was there. Uh, Carson Walker was there, there yeah. and uh, help me, JP. You know him. Uh, other people. Uh, other, other people. Other Stone. Stone was there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was all Northern California breweries. Yeah, they were all guests of Whole Foods. Which had a Those whole were, giant yeah. thing in the they middle, the like so. Really? All, the out of, all the out of area beers um, were you brought were in by them. Huh? Yeah, interesting. They had it all organized by sections of Northern California, like East Bay, North Bay, South Bay, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I thought that was kind of interesting. So I stayed up on the. Uh, is interesting. I was up at the Heretic East Bay, you know, yeah. uh, Altamont Brewing Company uh, section, like all night. Up yeah, I mean, like one jaunt across the place to get the Lagunitas to <laughs> right. find somebody over there. We're like the hood now. If we're if we're in yeah. different regions, our region is the hood. Yeah, yeah exactly. It is, it is the hood. I think we should get our own act going up there. You know, yeah. like, get some attention to it. Probably so. They did have a lot of good beers. It was a good time. It was a real good time. Yeah. Should we play? Should we uh, pitch them to have a boner chicken booth uh, uh, next year? The Brewing Network boner chicken uh, booth. I think we should. It's time for the Brewing Network's latest game, Boner Chicken. Ready, JP? Stare at my boner, stare at my boner, it moved, you lose, boner chicken. That's right. Taking the nation by storm. Uh, we're going to play that later on today. We are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jester right. King boys, uh, they didn't know it yet, but, uh, you know, if you come in the studio, you got to play, so to speak, you got to play boner chicken. And, uh, got to get some abuse. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay. A lot of things to do today. Uh, we're going to do feedback here in just a minute. But I wanted to talk to you just for a second about uh, what's become a, a regular sponsor of ours, That Brewery Game. You can go to thatbrewerygame.com. Uh, they're one of our regular sponsors now in the BN. Good dude over there, Robert, at That Brewery Game. Yeah. And uh, I know he's worked real hard putting this game together. And they are celebrating their one-year anniversary this month. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, the game... The game launched a year ago, and all month long, um, they're going to be doing some specials over there. I guess that players uh, have uh, virtually craft and craft brewed and sold like a half a million virtual beers, <laughs> more than five hundred thousand beers. That's an insane amount. Gamers be cray cray. They cray. Well, you know, they spend some time. They do. That's the thing, man. By oh. they, I mean you, JP. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I do actually. Over five hundred thousand virtual beers have been brewed over the last year, and uh, this week kicks off a full month of celebration of the anniversary. Um, the game's rapid growth actually, I guess, caused some uh, growing pains. We've had those in the past where, like, the servers have slowed down and yeah. stuff. So, But now Robert has upgraded everything, uh, moved everything over to new super-fast servers, so things are humming right along. Um, this month they'll be adding new beer styles, new ingredients, new collections, uh, and other stuff, too. So you can virtually brew 24 different beer styles right now using hundreds of different ingredients. It's all free. Getting started, uh, just head, head over to thatbrewerygame.com. And do it now. Support our sponsor. He's a good dude and uh, looking for a way. You know, as if we don't have enough beer in our lives, now you can do it virtually, right? Right. And this is what we need. We need more ways to uh, feed this obsession of ours, this beer obsession. Thatbrewerygame.com. Go check it out. All right. Should we do feedback? Let's do feedback. Oh, man. Do we have eight hours? (sighs) I know. I have two weeks worth of feedback to do. Yeah. Mm. And there's some long ones in there. 
I'm not happy about that. I might skip around. I mean, feel free. Make sure if I miss something that you really want in there, JP, then just tell me. I will. Oh my God! You've got mail. Kick ass. Our feedback's brought to you today by Keystone Homebrew Supply. Go to keystonebrewing.com, check it out. Uh, great sponsor of ours. Just signed up uh, for a whole new sponsor package with us. And nice. I appreciate that very much. Good guys over there. All right, uh, let's see. I should probably start with last week's feedback so it doesn't get old. <laughs> um, Blues Buddha writes in... Uh, <laughs> People just have a regular name. Uh, there's a good one in this week's feedback. That's uh, You'll love it. All right. Hey, guys. I uh, recently became a BN subscriber, private first class. Uh, I'm grateful for all the information and insight you guys provide, as well as the hours of entertaining ass hattery. Thanks a million. I now live in Portugal, uh, where beer is abhorrently absent. Uh, here, there are basically two options, Sagres or Superbach. Superbach is a great beer name. Superbach. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good uh, beer metal name. Uh, neither have anything to do with actually being super, uh, <laughs> and they compete with each other in being lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like uh, us. And that's all he wanted us to know, mm. I guess. So, yeah. Good reason to homebrew. All right. Sent from my iPhone writes in, Hey, Justin, uh, check out the private channels on Roku. Uh, the Nowhere Man has brewing TV, and if you type porn into the private channel code thing you get free porn on your tv fucking a bitch <laughs> so that was his sign off or it's fucking a bitch there's no comma oh this is where the oxygen fucking a bitch right. oh i well, see the come, but this is where right. punctuation is key right i don't know i why am i why am i gonna do that why am i gonna go to my roku now and search for porn i don't you're complaining about your uh <gasps> Cable bill. Oh, that's porn true. That's what he's helping you out with. Oh, I see. Well, thank you, Tasty. Thank sure. you for clarifying that. Yeah. I wrote all that down, what he said. <laughs> yeah. He's got one yeah. foot out the door. Yeah. Now I just need to know what the fuck a Roku is, and I'm all over it. Yeah, okay. What is that, man? Well, whatever. <laughs> all right. Um, it's a part of the female body. I'm into it. <laughs> uh, Mike writes in, hey, you brewing luminaries and douchebags. You know which is which. Uh, first and always, thank you for all that you do for brewing. Uh, my wife and I have started using Amazon quite a bit. I've set up links on uh, the computers at home so that access gives the BN a kickback every time I do a purchase. Thanks, man. Uh, however, I realize that both of us use our iPads and iPhones um, a lot for, for Amazon and uh, typically the Amazon apps. Is there a way to use the apps to get kickbacks? Probably not. I don't know. Moscow can look into it, but I doubt it. Yeah, well, I don't... <laughs> why would they forego that option? I mean, that's being a good incentive to... Yeah. I don't know. But oh. there is a way. Moscow will look into it, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, so all right. Making notes feverishly. Alex writes in, Hey, Brewcasters, I'm really stoked about Nationals in Philly this year, but have concerns that JP won't be there because what? he dislikes flying. Ugh. From my selfish perspective, I really don't want to high-five and serve my shitty Kolsch to a cardboard cutout. <laughs> we do now have a JP cardboard cutout. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Still the tasty uh, version? Yep. Okay. From broader view, many feel that JP brings an essential and an integral personality. JP, did you write this? I, well, <laughs> I never told you my cousin's name was Alex. Integral uh, personality to the BN, and vast numbers of listeners would feel uh, would feel the conference is just not the same without him. Yeah. I think JP did write this. Tasty, tasty, calm down. Buddy. He gave himself a way out and a compliment. <laughs> 
He definitely. I wrote think it. you totally wrote this, JP. <laughs> Yeah. What a good, pretty good use of yeah. the words. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm not smart enough to give myself an out. Oh, come on. I'm sure he goes out to say, I'm sure many in the BN Army would agree that we should not make fun of his issues with flying and support him. Wow. <laughs> come on, Jay. This yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> I swear to God. At least be clever about I it. Swear, well, look. So obvious. Come at on. least I, I didn't highlight it for you. It wasn't important. So <laughs> that's how you know. If it, I really wrote it, everything would be important. Right. We have to are you going to fly? Seats. Are you going to fly to Philly, JP? Uh, yes, I am going. Oh, we can do take a sleeping pill or something. Uh, no, I'm going to go and take the red eye out, mm-hmm. and we'll leave like 11:30 or whatever at night. So hopefully that'll be fine. And that's better. Why is that better? So I can be real tired and sleep. Oh, I see. Hopefully, I see. Yeah. Will you be flying with Taryn? Yes. Poor girl. I know. <laughs> she offered. She really? said, maybe it'll help you relax. I'm like, you don't understand. I actually want to get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, you can get a little handy or something on the. On the oh, that'd be nice. I mean, from the dude next to you. Yeah, sure, and get the blanket when you get on. Board. I mean, when when Taryn falls asleep and the dude next to you wants to give you a hand. <laughs> hey, uh, you know she looks a little tired. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can take over. What if you didn't know? Is it okay to get a handy from a dude if you don't look down? If you don't know it's a dude? It's not if, gay if you don't finish. Yeah. Oh, I see. What if you finish though? What if you? Gay. What if you think the whole time that it's Taryn and you're so you don't bother to look. And then you find out later, Taryn's like, "What handy? I didn't, I didn't touch you the whole flight. Is it okay?" Mm, I don't. know. That's a good question. That should be next week's Twitter game. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Thank you for writing that in, JP. You're welcome. Uh, I, I, it was Alex. <clears throat> uh, Sandy Edwards writes in. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for existing. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I spent weeks. It's been uh, fun for me too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I spent weeks looking for something to fill my silly girl brain with beer knowledge and dick jokes. <laughs> you guys really fit the bill. Who has time to read the beer books that are out there? Not me. Who's Bill and why are we fitting him? Um, yeah, anyway. All right, well, yeah. you're welcome, Sandy. There you go. This next one is, is real long. Oh, come on. Uh, it's a lot. Of, it, it, Garrett is a listener. He did this last year, the Upper Mississippi Mashout results. Uh, okay, and so he it's a just, homebrew competition. Yeah, it's a big one, and um, it's huge. It's like a thousand entries. Yeah, yeah, and so he just you know listed everybody who won from the BN, and then at the end he has a rant uh, that I actually trimmed down by several paragraphs um, about some shitty reception that he got as part of the BN homebrewing club from the other people in uh, another homebrew club in that Ooh. area, which may or may not remain nameless. Really? Yeah. So I highlighted the best parts. Can we say that uh, Garrett Caldwell took third for Hop Grenade IPA? Nathan? All right. All right. Yeah. Like a true believer. Good job. So, uh, all right, yeah, the following is a rant about the pissy behavior at this event. It's long and heartfelt. I'll try to highlight the important stuff. Uh, that was me writing to you. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's an open letter to BN haters. Is he, are people really getting a bad reception yeah. from other clubs? Apparently, from what, he, from what he says, yeah. Tasty, do you know anything about this? I don't feel that vibe, but uh, I'm not out there in the uh, in the states. So I went and judged that comp last year and kind of represented you, the BN the whole time. Maybe I ruined it for you guys. Did you feel uh, <laughs> angst? <laughs> yeah, what did you do? I don't know. I, I really, I really screwed it up. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. Not not. At all, but there's a lot of long days of drinking at that comp, so maybe that has something to do with it. Well, he says, over the last year when attending competitions here in Minnesota, I've heard plenty of quiet grumbling when someone from the BN wins a medal. Unfortunately, at this year's, whatever it's called, competition, it rose to the level of blatant disrespect. Um, they throw peanuts at him? <laughs> yeah. That's been going on for years. Yeah. yeah. No, elephants, whole thing. Elephants. <laughs> 
Fuck wow. you, I'm going pro. He does list a club. Uh, he says, apparently those guys have an axe to grind. I find it funny that the organizers would choose to promote their event on the BN forums only to turn around and talk smack at the event. Uh, maybe they've forgotten that it wasn't that long ago that they were on the receiving end of the grumbling for having out-of-state ringers in their membership uh, roles. I think uh, it's about us being an internet club. Uh, Probably. And it's about St. Paul. Uh, he goes on to say, I promote home and craft brewing at every turn, but here's the deal. I don't have to go to the meetings, volunteer at events, or otherwise. The only contribution I would be making to your club would be my dues check. So what's the point in joining? I choose the BN because it fits my life. I enjoy the people I have met there, and it works for me. Uh, and I'm not alone in this. The BNA is an AHA-recognized club. Get over it and stop your immature tantrums. If the BN Army entrants aren't welcome at your events, then please say so. I'm sure I can find a better use for the money I spend on entry fees, banquet tickets, raffle tickets, blah, blah, blah. You know, the only thing that concerns me about this is, you know, sometimes the voice of one person or so gets um, misinterpreted as an entire organization's opinion. Mm -hmm. In other words, maybe I'm wrong, but I would find it hard to believe that all of the St. Paul Homebrew Club hating on the BN Army for being a club. It can't uh, there's be probably a person or something that said something, and unfortunately, if it comes across as being representative of the whole club, then that's the message we get. So I haven't heard anything directly from the St. Paul uh, Homebrew or any other Homebrew Club about us being douchebags or anything else. Not that I would, you know... Expect to? Yeah, right. or give a fuck. Except for that Kurt guy. Every time I see him, he says, Benarmy. <laughs> Benarmy. Benarmy. Yeah. It's great. Love yeah, it. is Kurt stock in, in St. Paul? I think so. Yeah, I got yeah. a bone to pick with you. <laughs> yeah. Now I take it all back. If Kurt stock is in that club, F that guy. Yeah. But if not, everyone's fine. I didn't get a harumph out of Tasty. <laughs> I don't do the sounders. No. Uh, anyway, I don't Yeah, hey, it, it bums me out if you guys are getting flack for being in the BN Army. But, you know, uh, it's tough being at the top, isn't it? It's going to happen. It is. So, there you go. I'll skip this one. I've yeah, um, uh, been listening to the show a while. Thanks. Uh, it's a logger question. Don't worry about it. He can ask in the chat. <laughs> okay. Or on the forum. I've uh, been brewing for five years, listening to BN, uh, entered a competition in the Upper Mississippi Mash Out, um, and uh, did he win or something? He plays first in American Brown. There you go. All, All right. right. Wonderful. Good for him. Okay, that's last week's feedback. <laughs> Jeez, uh, can I just move this one to next week? Hey, everyone, are the recent videos of the Sunday session? Yeah, the, uh, Justin.tv stopped archiving the videos for some reason. Maybe we had too many views or something. I don't know. So, no, I think the recent episodes are no longer being um, archived down there. You have to watch live or listen. You know. Type P-O-R-N in the search box. You won't see the shows, but you'll see something else you might want to see. Some better video. I'm on my way home from Houston to Fort Worth, and I just broke down a trade show with the Boner Chicken theme song stuck in my head the entire time. Really? It is a catchy tune. It's time for the Brewing Network's latest game, Boner Chicken! Stare at my boner, stare at my boner, it moved, you lose, Boner Chicken! It's really your best writing ever, JP. I don't think... You've ever where'd, ridden anything. Where'd you get that little bitty tricycle you're riding? <laughs> <laughs> I stole it from a bear. I see. Yeah. Um, Good prop. Just got back from a cross-country road trip from uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Vegas and back. Rather than listening to shitty radio stations during the trip, I listened to several past Sunday sessions. Uh, my wife even enjoyed them. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
Uh, any plans to interview North Carolina breweries for the session? Nope. Racists. Next question. I don't know. <laughs> wow. yeah, we'll get Sierra Nevada. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> New Belgium. <laughs> New Belgium. They'll all be there eventually. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll get them. See? He mentions Noda Brewery and Old uh, Mecklenburg See? Brewery. Sound, they both sound real racist. <laughs> what? Old Mecklenburg. Yeah. Um, they both have won medals in the past. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Moscow, see if you can get somebody from North Carolina. I don't care. What do yeah. I care? Interview. <laughs> Check with me. I know just the guy in Moscow. There you go. I'll be the one of those guys. Everybody gets an interview. You know, I found people. I have found brewers that are angry with us that they haven't been invited to the show. Right. And I'm just like, well, I just thought it's not personal. It's not like I went down a list and was like, no, don't call them. <laughs> Why have you found me? Yeah. I'm worth it. Those Jester King guys, fuck that. <laughs> I mean, I don't just, we just, we, I don't know. It's weird to me that people yeah. get offended by this stuff. Well, let's just see. I mean, I heard they do some good things, but let's let them progress a little bit more, and then maybe we'll go find them. You know, we'll see. I met a guy, and I don't even remember his name. Just a total douchebag, though. He's starting up a brewery, and he's yeah. kind of saying like, yeah, but you guys only interview interview you know the the like the ones who have won everything like matt brindle said you'll do that like but you know i know just as much as any of these guys and you we wouldn't interview me and i was like well i won't interview now you're a fucking <laughs> douchebag <laughs> but why would it i mean people just have weird opinions and and they're not my opinion and that's what makes them stupid right <laughs> all right wow this guy's name is um <clears throat> Gentle Cunt Punch. Mm. He's played on our um, Twitter game, but I put his uh, email address in there for you if you, <laughs> wanted, if you wanted to read it. Oh. <laughs> wow. It was literally sent from, from that. Now, I don't know if it was a spoof. His email address is... Well, I don't want to give it out, I well, guess. Well, then don't give out the provider. Mouthrape <laughs> at, at saidprovider.com. <laughs> That's commitment. I think it's... A, I mean, it's, it's got to be a spoof. He has a weird sex life. Sam uh, joined a... Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. A fantasy football team with a church, like, league or whatever. And his... I think it was, like, anal fisting something, something. (laughs) These are all church doors. There's something terrible. And, like, he had to be asked to, like, go on the website and hide his email information. (laughs) He's like, I never checked that one. I'm like, why do you have that one? that one anymore. Yeah. You have an alias. <laughs> I, I'm not going to read this one, this next one, but it does remind me that, that, that I, I did need to mention this. I got several emails this week about uh, Moscow, uh, about my bit last week in Moscow, um, uh, seemingly taking $40 uh, from the BN. It occurred to me much later on that not everybody has the faith in Moscow that Just, I have. But before you go, um, um, the one that you asked me to put in is right after that. Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. I don't need to read any of them. Okay. But basically, so... All that ha- so Moscow got the forty bucks and forgot to bring the forty bucks in. Right, but here's what happens: Moscow knows how much I like radio bullshit and drama. So rather than just saying that when I brought it up on the air, he went along with the bit, right. like, "Oh, well, it was just forty bucks," and which is perfect for me. That's exactly what I want the man to do. But then I get emails all week about what an asshole you are, Moscow. So I hear to clear the air that Moscow's not an asshole. He got the forty bucks, he put it on the on the desk, and he forgot to bring it in. It's if I if I thought anyone in this in this room would actually steal from the BN, they wouldn't be on the program. I wouldn't make a bit out of it. I'd just fire them. Um, so anyhow, that was my fault. Uh, I I did, however, still think it was really good radio. <laughs> that poor <laughs> Moscow had to sit there squirming like a douchebag, being called a thief. But 
you probably shouldn't trust me that much, Moscow. And next time I do something like that, you can you can actually defend yourself. You don't I, have to go that far. I don't know if I should because the emails that I'm an asshole come in anyways. Right. Even when we true. don't do bits like that. So I don't kiss my ass. I don't care. Right. No, you, you are go. an asshole, regardless if you are a thief or not. Oh, actually, you know what? That reminds me. One guy wrote in and said he was so pissed off that you did that that he donated a hundred dollars for and he did and I saw ah. he donated a hundred bucks for all the rest of the brewcat everybody except for Moscow. <laughs> so so <laughs> drinks on this. So guy. I got to give you guys that money. Too. Right. And, and sorry, Moscow. Even though hey, even though you didn't really do it. Oh well, he said. Uh, <laughs> He said, uh, Scott is only to receive one dull and dirty penny. <laughs> Separate guess. donation of one cent also has been made. Oh, really? Yeah. So he donated a penny <laughs> for Moscow. Yeah. Thanks, Sergio from wow. New Jersey. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> he will, yeah, Moscow. I guarantee you that if I forget to give Moscow the penny, he will call me all Where's week. That penny yeah, Here's yeah, my penny. Sure. <laughs> uh, but he'll forget 40 bucks, but not a penny. Right. All right, anyway, uh, Sergio from New Jersey writes in, uh, hey, guys, I just heard... Oh, this is the same one. Yeah, that was the guy. Oh, this... Oh. So, so you can you can go gentle cunt punches if you want, but... Got it. All right. Uh, and that's your feedback for today. Uh, and last week. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to Keystone Homebrew Supply for bringing you uh, two weeks' worth of, of feedback there. Oh, glad we got that out of the way, huh, guys? Yeah. It's work. That was uh, weighing much on my mind very heavily. Tasty, do you believe me that Scott just forgot, or you still think he's a thief? <laughs> no, I'm sure. I, I think he just forgot. <laughs> yeah. Why are they mutually exclusive? That was exclusive? like a 200 bucks. Well, maybe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't forget that. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Oh, radio. <laughs> How I love you. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jeff and Ron from Jester King Craft Brewery. Uh, we'll learn a little bit about uh, SF Beer Week later on in the show. Plus, we're going to taste some Moonlight Mead. we got a lot to do. Stick with us. If you got questions, hit the chat button on the homepage. Bevo will get them over to me. Hang in there. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beers social network of more than 5,000 members and some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz the forum the learning center and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest more beer catalog more beer bringing you absolutely everything for beer making Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. 
John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty crack cans. Tasty crack cans. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. The session. Brewing up our next batch of radio gold. Right now. All right, welcome back to the session. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks to our wonderful sponsors who support this show. Uh, those, of course, are the people that you hear from at our breaks there, and uh, we appreciate every one of them. They're good to us. Right now, we got Jester King in the brewery, uh, in the studio, Jester King Craft Brewery uh, from Austin, Texas. We have uh, Jeff Stuffings and Ron Extract with us. Welcome, guys. Thanks. It's really cool to be here. Thanks Thank for you. coming down. I'm sure you came all the way to California just for the Brewing Network show, right? Actually, I really did. Um, oh, really? Yeah, no, I totally did. Uh, you know, just to get a bit of uh, kind of 
maybe awkward sentimentality out of the way from the get-go. Um, I basically learned how to you know brew by listening to the Brewing Network. Um, amongst a few, obviously, the other places as well, I learned a bit about brewing. But uh, about you know four years ago, started listening to the podcast that you know Jamil, Tasty, Doc, you know, yeah. um, uh, John Plisse were doing, and I learned a hell of a lot of information about that. And that not only gave me some of the impetus to open my own professional brewery, but um, gave me a lot of great information on how to do so. So uh, anyway, that's awesome. done with. But yeah, I didn't know that. Moscow yeah. did not include that in my notes. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. That's Thank great. You. So yeah, that's, I'm, that's I'm glad to get a mention, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's Jeff. And, and Jeff, uh, what is your role at Jester King? Um, well, um, we wear a lot of hats, and it's a bit of a, a kind of communal process we do to make our beer. Um we uh well um I'm a co-founder along with my brother Michael and then uh Ron joined us super early on in our process. Uh these days I do a little bit of everything. I would say um a recipe writing is still a big part of what I do and then um running our kind of barrel program cellar, taking the beer from basically primary fermentation through uh bottle conditioning and then finally to to the glass is uh is a role that I'm pretty focused on right now. Okay. Um yeah, wort, wort making has kind of uh, been picked up by uh, our lead brewer Jordan Keeper and and he contributes mightily to the whole process as well, but uh uh, but yeah, a little of everything. It's kind of interesting that you are are differentiating uh wort making from the, from the rest of the process rather than just the whole process being called beer making what what is that distinction for you well um you know i think uh you know sometimes the the brew day can be a little over romanticized in, in some cases in terms of the, the beer we make uh i mean the wort that we produce that eventually turns into the finished beer is, is is critical and really sets the stage for the flavors we're looking for but so much of it is kind of the journey through fermentation. I mean, I've, I've heard Jamil say, you know, it's all in the fermentation. I've heard a lot of, you know, heard the whites uh, you know, from uh, White Labs uh, say that as well. And, you know, that's that that's absolutely the, the case. Right. So, um, you know, really kind of taking the beer from the brew day, uh, basically the lead up and the, the shaping of the recipe, then brew day. And then really there's another at least two month journey that our beer will take before it gets to the glass. And for a lot of our beers, even longer than that. So uh, not to um, kind of diminish the importance of the brew day, but sure. yeah, it's just... So you're really, you guys are really focused on uh, what? What would you call them? Are they wild beers or, or spontaneous fermented beers? What? Well, we um we haven't done any hundred percent spontaneous beers yet, okay. so I'm careful not to call them anything that'd be approaching like uh, you know authentic uh, lambic or, or anything of that nature. We have done some spontaneous uh, fermentation and kind of yeast capture experiments that that have you know translated to flavors in our our finished beer. Okay, but uh, but so far, I mean, I call them. I mean, we we call them generally speaking, you know, farmhouse sales, which is a fairly broad yeah. uh, category of beer making. Really, what we're into is just trying to do interesting things with uh, not just Saccharomyces cerevisiae, but uh, other organisms. Uh, most of our beers at this point do incorporate some other organisms besides cultured brewer's yeast. And I think, uh, while I like lack some of the kind of sci- you know hardcore science understanding of of, uh, of what goes on in, in, in the beer making process when you start incorporating other organisms, but as far as my passion for beer making goes, that's really where it all lies right now is trying okay. to uh, understand and, and create interesting flavors through uh, things other than just Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Okay, and was that you were a home brewer beforehand? I assume. Yeah, um, yeah, home brewed for uh, a number of, of years. Um, started home brewing back in like the you know about. Eight years ago or so, and then okay. the hobby kind of became an obsession, and wanted to uh, to open my own brewery, and Got it. had my uh, brother's help, and then Ron's help. Okay, what did you do before uh, opening a brewery? 
Uh, actually, I practiced law for a few years. I uh, went to law school. Um, wasn't a bad gig, but uh, just wasn't for me. And uh, right. didn't like that very much. So I decided to. Yeah, you had to, to get actually out. work. Yeah, you know um, who wants that? Yeah, I mean, uh, like what I do now, it's 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 way more hours actually, but I I like it a hell of a lot. I imagine you know it's like you know running the brewing network. It's something you like, you know, feel passionate about, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily feel like work, even though like from an hour standpoint, I'm spending like way more time than I ever did actually quote yeah. working. It's not that many hours. Yeah, I'm here like I'm here four or five hours a week. <laughs> Easy. It's yeah, uh... we, actually Jay and I never see each other, and I'm here three times a week. So <laughs> right. And, uh, Ron, uh, how about you? What is your role in the brewery? How did you get involved with Jester King? Well, as Jeff mentioned, we all do a little bit of everything around the brewery. Jeff and uh, his brother Michael and I are, are all kind of partners, and uh, I work closely with Jeff in recipe formulation and procedures, but then I also deal with uh, making sure that the beer gets into the right hands after it's it's done, so work in distribution sales that that sort of thing okay as well um have I've, you had to break up any brother fights in the brewery um yeah all the time <laughs> every day <laughs> <laughs> okay good to know <laughs> yeah then things thrown and <laughs> yeah oh yeah Ron's I, usually the level-headed person around the brewery, so. every brewery needs one one level-headed person. <laughs> Only one. We, we, we kind of take turns, actually. But <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Were um, you always in the beer industry yourself? Or? Uh, I've been in the beer industry for quite a while. I, I brewed um, for, for a bit uh, about 16, 17 years ago, mid-'90s. I, I uh, did the short course at Siebel in Chicago and, and uh, brewed there for, for a little while and then kind of got involved in other, other aspects of the beer business. I worked in distribution and then in uh, importing for a long time with uh, – Shelton Brothers Importers. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, and then uh, moved to Texas and um, realized that didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of the beers that that I represented with Shelton Brothers were were not available in Texas as I knew, and and uh, uh, there were a lot of limitations to what I could do in in my role there, and was starting to think much more about getting involved in production. Okay, and met Jeff and Michael who had already kind of started the ball rolling with Jester King, so it was, it was just a Really nice fit. So having worked for a while with Shelton Brothers, you must have a pretty nice looking beer cellar. Um, not really. I, when when I have good beer, I drink it. I, I oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I, I, I tend not to save things all that long. Um, and uh, I, I sometimes I'll, I'll save beer for, for a little while and wait for the right occasion. But I, I'm definitely not into just sort of collecting things and sitting on them indefinitely. Okay. So I would ask this of both of you guys, especially since you're doing these kind of farmhouse styles of beer. Is there a, I know there's probably many, but could you pinpoint a beer that heavily influenced you guys into going down this path rather than just kind of making ales and lagers, you know? Um, well, for me, um, it was uh, a beer, Saison um, de la Seine, which is actually from a pretty new brewery uh, by uh, Yvonne DeBates uh, and his partner, his name escaping me, unfortunately, but uh, they're a fairly new brewery out of Brussels, and they did, uh, well, their Saison, I thoroughly thought was was quite excellent and kind of inspired me to make, uh, along with, with you know, Ron and Michael and, and the rest of, of people at Jester King, uh, you know, beers that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, kind of had some diverse uh, organisms involved in the fermentation. Uh, he makes a beer, Saison de la Seine, that's a blend of, of kind of old, sour, funky beer with a you know, young, fresh, dry-hopped beer that's fairly low gravity. A lot of our beers uh, are pretty low gravity, 
and then uh, exhibit a little bit of uh, you know characteristics from uh, the wild fermentation and, and kind of the interaction with uh, organisms as well with uh, with, with hops because we do use a lot of uh, hops, especially noble noble varieties. So kind of low ABV, low alpha with uh, some kind of uh, diverse cocktail of organisms uh, was kind of the first time I really had a beer like uh, like like I just described, and yeah. that was really inspirational. Um, what about what about you, Rob? Uh, I was actually going to name the same beer. I was going to say Saison de la Seine. The the blending of uh, sour beer and uh, fresh hoppy beer is something that that I think has been really special. It's it's something that we've pursued. So that was one of the the first beers that I really tried that uh, in- incorporated that kind of technique. Uh, a couple of others that that are uh, produced in similar ways is uh, a brewery in uh, in Belgium called a. Uh, Kerkum, and they make a beer called Rus, which is uh, a very limited release that's a, a blend of, of uh, aged sour beer and uh, fresh farmhouse ale. It's really tasty. And another uh, Belgian brewery, um, Brauerei Duranka, um, the, um, uh, the Cuvée Duranka is, is another example of okay. that sort of beer that, that blends those kind of sour and hoppy flavors. And, and those... Uh, those beers and also a lot of the beers from uh, Jolly Pumpkin, I think, were, were really inspirational. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're an example of an American brewery that's doing just wonderful things with I agree. wild yeast, and that that kind of shows the the potential there. In fact, Jolly Pumpkin contributed to my hangover today. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little uh, La Roja last night. Uh oh, yeah, good stuff. Have you had that saison they're speaking about, Nathan? I have actually. Yeah, I love both those breweries, De La Sen and. Uh, Deronk. Excellent yeah. kind of modern interpretations of the Saison style and ideas that they do. Actually, had a really interesting hoppy beer from uh, De La Seine recently that Jeff Bagby and somebody else I'm, whose name I'm forgetting went there from the U.S. to collaborate with those guys and actually was excellent. Normally, uh, hoppy Belgian beers are not don't necessarily come out so great. This yeah. is a really cool interpretation of that. And I think some of these ideas about doing Saison brewing or Blending a aged beer with a fresh hoppy beer is pretty innovative. Pretty innovative stuff. Yeah, I, and I agree with Nathan. We've talked about it on the show that I, I used to almost instantly poo-poo hoppy Belgian beers because I just I don't think they were doing it right in the beginning when they first started experimenting. But I think that's changed, and now now very often you can try a Belgian IPA and it's good. I, I think that that some of these experiments have worked out. Yeah, Duranc XX Bitter is an excellent Belgian hoppy beer. I think it's just. Wonderful, hits all the notes you'd want. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was I was going to bring up uh, XX Bitter, and I feel a little bit of a, a need to defend the Belgians on this, having spent as much time as I did on the importing side. But I think there's a great tradition of Belgian hoppy beers, and it's just a tradition that was largely lost um, with industrial brewing. And um, we, in, in all fairness, we don't get exposure to a lot of the best hoppy Belgian beers here. Um, a lot of smaller breweries have been gobbled up by uh, international mega corporations and they're making beers that that are maybe hoppy but also super sweet and that are not examples of what the traditional styles were i mean belgian ipa is definitely kind of a modern invention but there's tradition of of hoppy belgian beers that dates back well before that Mm -hmm. and the um the brewers at Duranco would never refer to XX Bitter as a Belgian IPA. They right. would use that term. A lot of other folks seem to superimpose that term on that beer and on some beers from people like De La Seine. But um, I think uh, I mentioned uh, Kerkum before is another, another Belgian brewery that I like a lot. The Kerkum Blonde, when you drink it fresh, that's a 
really wonderful um, Belgian hoppy ale that, that's just super tasty. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, see, we think of Saison as, as uh, or we think of Belgian beer as not having a lot of hops many times, but Saison's a pretty hoppy style and how it always kind of has been, at least modern interpretation. Yeah, and it, I, right? think, uh, I think one of the keys to that is, is the low alpha varieties. Um, you know, Justin, I'm actually not a huge fan either of some of maybe some of the more kind of Trappist-inspired esters in, in, in Belgian beers that mm-hmm. mix in some high alpha hops that maybe killer in a great you know ipa or double ipa but when you put some of the the high ester yeast character together with some high alpha hops i I think it can be a little cloying so yeah what we're more into i'd say would be like super dry beer that has a lot of interesting yeast character both in the aroma and flavors and then paired with a big dose of uh of low alpha noble hops okay well we have i think a beer that kind of fits that description in our glass right now le petit prince but that your labels are awesome. And by yeah. the way, this is what I pictured that JP looked like as a boy, as a young, <laughs> as a young oh, lad, doe-eyed, doe-eyed, and, and German looking. Yeah, blonde hair. I don't know why, but that's I'm pretty sure that's you uh, on the bottle the, with the weird alien Michael Jackson nose. <laughs> yes. uh, I showed it to the chat, and everyone said that's blobber glob. It also looks like uh. blobber glob. It's actually I, I, I am making fun of it because it's I think it's a funny label, but it's awesome. It's a really well done. It's it's art, man. It's uh, creepy. Yeah, and I love yeah. it. It's really, nuts. really distinctive, cool <laughs> yeah. labels and artwork. Creepy is yeah. what we were going for. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of we're going for creepy on that. You yeah. got creepy. It's like steampunky kind of, you know. Yeah. Inlay in the back and. Yeah. If yeah. I woke up and this guy was staring at me. <laughs> Hello. You have been in an accident. Don't worry. We will care for you. Yeah. Uh, tell us uh, about this beer. So, uh, well, first, just to you know, I'll give a mention of the artist behind it. Uh, we actually have a full-time in-house artist named Josh Cockrell. We met him through nice. uh, the homebrewing community. <laughs> so he does all our label art, and we just ask him to just do kind of weird, creepy stuff. And he, <laughs> and he does it. <laughs> he does it. <laughs> um, this beer, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, the world outside of Saccharomyces cerevisiae. This actually is one of the uh, kind of beers that we still do uh, 100% stainless steel with a, a pure culture yeast strain. We use uh, uh, French Saison. Uh, if you're homebrewing with that yeast, it'd be the Y3711. Uh, we get it from the Brewing Science Institute. Uh, slightly, slightly different uh, character we we perceive. But uh, so, yeah, pretty much of the six beers we bought, this is the only one that's pure culture uh, 100% uh, single strain stainless steel fermentation. So in some extent, I kind of you know, I, I like this beer a lot. The inspiration behind it was uh, Dupont of Real. I had that beer out in Colorado and just just loved it and wanted something that had a lot of flavor. Um, that was pretty low alcohol, around three percent. Um, but with that said, I mean, I, I do kind of uh, as much as I love this beer, I do kind of still bag on it to some extent, being the the pure stainless steel one uh, you know, single culture fermentation, uh, which we still do some of. But uh, anyway, it's a super low gravity beer, uh, ten twenty five starting gravity, so about the same. Uh, OG is a lot of my you know yeast starters. Okay, um, and then uh, super simple uh, organic pills, a touch of organic wheat, and a touch of organic uh, Kara pills. Um, I'm sorry, Kara Munich, and uh, and then just noble hops. Uh, we give it a little uh, golding uh, at 60 minute edition, and then all saws to finish it out. So we try to get some of those kind of spicy, peppery notes from the saws. Mm-hmm. Uh, for being a small beer, uh, very small beer, we still dry hop it at about a rate of uh, a pound per barrel with saws to try to get a lot of. Uh, Kind of hop flavor and aroma into uh, into the finished beer. Uh, from there, it's it's uh, it's bottle conditioned. Um, all our beers bottle conditioned or keg conditioned or cask conditioned, and uh, yeah, so it's about a two month beer to make and uh, super dry and just tried to be a nice base for some nice uh, hop aromatics, a little bit of yeast character, but just about as simple as you can a beer can be really. It's 
in its simplicity, it's awesome. Yeah, that crisp, dry flavor. It's bone dry. Yeah. yeah. I, I just really enjoy that. By the way, also, not only is the beer wonderful, if every interview was like you, Jeff, I, I, I'd probably be out of a job. Uh, you just answered every question about that beer uh, that I could think of in one. That was fantastic. You don't have to pry or probe. <laughs> no, there's no. I'm going to go to sleep, actually. He was listening. You guys carry on and talk about the throw beer. Throw him out there. When you said you had a hangover, he was listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm not going to get shit out of this interview if I don't do it myself. Uh, I think it also, it's also, description is like blubber. It's very dry, very simple. Right. <laughs> so nothing complicated about it. Yeah. yeah. Now, why the uh, 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 organic malts? Uh, is that something you do for all of your beers? Or um, We do that for as much as possible. We do have organic status, and um, about uh, I think about three or four of our beers are, are certified organic and have the USDA seal. A lot of them, though, are, are just um, are, use as many organic ingredients as we can but aren't actually certified because um, kind of the way we brew is we always look for the malts that are gonna, and the hops that are going to give us the best flavors, and if we can get them organically, we, we buy them organically. But uh, okay. if we can't, we're going to use the conventional because ultimately for us it comes down to uh, just the, the flavors and aromas we can get from our ingredients. Um, as far as you know, why organic? Um, you know, Ron, you've kind of spoken to that before. I mean, well, a lot of the issue for me personally is, is just that I, I want our beers to have a strong sense of place and a strong tie to the ingredients and show respect both for the ingredients and for for the people who procure and process them. And uh, I'd prefer not to expose those people to dangerous chemicals if avoid it mm-hmm. um i personally don't really think that a lot of what goes into growing conventional grains is going to survive in the beer and that there's a significant health health difference between drinking organic beer and drinking uh conventionally brewed beer but i do think that it has an impact on, on uh the folks that are responsible for providing us with those ingredients and uh, that's a good point I, i'd rather take the uh extra effort and the extra expense to buy organic ingredients when we can if, if they're available and if, if uh, we can do so without compromising the quality of our products. That is probably the best uh, answer for why uh, go or organic uh, that I could hear. Uh, yeah. Because I think I, I, I like that you point out that you, you're not naive about the product. You, you want the product to be the best that it can be. Um, but if you can do it organically and, if, and impact the lives of those farmers and, the, and that part of the industry, that's, that's just a good, it's a good reason to do it. And it's not pretentious. Right. It, it, it's it's <laughs> much know? more of a, right. a matter of fact instead of, yeah. you know, in, instead of like a just high and mighty kind of thing. Sure. I like it. Now, this beer, the the Petit Prince, Ed, do you sell a lot of this one? Is this popular for you? Um, well, we still make a very small amount, so we, it sells through. We don't have just, you know, pallets of it sitting around. But with that said, it does move uh, slower. It's probably along with another, uh, you know, very low ABV beer called. I didn't bring it here today, but it's called Commercial Suicide, which is kind of a hybrid of a, like an English mild and a, a French table beer. Um, those two beers are our slowest movers, and uh, I, I will get uh, emails from time to time saying like, I, "I really like this beer," but then I read the label and saw it's two point nine percent, and like, I, I, I want my money back. <laughs> wow! I want my money back. <laughs> so, oh man! With that said, there, there are fast. Just movers in house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. There's two different audiences, right? <laughs> right. People that know they want the lighter beer. Yeah. Don't know they want strong beer. Right. Well, people uh, inside the industry want beers like this. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the whole does. tradition behind table beer stems back to beers serving the purpose of an actual beverage, and uh, beer being consumed in places where water wasn't necessarily safe. And this is a tradition that we thought was was great because we all really like beer. We're thirsty guys. We and we work 
pretty hard and sometimes work with uh, hot liquids and dangerous chemicals and heavy equipment and don't really want to be drinking 12% imperial stout while we're doing that. Right. So to be able to grab a glass of beer at the brewery while we're, we're working and still be functional is, is really great. And that's, that's the whole mm-hmm. idea behind table beer. Table beer was something that said was safe to, to drink when water wasn't. It was consumed by everybody. It was consumed by, by children at the time because water would poison them and you know, most people probably didn't want to poison their children. So um, I would. If you look like the guy on this label, low, I would. Lower alcohol, uh, hoppier <laughs> beers were, were something that, that, was, uh, that, that worked well in that capacity. And uh, it's a little bit of a lost tradition. It's, uh, I find it personally kind of frustrating if I go to uh, uh, stop at a bar early in the afternoon and feel like having a little refresher and uh, everything they have on tap <laughs> is uh, over 8%. It's just it's not what I want at that point. Yeah. And uh, those beers can be great. But, but I, I remember an experience in uh, Portland, Oregon, where I was at a, a bar at um, around 4 p.m. and they were talking about all the local beers and I just asked them, what do you have that's under 6%? And the bartender just stared at me <laughs> blankly like, what are you, crazy? Why would you want something under 6%? What's wrong with you? <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think that's kind of, um, it. it's a, uh, a phase of, um, I guess, um, development among beer consumers that if, if you're drinking beer for kind of small sips, if you want uh, three ounces of beer and that's going to be what you consume, then a strong beer is great. But if you're going to, sit around and, and drink a few glasses of beer over the course of several hours, then uh, a, a lower alcohol session beer is, is really what you're after. It's a German brewer friend of mine um, who mentioned uh, in defense of some of the lower alcohol beers that, that he brewed that um, he enjoys spending several hours with his friends, not 15, 20 minutes. Right. So that's, uh, that's where lower alcohol beers really can come into play nicely. That makes sense. And also, uh, we have, we all have shitty friends. That's why we drink higher alcohol beers. Like, if JP's your buddy, you you drink nine percent beer. You oh want, yeah, you want in and out of there. Yeah, you drink to forget when you hang out with me. <laughs> That's that right. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's do this. I want to try some more of the beer, so let's take a quick break, and I want to talk about this process of um, blending uh, uh, sour beer and older beer with with fresh hoppy beer, so that our listeners can learn from you guys. So cool. let's do that. When we come back, we'll talk more with Jester King. We got Jeff Stuffings and Ron Extract in here i got some questions from the chat in front of me if you've got questions you can just hit the chat button or call 888 beer it's the session we'll be right back Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hey Jack, what you doing? Playing Warcraft? No way, it's TBG time, buddy. TBG? Get with it. I'm playing that brewery game. What brewery game? No, that's the name of the site, thatbrewerygame.com. What? Yeah, check it out, man. If you've ever brewed beer in your dreams or wish you could mash in right from your desk at work, you can. Kind of. With That Brewery Game. 
you can brew up a great batch of beer from anywhere virtually. Then you can sell it because in that brewery game, it's legal to sell your beer to the public, create recipes, brew virtually, upgrade your equipment, upload labels, and test market your brand at thatbrewerygame.com. You still slinging pissed off birds into buildings from your phone? Forget that. Try making beer. Sweet. Register right now for your free account at thatbrewerygame.com. Brew. Drink. Play. Thatbrewerygame.com. Brewers Publications is thrilled to announce the release of For the Love of Hops, a practical guide to aroma, bitterness, and the culture of hops by Stan Hieronymus. For the Love of Hops is a resource for brewers of all experience levels. It explains the nature of hops, their origins, and how brewers can really maximize their positive attributes throughout the brewing process. Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says, This book is an amazing compendium on the hop, written at a level of detail that will captivate historians, chemists, and brewers alike. For the Love of Hops is available now from Brewers Publications at brewerspublications.com. Order your copy today and wrap yourself in the binds of bitterness with everyone's favorite brewing ingredient, the love of hops. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. 
and and that Brew Builder software is awesome. Oh yeah, Brewmasters Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at BrewmastersWarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmasters Warehouse Monday through Saturday from ten to six. Visit BrewmastersWarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh yeah. What's funny is Bruce will say, yeah, I don't brew to stop. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a sports beer. Sports beer. beer. <laughs> you know? The, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got Jester King in the studio, and we're talking beer with them. Uh, some more cool labels just made it to uh, our studio desk, and I'm assuming the beer is probably pretty damn good, too. I did have some questions coming in from the chat room already. You can hit the chat button on your homepage, and uh, Bevo will get your questions over to me from there. You can call 888-401-BEER. One question that came through, you, you had mentioned your brother, Jeff, as being involved in the brewery, too. Uh, maybe you get this question all the time, but apparently... One of you's last name is Stuffings, and the other one is Steffings? Yes, that's right. I My last name, which I received at birth, was uh, Stuffings, uh, S-T-U-F-F-I-N-G-S. And, uh, uh, it's a weird name, but uh, I, I decided to keep it. My brother uh, changed his name to uh-huh. Steffing. What a and- pussy. <laughs> <laughs> He couldn't stick it out. Uh, he had something to say about like true to like the historical English origin. I think I it's a see. bunch of bullshit. Okay. <laughs> uh, wow, so. that's great. Well, he's, yes. he's not here. We could talk about it. Yeah, right. of course he's not listening. Sure. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. That you kind of got some cred there, though. I mean, you can always say to him, like, dude, at least I got a real name. Yeah, I'm no cop out. <laughs> no, it's I just take the laughter, especially Thanksgiving. So. Right. Uh, and another question that came through, uh, let me do this one before we go on to the beer, too. Um, you guys were a part of a legal battle uh, with the Texas ABC, right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. Um, we ended up suing the uh, the Texas ABC uh, along with uh, a couple co-plaintiffs, uh, a restaurant and bar called Zach's, and then a distributor called Authentic Beverages. And uh, just as a little backstory, there's some really just sad, bad, silly uh, beer laws in Texas that, that have, uh, despite the growth and success of a lot of uh, craft brewers in Texas, have held our, 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 our scene and, and the Texas industry back. Um, one, we challenged two things. One we won and one we lost. Uh, the thing we won had to do with what we could call our, our beer. There was uh, some really kind of antiquated laws that kept us from calling beer by accurate names. Uh, for example, there was kind of an arbitrary standard where if uh, beer was under 5%, mm-hmm. it, had, it could be called beer, but nothing uh, else than that. And if it was over 5%, it had to be called ale or malt liquor, huh. which kind of created some kind of dis- 
sadly comical situations <laughs> where like you know a, 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 pale, a pale ale that yeah a pale ale that was under five uh, percent had to be called a pale beer it couldn't be called a pale ale i see and uh you know uh, i think it's great <laughs> and then uh you know your uh uh you know your imperial pilsner uh you know could not be called a lager it had to be called an, an ale and you know i remember a sam adams label that said like lager and then below it it said like ale in texas so just some, <laughs> wow so, so just some you know nonsensical naming things and uh that uh the judge agreed with us so that's that's history uh so kind of a a little anachronism of, of Texas brewing history. So now we can call, for example, Petite Prince, uh, we can call it an ale, which it is, uh, as opposed to calling it a beer or, or vice versa. Okay. Um, where we lost, and uh, I know, you know, I've li- I listen to your show, and, uh, you know, I know you've had, like, uh, Scott Metzger from Free Tail in San Antonio and Jeff mm-hmm. Young from uh, Black Star Co-op in Austin. Uh, those guys are, you know, pub brewers. When you start a brewery in Texas, um you have to pick either or. You have this weird either or choice when you start okay. out. You have to either be a production brewery or a brew pub and not the other. So we chose the production brewery route. Okay. So we can brew beer and sell it in stores and bars and uh, anywhere in the world besides Jester King. Okay. And then uh, the pub brewers, like like Scott down at Freetail, they can sell their beer at their brew pub, but mm-hmm. that they're not allowed to sell in stores or bars or anywhere off-site. Really? Yeah. So, like, I mean, which is ridiculous. It's 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 bizarre, and it's really holding back uh, craft beer in Texas. Um, you know, uh, there's so many pathways to success that we see all the time in other states where you start off as like a little five gallon nano and then you grow. And the next thing you know, you're like 10 years later you're in 30 states that, that, that pathway to success is illegal in Texas and wow. other places. So yeah. is it uh, very, is it a unusual or conservative, uh, in- in- interpretation of the three tier system that kind of thing they cite the the politicians and uh you know the lobbyists cite the three tier system as a i think an excuse i think it's just you know anheuser-busch uh inbev uh, miller coors and their distributors have a very large presence in our state um they kind of see it as a a, the last battleground where they really have a system that's entrenched to uh to well to make them as much money as, as possible and uh, you know they've they've uh, they cite you know things such as the slippery slope that you know if the laws change the next thing you know Anheuser Busch is selling straight to Walmart and cutting us out of the business right uh, so you know they they, they hmm. basically try to uh, argue that uh, you know the their whole thing will collapse if uh, if we if we are allowed to sell a couple bottles to go out of our brewery which um, is obviously just a ruse because there's precedent in in, in pick any other state yeah that's always our point like just look at other states and it's yeah. more, you know the, the three, you know it hasn't collapsed. Uh, their their model hasn't collapsed. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you know that's how breweries make a lot of their money. Is their growler sales right off the dock? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sales. No, well, Texas true. wineries can also sell either oh, on really? site or or to go. Wineries, huh? interesting. Yeah. Just after beer. Huh? Hmm. Wow. Well, so you lost that one. We did. Uh, yes, the the judge did not agree with us. So now our uh, our next hope is to go back to the legislature. Uh, the Texas legislature only meets every two years. Right. Uh, so we only get a bite of the apple very infrequently. Um, some older brewers in Texas, like uh, you know uh, St. Arnold out of Houston and Real Ale and uh, Blanco, those guys who've been making beer since the mid '90s, uh, they've they've been trying for uh, you know decades okay. to try to change the law. We've joined the fight just recently since we're pretty new brewer, a pretty new brewery. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it, I mean, it, it must be frustrating as hell. It, it is. It really is. I mean, you know, actually, um, let me point to one that just like as a beer drinker, I probably find the most frustrating is like you know prior to the show tonight, I was uh, at Triple Rock. Uh, with with Scott and Tasty, and uh, you know, drinking some really exceptional beer from from all over the world, all parts of California and, and beyond. And um, 
that could could never happen in, in Texas because mm. for like uh, you know I was drinking um, oh pick one uh, some 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 Hanson's uh, Creek mm-hmm. uh, and you know that that beer for a brewery like Hanson's to bring uh, their Creek to a Texas festival they'd have to pay uh, a five thousand to seven thousand dollar licensing fee just to bring their beer in for a festival and they're not going to going to do that right of course uh so when we have a beer festival in texas we're limited to just texas breweries and then bigger craft breweries that have paid the, the money to to sell their beer in texas wow so like small artisanal breweries like we just we just don't get and uh you should move uh <laughs> <laughs> well or, the, or west texas should secede yeah. 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 austin's cool that's yeah. about the best part of texas right. we actually yeah. suggested that on blue blog that uh, if uh, people want access to these uh, to some of these beers, either considering consider living somewhere outside of Texas or uh, <laughs> try to help us change the law. Right <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, are you your own lawyer, Jeff? Do you do the? Uh... No, I was. I kind of sucked at that. So <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I got out of that, and uh, we were really lucky to have um, um, you know, two attorneys just represent us pro bono, just because they were. You know, beer geeks who mm-hmm. wanted to help out some some small brewers in the okay. brewery scene. So, uh, they, yeah, they did it for free. Otherwise, it, it never would have happened. Right. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yes, JP. Uh, what are we drinking? Yeah, what's in our glass here? Uh, this is our Das Wunderkind uh, Saison. So, when we were, um, last segment, we were talking about the kind of technique of, uh, of blending uh, old beer with, uh, you. with with young dry hopped beer. Yeah. And just kind of the backstory behind this is... Um, we tried to, to, to kind of brew a saison that would be uh, at least as authentic as we could make it to, a, you know, if you kind of think about the early history of saison, you're talking about beer that was brewed uh, without stainless steel, mm-hmm. without uh, cultured brewer's yeast. You know, this is all pre-Pasteur days and uh, probably not in the most sanitary conditions in the world either uh, by farm workers on, on, on farms in, uh, you know, Wallonia. Uh, uh, and um, so uh, what the brewers were very adept at doing was... It, they knew the beer was going to become infected. Uh, just it, it, no way around it. So what they would do is kind of give it kind of an inoculation. Uh, they would call it like a, a, you know, uh, the coupage de beer, basically cutting the beer with uh, some some infected old sour beer, usually Lambic, uh, to kind of give the beer kind of an inoculation that would send it on its right journey. So mm. when that would eventually sour, it would be with the right organisms that were going to still be pleasant to drink. So that's what we did with this beer. We brewed some young, fresh, kind of low-alcohol, uh, uh, clean beer, so to speak, and then kind of give it a big big infection at bottling okay. uh, with some kind of old, funky beer. Not spon- like not uh, spontaneous you know, fermentation lambic, but uh, you know some, some old, sour beer from our cellar. But you and, do that at bottling, so it's not sitting uh, as, a, as a blend for at your brewery. It's, it's no. Uh, yeah, we blend it right at, at bottling. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, about uh, 20% of the beer was, uh, was old, funky beer, and about 80% was you know, young, fresh, uh, dry-hopped beer. And what kind of yeast is the young, fresh uh, beer fermented with? Is that a that Saison with, yeast? Uh, no? Yes, the yeah. French Saison yeast I mentioned, uh, mentioned earlier. Okay. And the hops in that are noble hop saison. Yeah, um, yeah, we used uh, hops like Golding, uh, Saz, um, some Fuggle, some Liberty, which you know, arguably is noble, but but yeah, right. Apparently, that's Moscow on the label. <laughs> Does look a little bit. He's like, kind of a ginger. Yeah, <laughs> Das Wunderkind. It's a good name too. Yeah, yeah. This is a very nice beer. Thank you. And um, you know the, I, I guess how would you know? But the the blending part that that, that you do is it's pretty transparent. In other words, this could have, you know, just come out this way. You could have just brewed it with it because it's just such a hint of of the sourness that's happening. 
that I, I wouldn't have known, you know, that you did this blending technique. Is that something that you're going for? You didn't want it. You don't want it to stand out sour or, um, or is, is it just still maturing? Uh, really, I, I mean, I, I want to just have it be a beer that still has kind of a, of a wild uh, edge to it. I mean, some of the, the other beers we brew are, are kind of more funky or more sour beers that are 100% okay. uh, aged in oak. Uh, this one, I kind of wanted to represent some of those kind of like, you know, fresh, grassy, kind mm-hmm. of somewhat clean flavors, but to, then to be not quite not quite normal, to kind of have a little uh, like funky, sour edge to it as yeah. well. Uh, just kind of add a little complexity to, uh, to, to the beer. Well, the, the, it, it all does blend together really well, those kind of grassy notes and, uh, and definitely some citrus notes in there. The hop character is, it's sharp. It's a really nice, I think it's, it's, it's a really nice blend. Uh, cool. How many different hops did you say are in it? Um, three or four. Okay. Um, sometimes we'll, we don't always, we'll kind of, whatever we have available, sometimes it's, but it's usually uh, golden saws and a little fuggle. Okay. And the little bite to it, I don't know if I'm using the right, uh, but it's it's more like a lactic acid type yeah. of a bite than it is a sourness, in my opinion. There's a slight acidity from the the wild bugs and critters that are in the in the beer that you blended with. I think that's really coming across in the finish, and it really adds to the aromatics of the beer too. It really bumps that up into a realm that you wouldn't get with just a straight beer without without the funky yeah. side of it. It's really cool. Uh, we have a phone question. Okay, should I answer the phone? I wouldn't. If I were you, I wouldn't do that. I, did, I followed the rules. I did everything like I was supposed to. Is it brew onion? I confirmed it. Uh, I confirmed it. I confirmed that. <laughs> brew onion. What's happening? Hi, this is George. <laughs> Please say that. How's it going, guys? How are you, buddy? Um, uh, yeah, I just had some questions. Some quick, uh, two quick questions for the uh, Jester King brothers. Okay, go for it. Um, yeah, first off. Uh, Rutger Bar and uh, and a little shit. Uh, well, it's it's a small town. It's about twenty minutes away, maybe ten minutes away from Mexico. Uh, you know, so the craft brew scene there isn't that that big. But surprisingly, for what we do, we actually sell quite a bit of stuff. And I carry about five of their brews right now. And the problem I that I keep running into is it's just the availability. I mean, it's like uh, it's so hard to get it. I'm just wondering if you guys plan to. Uh, expand uh, anywhere in the near future. I find it hard to believe. Uh, That's you, such a you, softball. You, <laughs> you said just a mountain of beer. It was easy for us to get yeah, it. Yeah, okay. We're like a whole state away. Is that legal to do? <laughs> You're right. In theory, hypothetically, you did it. It was great. <laughs> Virtually. Yeah. Well, so, it, it would have been, except we sent all our beer to California. So. <laughs> right. So what about that, guys? Yeah. Is, is your beer hard to get? Are you going to be able to fix this? Well, it, we we really can't make very much. I mean, we're we're just limited in how much beer we can make um, because of the methods that we we've chosen to embrace. All of our beer, uh, even the beer that that's just stainless steel fermented, is uh, re-fermented in the final package. Whether you're talking about bottle, keg, cask, and we don't do a lot of draft. It's um, about eighty to eighty-five percent of our production is bottle production. We just really do a little bit of draft for kind of special events and a little bit for uh, in-house tasting. But um, we, all of our beer is is, uh, is naturally conditioned, so that means that we need to store it temperature controlled to uh, allow for that refermentation. And then the beer that we're aging in oak uh, is even longer um, 
involves even longer temperature controlled storage and that's a program that we're continuing to expand we're doing more and more sour barrel aged beers which is quite a long commitment to put the beer into the barrels let the flavors transform uh, as as we'll talk about some more i'm I'm sure as we taste some of our barrel aged beers and uh develop the way that we want them to and then those beers actually require a longer period of, of bottle or keg or cask conditioning as well so that space constraint is a real limitation for us on how much beer we can make so in order to expand we we did just add some some new fermentation vessels which will help us a little bit on that front because we were constrained in terms of our fermentation capacity as well but that still doesn't help us in terms of having a place to, to put the beer. So until we can really expand our, our temperature-controlled space and uh, our the space that we have for both barrel aging and uh, bottle and keg conditioning, we're not really going to be able to produce too much more beer than, than we're making right now. Okay. Brew, I need, did you have a second part? <coughs> he said two questions in the beginning. He's multi-layered. Did we lose him already? You get it? We lost him. All right. Well, there you go. Good question. Good answer. Yeah. Thanks for selling your beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so back to the to the blending process of this beer before we move on to another one. And you say that you do it at at bottling. How do you how do you decide on how much of of this uh, uh, um, sour beer that you're going to add to it? We um we decided on a ratio of about uh, three to one of the young fresh beer to the uh, to the old funky beer, just kind of based on uh, on our our palates and 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 kind of what we thought was pleasant. But but knowing that. It kind of won't be until about the four-month mark of, of conditioning that we kind of see some of the aromatics that we're after. Okay. Uh, especially in terms of kind of like the, 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 the kind of funkiness. or uh, And then one thing, and then this is like an area of, of, of brewing science that uh, uh, I, I know when you had uh, Chad Jacobson on the, the, the program, you know, he was talking about some of the, the new areas of, of, of science where hop compounds are interacting with, uh, with, with, with yeast to create interesting flavors. And like... Um, a lot of kind of like this, this well, kind of peachy stone fruit that I that I get in, in Das Wunderkind like is not there uh, at bottling, and uh, really kind of comes through by by spending some time uh, with the dry hop and the, uh, the 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 yeast from our barrels uh, interacting together. So um, on the one hand, yes, it was kind of trying to to see how the flavors worked at the time of blending, but mm-hmm. then that's almost kind of like just just kind of shoving it in a, in a certain direction and letting it develop uh, from from there. I see. And how is the blend itself done? You do it in the in the fermenter. Um, yeah, when when we scale it up, yeah, we uh, we'll take the beer, uh, you know, out of oak and uh, put it into uh, our, our packaging tank, which is just a thirty barrel uh, ferment fermentation vessel. I see. And then uh, we'll take uh, you know the kind of eighty percent of this young beer and just rack it in on top of it, you know, recirculate it, uh, you know, add sugar, and then uh, okay, you know, bottle condition it. And then, so they the, this then sitting at your brewery for at least four months, bottle conditioning? Oh, uh, four, four weeks. Oh, four, uh, four weeks, okay. Yeah, at least four weeks. Um, but uh, with a beer like this, I kind of don't really feel the flavors are fully developed until about like six six weeks, sometimes two months. I would say for anything that, that we brew that has some, uh, some barrel-aged wild beer in it, we'll give it at least two months in the bottle, um, you know, as especially with our 100% uh, blended oak aged beers we see a lot of uh of diacetyl that that kind of flares up uh after the blend uh where the beer will kind of you know get real buttery in the bottle for uh the first couple weeks mm. and then uh and then eventually you know i'm assuming Britannomyces will will absorb that those uh, uh you know diacetyl compounds and the beer becomes you know clean uh, or at least clean in, ter- in terms of not having br- uh, you know butteriness right after that so typically anything that's kind of has some 
you know, non-brewer's yeast organisms in it uh, will be about a two-month bottle condition to get okay. the flavors we want. I do not have the stones for that kind of brewing. Uh, <laughs> I would, I'd, it'd scare the crap out of me if I opened a bottle and it was all buttery and, and, and to have to sit and wait and hope that it turns out good in the end. It was scary the first couple times. Uh, unfortunately, we had had you know a lot of good uh, you know advice from uh, from people like you know Vinny or Tommy Arthur who just you know mentioned you know the beer having to be patient sure. during bottle conditioning and and even bottle shock. I remember Vinny talking to us about and saying that you know even that can happen just like it does in wine. You know? Yeah, and then um, I mean a lot of I don't know kind of when I say a lot I don't really know what the percentage breakdown would be, but a fair portion of. Uh, of you know barrel aged sour beer is you know flash pasteurized and, and force carbonated and I don't want to I mean there's you can make some some very nice beers that way I've, I've had them but for for us I would never trade the flavors we get from uh, leaving the beer unfiltered unpasteurized and then bottle conditioned because we've been that's where we've seen so many of the surprises uh, the flavors we get from the oak mm-hmm. uh, this is some degree surprising but uh, but just kind of where we're just totally kind of mystified is is what happens after we blend and then bottle condition these beers and just the flavors that that will develop and the aromas that will develop and i know that wouldn't happen if the beer were were, were pasteurized at the time of uh, of blending right so uh, i think that's an important part of the, the the process and the downside is it takes up a lot of space and a lot of time and is not a pathway to make very much much beer okay all right we got another caller we got andy wood on the line calling in andy what's happening buddy Hey, friends. How are you guys doing? Good, good. What do you got for us? Well, I, I, I want to say um, that my mom lives in Austin, Texas, and I live in California. And so she had a heart attack, which prompted me to fly out there. And naturally, while I was out there taking care of my mom, I had to find a local brewery, and it was Jester <laughs> King. Oh, perfect. So I took my stepdad. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's a good time. And so I took my uh, stepdad out there, and we had a great time. They have such an amazing brewery out there. It's a total farmhouse, and they have, like, a setup with, like, outdoor games and picnic tables and it was awesome and right now i'm actually drinking an ru55 which is outstanding they're they're red sour hopefully you have some of that there but i had a more important question for these guys and i hope i hope that they don't mind me asking um because i grew up in the the you know i was born in 1972 and part of my life was um i wanted to be a stuntman because of hooper and all that stuff and as my stepdad is driving we passed the brewery and went uh, a little bit further down the road next door and noticed that next door there was a thing called Stunt Camp. Stunt Camp. Uh-huh. And it blew my mind because they were, they were firing off fireworks. They had overturned cars. There were people doing stunts. And I want to know what the relationship is between the brewery and Stunt Camp <laughs> and how I can become a part of uh, this relationship. And if right. we don't have a relationship, I'd like to, I'd like to build that relationship for them <laughs> right. and do stunts um, off my bike. So that's my question for them. And the beer is outstanding. The yes. RU55 is outstanding. We'll be so getting to that soon. All right. Well, so what do you, what do you think, Jeff? What's your relationship um, with Stunt Camp? You can have a beer after you blow shit up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Um, That's a good relationship. So, if you're going to visit both places, we strongly recommend that you uh, you go to the Stunt Ranch first. <laughs> right. Um, no, he's our neighbor, and uh, he's got this property where he literally blows stuff up and uh, has uh, a paintball range and a gun range, uh, which, um, you know, it's, it kind of makes it very, very Texas. You can just hear gunshot, <laughs> right. gunshots uh, at the shooting range as you drink your beer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, you know, he's just our neighbor, uh, okay. <laughs> just our crazy neighbor. Nice, nice guy. He always we have an open invitation to go shoot guns with him, and which is not something I'm really into. But uh, but 
but yeah, uh, nice guy. <laughs> so funny. Texas, where you can blow shit up, but you can't sell beer in a grocery right, store. Right. Don't piss them off or, <laughs> or at the brewery. Don't drive your car. <laughs> or at the brewery. Yeah. Right. At the source. That's perfect. It is a training camp for stuntmen. I don't think you understand, but it is a training camp. <laughs> I mean, right. This is, it blows my mind. I drove by it and I saw fireworks going off and children running around. It was the best thing in the world. And I just, it added to the ambiance of the brewery. And by the way, everyone in Austin is absolutely gorgeous and in great shape. And that beer was outstanding. And the barrel room was great. Right. And, um, that's all I have to add to the show, and have a good night. Thanks, Andy. You. There you go. Um, that is what a good job that guy has. He teaches people to be stuntmen and women. It's crazy shooting at people all day <laughs> and not hitting them. I want to do that. What's with the fireworks and then kids running around? Are they, are they part of a stunt? Kid <laughs> wrangler. That's stage two in the list. Yeah, right. Right. Well, let's try another one of these beers. Uh, yeah, please while do we're that. doing it here. Cool. Um, I, well, um, well, Ron, I've introduced the last two. You want to introduce uh, Russ? Sure. Uh, this this beer is uh, our sour red ale, which is called uh, RU55. We also refer to it as Russ. Uh, it was actually kind of a, a tribute to a gentleman named Russ Beatty, who uh, is a brewer who helped us out quite a bit when we were getting started and who we, we owe quite a debt of gratitude to. So um, he's a... a, a big fan of sour beers and Britannomyces beers. We brewed this as, as a bit of a thank you and named it in uh, in honor of him. Um, the, the image on the label, though, is, is not of Russ. It's of uh, this kind of weird robot um, automaton that uh, that our artist uh, Josh came up with. And uh, Josh, he, he always just seems to have the right inspiration when he tastes the beers and tries to develop a character around them that, that just personifies it. And for for whatever reason, he felt like this uh, this robot was the right personification of, of this uh, sour red ale. Um, this is a style that I think is brewed really, really badly by a lot of people around the world. Um, <laughs> I agree with you 100%, 100%. 100%. You taste a lot of sour red ales and taste really nothing but vinegar and sugar. It's just it's something that is, I think, so misrepresented. And I personally don't believe that anybody actually likes beers that that taste like vinegar. I think that some people convince themselves that they like them because they think they're supposed to, but I'm not sure that there's anyone who legitimately enjoys vinegary beers. Um, I I guess I can't say definitively that nobody does. Somebody may call in and say, hey, I love vinegary beers, and I guess I'm not going to argue with them. Right. But I will say definitively that I don't like them and that I don't think any of my colleagues at Jester King like them, and I don't think that sour beers have to be vinegary. Um, I think there, there's a reason why lemonade is a popular beverage and vinaigrette is not. Uh, there, there's fruity sourness. Uh, you can get softer acids that are really pleasant on the palate, and then you can get uh, harsh, volatile acids that, that aren't. And we really try to stay away from the latter. We, we do a longer period of barrel aging at um, cooler temperatures. We, we keep our barrel room below 65 degrees to avoid acetobacter growth. And just give the beer the time that it needs to develop a, a softer, subtler acidity, and uh, and we we also let it ferment out completely bone dry. So we feel like by doing it that way, you can get a lot of fruitiness in the beer and a lot of of, of um, I guess a, a sort of perceived sweetness without residual sugar, and you can get a very soft, delicate acidity that does, that isn't vinegary. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were going for in this beer: is that we wanted a red, a sour red ale that had that kind of fruitier acidity and, and had the more delicate um, perceived sweetness without actual sweetness. Yeah, uh, I think you did just that. It's probably 
one of the most sour beers I've tasted that does not have the vinegary aspect that you're talking about. Uh, I, I find because I think you're right that a lot of the beers do end up with that kind of harsh acidity and that vinegar flavor um, in order to get as sour as they are. And this one is very nicely sour and not vinegary. It's a pretty impressive uh, feat, I think, that you've done. Uh, you say that that's mostly a, a, a temperature control thing, temperature and time? Temperature, patience, yeah, I think that that's a lot of it is uh, just, it, it's easy to brew a, a very acetic beer, or mm-hmm. relatively easy and relatively quick to brew a very highly acetic beer. You can do um, pretty rapid souring with acetobacter and get a beer very, very sour very quickly, but it's not going to have the kind of um, delicacy or the, the kind of complexity that you'll get if you do a much slower uh, process at cooler temperatures and and um, focus much more on uh, lactobacillus and peucoccus and mm. um, uh, on the softer acids. I feel like the wool is being pulled from over my eyes. I feel like I'm tasting, as I'm drinking this beer, I'm able to taste what so many of the other beers should have tasted like, what they were trying to taste like. Does that make sense? It feels like like it's been uncovered. I think I think there's an assumption that if uh, a, a Flemish red ale is coming from Belgium or from Flanders, that it's got to be good. I mean, this is where these beers were originally made. So, yeah, of course, yeah. these are the people who invented it. They must be doing a great job. But I don't think that that's necessarily a fair assumption because a lot of the beers that we're getting from that part of the world now are, are made by large industrial brewers mm. who have taken a lot of shortcuts in the process and are doing things in a way that isn't wholly authentic anymore. Mm. So I think some of the best examples of this style... Um, that can be found now are from places like Italy and Oregon and other parts of the world well outside of, of Belgium. I, I really can't think of a great example of this style that I've tasted from a, a, a Belgian brewer recently, and happy to be proven wrong on that. If <laughs> right. somebody has an idea of, of a really good example of a Flemish sour red coming from Belgium, um, I, I, I can't. Monk's Cafe. <laughs> Monks, yeah. Now, I, I'll I'll get uh, nail polish remover out of that almost every time. Yeah, you know, and uh, the Duchess de Bourgogne. Mm-hmm. Very that's sweet. A, that's uh, drinking yeah. white wine vinegar with nail polish. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. And, and then Rodenbach and, is way and too saccharin, sweet for me. Maybe. Yeah, and uh, saccharin was actually used it. in some of these beers because it's unfermentable. Um, right. So if you want to sweeten and you're not going to kill off the yeast, then adding artificial sweeteners is a way to do it. I guess pasteurizing is uh, and killing off the yeast is, is the other way, but those were kind of the options. that uh, We want to advertise that our beer is unpasteurized, so let's add artificial sweeteners uh, mm. as a solution, and that's just not something that we're really on board with. So we really wanted to revisit the origins of this style and pursue something that may not taste exactly like a, a Flemish red would have tasted uh, 30 or 40 years ago, but that is, is much, much truer to the spirit of uh, what, we think this beer should be all about okay and so what are the uh, some good fermentation temperatures uh, that you're using to we make keep our um our barrel room between uh 60 and 64 fahrenheit uh, we get a little nervous when the temperature uh goes any higher than that we um um I, I think you know being in a very hot climate where we are uh we have to you know basically spend a lot of money on on refrigeration to keep our, our room we have a spray foamed barrel room that uh you know we keep it at constant temperature mm-hmm. the other thing is keeping our barrels topped off and, and full to kind of avoid any headspace oh where, yeah uh, uh, we could see uh some some o2 pickup 
And um, and then we use a lot of uh, American oak. I, I wouldn't say that it's uh, essential. Obviously, it's not essential to making a beer that's that's not very uh, acidic. But the American oak uh, is a little bit of a tighter grain wood than uh, than the French oak, uh, which will allow a little less oxygen into uh, the beer over time. Which you know will probably make a little more favoring of of of, of the lactic sourness as opposed to the uh, acetic. Uh, a little acetic can be okay, but it just really needs to be. Yeah, kept in check, and uh, and 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 we use French oak as, as well. So I, I don't mean to, in the least bit, suggest that you know French that you oak can. can't be used to make okay. a really awesome beer. You can, of course. Okay, and right. I agree that a little acetic is is okay. I wouldn't sure. go as far, Ron, as to say that I like vinegar. I think you're you're right about that. That that to say that you like the vinegar quality is is probably an, <laughs> is an overstatement. You can deal but, with it sometimes, but a little bit yeah. of it, uh, you know, a little bit of bite there is okay. Um, and well, strong flavors tend to present very, very well in small samples. And I think that the the sampling culture that we have among beer tasters now and among beer geeks, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. It's great for being able to get exposure and for people who are doing things well to, to get some recognition. But it also does sometimes encourage tasting things in two-ounce or one-ounce sample sizes and evaluating them on that basis. And when you're doing that, of course, the most aggressive flavors are going to stand out. Something that's really subtle, that's really delicate, may not show itself in that sample size. So you've had like five or six sips. Right. So, so if, you, if you taste something that's full of acetic acid or that's full of like super high alpha hops, is, is a similar example, that's got some really intense flavor component, that's definitely going to stand out, especially among a field of several beers that, that you're trying in, in that sitting, maybe. Mm. But if you try to drink a whole glass of it, it may not be quite as enjoyable. Yeah, that, that makes sense. What I uh, noticed on the label, it says, uh, farmhouse yeast and wild yeast cultured from the Texas Hill Country. Oh, is yes. that where the Texas Hill people come from? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just Texas. <laughs> I see, yeah. Um, yeah, when we started up, we did a number of, uh, of yeast capture experiments where we'd uh, let wort uh, be inoculated in, in uh, overnight by leaving mm. uh, beer cool overnight. And then from there, we get a little more technical and send samples off to uh, to a lab, to the Brewing Science Institute, which is – we don't have a, a lab at Jester King. We are uh, kind of use uh, you know, an off-site lab for that. Mm-hmm. And um, so they would send us back uh, – Propagated samples of, of the various wise, uh, wild yeast strains mm. that we captured, and nice. uh, we'd experiment with them, and then uh, you know just basically threw a lot of stuff against the wall, uh, trying to start a barrel program with various strains we got back from uh, from the lab, and uh, just kind of through a process of natural selection, arrived upon some 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 wild yeast strains that we wanted to incorporate into our, our beer making, and it's kind of uh, self propagating because the way we actually make our sour beer is by uh, blending uh, old beer. Uh, in with the young beer, uh, similar to what we do at Das Wonderkin, but instead of then bottling at that point, we'll send it all back to, to Oak. So we okay. basically will brew about 30 barrels of, uh, of, of young beer that's going to go to Oak, uh, rack it to our uh, packaging tank, take about four or five barrels of old funky beer, uh, blend it in, recirculate it, try to get the microflora evenly dispersed throughout the beer, and then rack it uh, all back to Oak. Um, so that, that's kind of how we, we make more beer. So we just kind of, it's kind of a, what we uh, hope is kind of a winnowing upward because we just take our best barrels and use it to, uh, to blend into the young beer to make, to make more. So hopefully it's kind of the, the yeast that are uh, in, in organisms, souring organisms that are a program are, are constantly kind of being naturally selected by, by us, the brewers, uh, to make, uh, more, more beer. Okay. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a great beer. It's, it is very yeah. good. It's, it's You're the dumping sour, the right ones. Has a little uh, hot bite, I think, going on. Yeah, um, balances very well. How does the that uh, kind of crisp, sweet, and even a little fruity flavor? Uh, wh- what's that coming from? And and this is where I kind of suck with my brewer knowledge knowledge because I'm not I, I don't I'm such a practical brewer and, and don't know the hardcore science behind it. Uh, you know we do use a, a lot of caramel malt in this beer. Mm. Like the the recipe is uh, uh, very much like uh, you know um, it uses a lot of uh, Cara Red Melanoidin, um, oh, uh, Crystal One Twenty Crystal One Sixty. Okay. So this is a beer that um, you know just coming out of the uh, primary fermentation is is pretty sweet. It has a lot of caramel malt character, and then I think once those uh, caramel malts in the beer are subjected to barrel aging with wild yeast and bacteria for months in, in an oak barrel, uh, a lot of the uh, the sweetness is, mm-hmm. is gone, but some of those kind of fruity uh, flavors uh, from the, the caramel malts are still yeah. still present. Mm-hmm. So I, I attribute that yeah, like C20, C120, C60. Okay. You know, it's so, uh, such an awesome characteristic. You know, get a lot of people uh, saying the fruity characteristics from... from from higher caramel malts. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like... Uh, uh, the dextrins that they produce, primarily, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting at when I said I feel like the wolves being pulled out from over my eyes because I feel like those are flavors that I would have tasted in other beers if they weren't so entirely covered up by the taste of vinegar. And and because you have kept that, uh, is it the Acetobacter low in this, I'm able to taste all of that. All those characters. But I'm unfamiliar with it. So I could, you, you could just as easily have said, oh, yeah, we, th- we put cherries in there. And I would have believed you. Like there, it has such a, a, a clean, absolutely uh, tart cherries, yeah, flavor to yeah. it. Um, it's really great. It's a you've nice. done a good job. Thank you. I think that some of these flavors also can get thrown off if the beer is too sweet. That flavors that in a dry beer present as as fruity as pleasantly fruity be, can become very cloying if there's too much residual sugar. Mm. So that's one of the fun things to play around with with this kind of complex grain bill is to be able to bring out some of those fruitier. Um, malty notes without having them present as too sweet. Mm-hmm. Are the two uh, beers that, that end up being blended are done from the same yeast, or, or does it, in essence, have two different uh, yeasts in the beer? Um, well, uh, for, for primary, you know, it just has the, the one single strain, pure culture, which is actually something we're starting to gravitate a little bit away from, is doing single strain, pure culture, primary. We're trying to develop kind of a more of a mixed strain primary fermentation yeast. But, okay. but for example, this beer was all, um, you know, French Cezanne yeast for primary. And then uh, really kind of the, the whole kind of cocktail of organisms got introduced uh, at the uh, inoculation stage. I see. Where the, the old beers blended with the young and then farmed out to several several barrels. Um, how many organisms are actually in, you know, this finished beer? Uh, we put it under a, a microscope before and it was just a bunch of funny shaped uh, rods and ends. <laughs> right. So there's the, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. And then we actually just uh, we have a, an apprentice right now. Um, her name's uh, Adrian. Uh, she's from uh, a winemaking background and uh, was she actually attended Davis and uh, you know actually knows something about uh, fermentation science where <laughs> I don't. And so uh, she's kind of that's one of her uh, projects right now is actually trying to kind of figure out more of what's in our finished beer in terms of the the micro microflora. Okay. Always bring a lady. That's right. <laughs> I had a question come through about these uh, style of beers. Apparently, he's a guy who's known you, known your brewery since the beginning. He says, I was one of the people who saw your original business plan, um, which was more mainstream, he says. Um, when you guys went the Belgian farmhouse route, which he says rocks, um, did you get any grief from investors? 
Uh, a little bit, and and just kind of the backstory on that is, uh, you know, I, I I started writing that business plan back in '08, and uh, you know, I was very just much influenced by by more uh, the Anglo American world of, of of brewing, and like our original lineup was like a Hefeweizen and uh, uh, I think a double IPA and uh, some kind of variation on a porter, and um, and th- those are all well and good, uh, you know, that, that's, those are fantastic beers. But uh, but then I met Ron, and uh, he really had a massive impact on the direction we ended up going. You know, prior to that, I had never had beers from, for example, like you know, De La Sen or, or Jolly Pumpkin mm. or or Cantillon. I mean, just all the beers that really kind of influenced the beers that we wanted to to make. So uh, yeah, Ron kind of took our our direction in a major turn. He can be very persistent and ultimately <laughs> uh, kind of win the day in terms of the the debates we have. So so he's the one we should be thanking. Uh, <laughs> right now. Or blaming, depending <laughs> yeah. on perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we do this? I have some more questions in front of me. I want to go through them and make sure I, I get to them. So we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll try a little more beer when we come back. Um, if you've got questions, just hit the chat button on the homepage or call 888-401-BEER. we got another segment with the guys from Jester King here. And uh, get me your questions now. Hang in there. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their new Snaplock stainless steel camlock fittings will make connecting your pump or heat exchanger quick and easy. Or check out their exclusive paintball tank-based draft beer equipment. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. When Michael Fairbrother started Moonlighting, he had no idea how quickly his dream was going to grow. Having homebrewed for 15 years, Michael decided to go pro, but not with beer. While attending his homebrew club meetings, he saw ladies knocking their men out of the way to try his mead. Moonlight Meadery is now two years old and can produce 200,000 bottles a year. It's the first New Hampshire winery to ever distribute to California and Australia. In fact, you can now find Moonlight Meadery Meads distributed nationwide. And they ship direct, too. They produce 56 different varieties of mead and are unlike anything you've ever seen on the market. Michael Fairbrother at Moonlight Meadery is a real success story that can make the BN Army proud. Visit Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire or online at MoonlightMeadery.com Moonlight Meadery. Romance in a glass. That's it! I've had it! I am never putting hops 
in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special secret elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, his storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha <laughs> Yes, J.P. we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a pint. Don't be silly, J.P. We have beer to brew. BN Army, Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's, Nottingham, and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeved shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Mix me your 100-grain amber recipe, and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Where I do believe I am starting to just barely feel my hangover go away. Yeah, things are things are looking up thanks to uh, Jester King and some tasty goodness that they brought into the studio here. What are we going to drink now? 
Uh, this is our uh, uh, funk metal. It's a, uh, a barrel-aged uh, sour imperial stout. It's possibly the best label I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's so you know, red. I have to rush through this yeah. sour red. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I guess uh, Bootsy Collins, well, I'm probably going to see this now, but, but <laughs> Bootsy Collins was one of the, the inspirations. Maybe a little Hendrix, maybe a little Andre 3000, but uh, yeah, but yeah um, we just definitely like to listen to Parliament when we're blending this beer and okay. just keep it funky. Uh, but um, so this was um, uh, basically the, 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 the beer will start out as kind of um, uh, with our uh, Imperial Ooh. Stout, uh, which is a, um, we call black metal. Um, it's a Imperial Stout we brew with that, that, that French Saison yeast. And then we'll uh, send it to Oak, inoculate it the same way with the same process we do, the, uh, the Russ, and then um, uh, age it for about, uh, about nine months. Uh, this beer uh, kind of takes a, lot of, a long time to see the complexity we're looking for. And then um, we'll add actually in a little bit of, uh, of lighter sour beer, including some, um, this particular, this is a blend number one that we did. And uh, this one we actually took some, uh, uh, some 100% uh, Brett uh, Bruxellensis uh, beer uh, that we uh, just fermented, uh, oak fermented, uh, which kind of had more of, uh, more of a softer character and kind of, I mean, as you kind of strip away a lot of the sugars, um, some of the, 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 the roast that's left behind can become a little, a little harsh. So we actually um, we are happy with this this beer like straight out of the barrel, but we thought it could use a little a little softening, and that's kind of where the the blending came into play. And so we had this uh, kind of side project experiment of like a 100% Brett B fermentation uh, in oak that we thought would be a good candidate to uh, to blend this beer with. Okay. So it's probably I would say maybe like uh, the blend was about 80 20 80 uh, percent uh, soured imperial stout and about 20 percent. Uh, 100% uh, Brett B uh, fermentation in oak. Uh, blended the two together, bottle conditioned them. Uh, the ABV actually dropped a little bit. This beer typically finishes out around a shade over nine, but because we blend in about 20% of the, the Brett beer, um, uh, the Brett primary fermentation finished out at like, you know, eight, two hmm, with the lower okay. gravity beer and then, then bottle conditioned it. And uh, it's actually been in the bottle for quite a while now. We bottled it on uh, our first blending and bottling was on uh, June 12th of last year so it's had some time in the bottle as well okay it tastes to me like something that will that can and and should even keep aging it's gonna oh uh, man it's wonderful and i it just seems like it, it would hold up really well to even some more aging i think so i mean i think this we were kind of trying to figure out how our beers will will age this this one i think will stand up to cellar temp for for quite a while yeah okay um you know another point that i i guess i'll kind of recycle here because i thought it was an awesome point that uh uh, Chad Jacobson made on your uh, your prior show that he was talking about kind of the oxygen scavenging ability of uh, of wild yeast and uh, you know in his opinion the best uh, IPA was a bread IPA I don't know if I agree with that but uh, I, I do think there's something to be said that you know these beers I think will stellar a little better because again of that oxygen scavenging ability of of, of yeast I think if it's a, just a straight Saccharomyces beer um, and it's not really kept at some some you know careful cellar temps. It's going to start to oxidize and show the signs of it. So this has none of those signs in in, in this one. So yeah, yeah. All right, Steve-O's on the line. Got a question? Hey, Steve-O, what's happening? What's up, man? How you doing, Justin? How you guys doing? How are you, buddy? What you got? Good, good. Um, I'm a big fan of Jester King. I have a few questions for him. Okay, go for it. Um, yeah, there's a. First of all, um, I live in Southern California, and I've had a chance to have uh, the Black Metal Stout before you guys distributed here in California. But I noticed the new Jester, the, the black metals we're getting, say 100% farmhouse. I don't know if you guys covered that yet. 
like what's the difference in the two from the old the, the original batches and now yeah that and also go ahead sorry. Oh, go ahead i'm sorry I'll, I'll ask my second question later um yeah so um that kind of harkens back to some of the point where we're kind of an odd brewery in the sense that you know we started off like on paper in a very anglo-american direction and part of that you know quite admittedly we try to just be very honest about our backstory was was out of out of fear hmm. like when we started up uh we were told uh, by you know beer drinkers, professional brewers, especially kind of advice for some professional brewers like you like you will go out of business in this market without like a blonde, a wheat, and a and an amber okay. and an IPA. And uh, for that reason, we kind of kind of entered the direction we are now with maybe just 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 one foot forward at first. Where we our first beer ever was our, our Boxer's Revenge, which is uh, you know barrel H Wild Ale. Uh, but the, the at the same time, we were also brewing with two house yeast, an Anglo American. Uh, uh, well, IPA, rye IPA, and then a, a kind of English Imperial Stout that we're doing with English yeast. And uh, so our first uh, Imperial Stout ever was brewed with uh, with English yeast. Okay. And then uh, about a year into things, we uh, decided to kind of, um, I don't know, kind of forego some of our Anglo-American direction and just focus on kind of farmhouse sales entirely. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we went to one uh, primary fermentation yeast in our brewery. Um, so there's still some bottles of our original Imperial Stout floating around, uh, which is, I mean, it's a good beer. I actually haven't had one in quite a while. I don't know how it's holding up to time, but mm. uh, definitely finished a whole lot sweeter, like like 1028 uh, specific gravity, where the uh, one with the Saison yeast finishes around uh, 1012, which is still pretty sweet, but uh, you know, much sweeter. Okay. I'm sorry, less sweet than the English. Did right. you? Sorry, go ahead, Justin. Did you change the malt bill when you changed the yeast strain for a beer like the Imperial Stout? Uh, slightly. We made it an all-malt beer. Um, the one we were doing with English uh, ale yeast, we'd actually uh, dose in uh, dextrose into during primary fermentation. It would start out at like 1083, um, but then we'd add about you know 250 pounds of dextrose, like dose it in during the course of the fermentation, about like 50 pounds a day starting on like day four of fermentation Mm -hmm. and uh we didn't we decided not to do that with the um uh the one we did the saison yeast we just uh started we knew it was going to finish lower so we didn't feel the need to really kind of dose it with dextrose to get the uh the abv a little higher so we um it was it ended up being an an all malt beer that still finished uh, around the same abv but just without the uh the dextrose one of the tricky things i think in using a belgian style yeast with Roasted malts is that sometimes the phenols and esters clash. I'm not getting that here, which is really interesting. It's kind of a tough thing to pull off. They did it really well. Well, cool. Um, I think this beer actually just has the, the, the benefit of uh, really, really kind of drying up. And then some of those phenols, uh, I think, are being uh, uh, the, the, the compounds, the chemical compounds that are producing those phenols, uh, phenols I, I think, are being consumed uh, during the, the, the wild fermentation. Because some of the kind of spicy esters... Uh, we're not that are present when we rack this beer to oak are not there on the on the back end coming out of, of the oak. So the certainly just the aging process does a, a huge number on this beer to to my liking really. I think it retains enough of the chocolate and roast, but it's totally different after the the barrel aging and and the, and the blending too. Steve-O, do you have a second question? Yeah, yeah, and I noticed the the newer version of it is a lot more drier too um, on the black metal. And yeah, um, the second one was what, how big of an influence was "All Shall Fall" the song uh, from Immortal? Because I've seen that video and it just looks like the Jessica label <laughs> to the T. I know. Immortal was uh, actually we uh, they were really cool. They um, actually the corpse paint on the original label kind of resembled uh, a bot from Immortal, 
And uh, we actually heard from them uh, asking us very politely and very cool to change the the corpse paint. Oh, really? On, on, yeah. Wow. And, uh, so we did, and uh, yeah. So, but yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, the first label kind of resembled the lead singer of, of the band uh, <laughs> Immortal. But uh, nice. but yeah, I mean, our names, all of our names, kind of have a an imagery, kind of has some kind of tie back to someone at the brewery. We try to allow someone to have uh, some influence on all of our, our labels. Uh, mine was, was, was black metal. I listened to a lot of, you know, death and black metal music. Metal. And, uh, Hell yeah. Um, Hell <laughs> so, yeah want- have you heard of brain oil? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I have not. Oh, <laughs> that's Nate's Of course band. not. Yeah. Yeah. Of course yeah. not. <laughs> Nate, Nate's tricks, we've never man. We've never toured. I'd, I'd so. love to listen to yeah. it, though. Cool. <laughs> all well, right. You guys got to tour Austin. I'll follow you. Thanks for the call, Steve-O. Um, all right. I had some other questions here, too. Uh, since we're talking about kind of the names and stuff... Um, Say it like this. <laughs> Garad in the chat room wrote in, uh, the name Jester King is a little odd. You can be a jester or a king or a king's jester. What's with the name? Why was it chosen? Did um, Scott write that? Yeah. The the name was uh, was kind of an analogy and uh, you know to, uh, to us, kind of the, the jesters of the beer world are, are, are brewers doing you know, interesting, creative things with, with flavors and... Kind of the king in the equation was was Anheuser Busch InBev, and mm. we wanted the gestures to be the the king of the beers, uh, not AB. So <laughs> I see. it was uh, I don't know. Uh, we were just screwing around. So <laughs> that's, uh, I love it. We couldn't come up with anything better. So. All you're screwing around has resulted in some really good stuff, man. That's no, better than Narwhal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Definitely better than that. Uh, let's see here. Butterfly beer. <laughs> How about a blending question? A home brewer needs some help. You can do that one, Jeff. Um, he says, I'm about a year away from blending a three, two, and one-year-old Lambic. Wow. Uh, <laughs> how would they suggest <laughs> blending a uh, 35%, 35%, 30% ratio uh, without overexposure to air? Each Lambic right now is in five and a half gallons uh, in a, in a six-gallon carboy. Uh, first, I would say just just cheers to you for uh, you know actually having the ability to blend goose because that makes me incredibly envious. Uh, mm. I um, would love to someday get to to to, to blend uh, uh, you know spontaneously fermented uh, beer. Uh, something we hope to do one day. But um, so I'm as far as the the, the really the magic of of, of doing. I know you've had uh, Jean Benoit on the show before, so the question might be better posed to him. So uh, <laughs> as far as like how to blend that correctly, I I, I don't know, and wish I could uh, could answer that. But as far as just avoiding oxidation, though, I mean we purge all our barrels with uh, and tanks with CO2 prior to racking. You know we 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 purge our our barrel racking apparatus, our racking arm with CO2. So it's it's pretty simple to avoid oxidation. And then of course I think you know the, one of the beauties is uh, I've never had a, a lambic or a goose from the 1970s but i but I've, I've heard they're out there and that they still are actually ron did have uh he was uh his parents unfortunately their basement got flooded during that uh hurricane that swept through uh, uh new york and long island and uh, he was helping them uh clean out their flooded basement and found like a box of forgotten 1983 uh boone uh Creek, oh. 80, uh, eighty-six from Boss. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And and had it held up? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it yeah. really wasn't that. We we pulled a couple of bottles and it, it wasn't at its best. But okay, it was still yeah. interesting. I, yeah. I've tasted older goose too. But I, one thing that I would say with that question is that uh, I it, I suspect based on the question that your your home brewer was very uh, um, meticulous with uh, his or her methodology in, in producing those beers. But 
blending on that level is very, very difficult to do as a home brewer because a big part of it is selection, and you need a critical mass to be able to choose from. So the idea of, of brewing a batch of beer and saying, I'm going to age this, uh, I've got a five-gallon barrel that I'm going to keep for five years, and then here's another barrel that I'm going to keep for three years, another one for two years, and I'm going to blend these together. It's probably not going to work exactly the way that you want it to because we can't just say that we're going to age a barrel for a certain amount of time. We've got to keep evaluating each barrel that we've got, and some of them are not going to come out good. That's just an inherent part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, Contione dumps a reasonable amount of beer that they brew because the barrels just don't turn out right, and we do the same. And I think anybody who's really doing barrel aging in earnest that, and embracing wild yeast, that's just part of the process, that some of them are just going to go off in a negative direction. Some of them may need a lot more time than others, and a big part of the skill, skill that we're trying to learn, still trying to learn is evaluating those barrels and deciding what's going to make for the right blend looking for certain flavor components and then putting those together and if if you're going to just put all your eggs in one basket so to speak put all of your beer into certain barrels and say this is how long i'm going to keep them and then i'm going to blend them together you may come up with something good but you're probably not going to be able to come up with something that's as good as you would if you really had that critical mass of, of beer to more to choose, to choose from. from yeah uh excellent point uh and you just broke that poor man's heart ron <laughs> he's been waiting for three years and now you, he's heartbroken three years uh, no, no, no no he gave him excuse you should taste them now yeah you yeah. shouldn't wait and and it's an excellent point and even just with the don't just plan oh that's going to sit there for one year no it should sit there until it tastes the way you want you know you well hoped for, that it would taste or something so i did uh, excellent ad- advice there so yeah if you're going to be a home brewer and you want to do that buy lots and lots of small barrels and brew a shit go. ton of beer and keep it around uh so that you have enough of that critical mass to but then, then, choose from. Then to kind of throw a, an issue, a, a wrench into that, I mean, with the real small barrels, the, more, the smaller the barrel, mm-hmm. you're going to get more oxygen pickup. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be very hard to make, uh, you know, a lambic in a five-gallon barrel. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, we, I, if, if, if we were to do it, I would choose like a 400 to 500 liter barrel yeah. uh, or punch in something of that nature where, and then I would top it up initially after, you know, the first couple months of fermentation because otherwise the beer over three years is going to, the angel share is going to create a lot of headspace that can lead to oxidation. So that's another wrinkle. It's, it's, that's, yeah. It's well, my bit, guess yeah. is he's, he's using glass carboys anyway, but even still, if you're then going to tr- try to impart some barrel age flavor by actually using a barrel, you're right. And, and by the way, that is another question that came through about how often you guys do have to top up your barrels to keep it that way. Um, we um, we'll top up uh, our, our fruit beers, and we've never released a, a, a fruit beer uh, before. But we've been you know adding fruit for the last couple of months into our barrel program, and hmm. and we'll, um, we'll 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 top those up simply because we can't really when we add the fruit get them uh, nice and really full. They'll start to ferment, and uh, we'll actually see. Uh, you know, some some beer loss just coming out of the. We leave them unbunged, and and the, the the beer and the fruit will kind of come out of the bung during uh, primary fermentation. So we'll top those back up. But uh, with the contact time that we're giving our uh, our beers, for example, like the, the the rust or the funk metal, it's it's typically not over a year. Usually, it's more. You know. Um, minimum six months. Usually, more around that like nine month mark. And in that time, we haven't felt that. We've uh, ha- seen kind of um, some some oxidation, oxidation or kind of acetic characteristics, so we haven't felt the need to to top off. If if we, if we were seeing that, we, we 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 certainly would. Okay. Can I say about this beer? Uh, the you know sour stout. I usually get a lot of acrid, over roasted characters. Yeah, exactly. Nothing like that. Yeah. It's just a a beautiful dark, 
sour beer. Yeah. That's part of the reason that we blend in some lighter beers is that when the beer dries out in that way, when, when the little bit of residual sugar that's there ferments through, then it can really bring out some of the, those uh, kind of harsh, acrid notes that you were describing. And when we first brewed this beer, it was, it was sort of an experiment. We were just putting all of our regular production beers into barrels to kind of see what happened. Mm-hmm. And we were a little bit pleasantly surprised that we really liked the uh, the sour stout. When we put the black metal into barrels, gave it some time with uh, with wild yeast and bacteria, we liked the results, but we did feel that it had a little bit too much of that kind of harsh, um, acrid, dark malt character. And that's where the idea of blending in some lighter beer to soften it up really mm. came into play it's a good idea mm-hmm. i wish more people did that delicious <laughs> i really do you wish more people brewed good beer i do <laughs> i do <laughs> or at least knew you know at least knew how to how to how to blend yeah uh it, it yeah it's i anyway i uh, like it a lot i had a couple packaging questions come in for you guys um somebody asking if uh you, a boner you ever plan on uh, bottling in smaller uh like four packs or six packs Something like that, smaller bottles. Uh, maybe Ron. Ron, you know, his background is more of the import side of the business with his time at Shelton. So you have a better answer than we've gotten that question before. I think not know. anytime soon. <laughs> okay, good enough. Uh, um, the, the the slightly longer answer on that is is just that seven fifty mil package is one that makes a lot of sense for us for for a lot of reasons. We really like the way that our beer conditions in those bottles. It makes sense as. Uh, uh, a size for us and it, it's something that we can sell profitably at the scale that we're producing so in order to to put beer into four packs generally you go to a store you expect to pay about the same for a four pack or maybe a little bit more for a four pack as you would for a 750 you're getting twice as much beer and a lot more packaging um it's a great deal if you're a consumer but it's not the best deal if you're a brewer and it's it's just not something that would be very sustainable for us right now at the scale that we're operating at so unless we reach a point where we really have some more beer than than uh, we're able to uh to put out into the market in 750 mils then it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for us to go in that direction okay or for us to do more extensive draft for that matter either that was the next question. The Padre wrote in, um, Ooh. if I could ask uh, about kegging beers as opposed to bottling and if they have plans of kegging more of their beers. Uh, he's up in North Texas um, where he says they used to get your beer in kegs. Well, when when we first started producing, we, we did actually all kegging while we were working on the labels and while we were kind of getting a handle on bottling on a commercial scale. Um, we were also at that point force carbonating our kegs, which is something that we don't do anymore. Uh, we saw it as, as sort of a necessity at, at that stage just to try to get a foot in the door to get beer out into accounts. We felt like we sold naturally carbonated beer where the first pint people were pouring was sediment and where carbonation levels were maybe a bit higher than what they were used to, that we wouldn't really be able to, to uh, have a lot of long-term business in, with bars around the state. So we we did what we thought we needed to do to get the beer out there, which was force carbonating it, trying to make it a bit more consistent. Uh, once we start bottling our beer, we really strongly preferred the way that our beer presented in bottles, and we preferred the way that it presented naturally conditioned. So now when we do keg beer, it's all keg conditioned, naturally conditioned, re-fermented in the keg, which means that it is going to pour with some sediment initially. It needs some time to settle. It's going to pour more carbonated. You need to dispense it in much more of a European manner where you pour some of the beer, let the foam settle, and then top it off. A lot of bars aren't going to want to deal with that, and there's also the issue of line maintenance, which in Texas uh, the brewery or the distributor is responsible for 
and um, that that's an extra level of work that goes into it as well. So essentially, we have the option of presenting our beer in a format that we don't like as much, that we could sell for less money, and that <laughs> requires a lot more maintenance on our part. Um, that really doesn't strike us as quite as appealing as uh, <laughs> in a different direction. Right. All right. The more you say, less you make. It's yeah. Perfect. Fair enough. Uh, here's a question um, from Rosham Brew. I get it. Uh, do you experience a pellicle in the package? Uh, yes, uh, not with um, all of the uh, uh, the beers we do, but uh, for example, Funk Metal, I see some kind of white flakes that kind of uh, start gathering towards the uh, the neck of the bottle as mm-hmm. it's left uh, undisturbed, and I think that has to do with kind of that uh, that kind of diacetyl phase that the beer goes through, where you can see some active fermentation uh, with with wild yeast and bacteria still in 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 solution during bottle conditioning, and it will, the beer will throw up uh, a pellicle, uh, not like a super chunky one, and uh, but but it you know it's kind of it was kind of freaky at first to see this right. like, white film on top of the the beer, but. Um, um yeah so we do see not with all of them but 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 with some of the beers we do see a pellicle form. and then it just kind of takes care of itself it goes uh, away well it just kind of well it falls to the bottom well it just kind of goes in your glass and because <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if you have to keep it at the brewery while that ha- it doesn't leave the brewery until after that phase has happened or or this could happen while it's on the shelf uh yeah that, that happens uh I, i've yet to see it on on the shelf but but i've definitely seen it in the brewery and uh we've We've set beer out with uh, with, with with the pellicle on it before. Okay. As long as we thought the flavors and the conditioning were good, then, then it's fine. Point, so. And as the consumers are be- becoming more educated about this, obviously some might be slower to learn that than others. Do you get any scary emails about like what the f is that white shit in my beer? Oh. <laughs> Uh, we haven't gotten that that particular one yet, <laughs> okay. and uh, you know, I mean, I think you know, to to as a new brewery, we're we're standing on on the shoulders of a lot of of, of giants at this point. With you know, not giants in terms of the amount of beer they make, but of the quality of of really introducing. You know, I mentioned like you know, Lost Abbey, Russian River, Jolly Pumpkin. Yeah, you know, it's. I think they probably had to deal with the freakout factor a lot more than we've had to now. Where where our our issue, we're still make, making a very small amount, but it's just like. The questions we get is like, well, when can I get more? And so we have an enormous luxury as new brewers that we owe to the you know the veterans in the industry. Sure, yeah. How many barrels are you guys making right now? Uh, about a thousand. Uh, we, okay. we actually brewed about uh, two thousand last year. Sent about a thousand of it to Oak, and then uh, sold uh, the rest. Uh, so, um, but yeah, we sold about a uh, one thousand uh, barrels, and probably won't do too much more of that. Um, you know, this year maybe twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. We're 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 very very small okay and are you against growth uh you know will they is there a point in your mind where you you go no that's that's all we're going to make or are you just trying to do it slowly i the big thing i want now is just an expanded barrel seller um right i mean these beers they kind of get in your 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 skin like where it's really like all you want to do and and uh i want more uh temperature control space for oak which in texas you know means basically another Mm. build out of uh because you can't just you know store these beers at at ambient temperature and and, i see so um so yeah uh I, I want an expanded barrel seller. I want it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know that, that's what interests me. Um, we probably have all the stainless right now that we may ever have. Um, okay. Just not interested in a whole lot of more, uh, you know, growth in terms of volume. But I would like to make um, more of what we've done so far because a lot of it is now just a couple hundred cases at most, and then. On top of that, I'd like to, you know, right now we're at a stage where it's kind of frustrating. Where some of the projects I want to do, we just simply can't 
do it because we're out of we have about 300 uh 350 barrels right now and we're out of space and so we need uh uh more more space to do more uh, kind of fun fun projects and experiments that that may ultimately get sold or may get dumped or right something like that so that's the kind of growth i'd like to to see i mean i could see maybe being i don't know two or three times bigger than we are now but but i don't ever see us being you know your next regional okay okay uh, for barrel sizes, and and uh, have you thought about or considered, uh, you know, Chad Jacobson? We've talked about him. Uh, what are they called? I forget what they're called. He's those fooders, big fooders. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, have fooders. you considered that kind of a, a fermentation vessel? We have, and I'd like to get some fooders in. Um, for the time being, though, uh, where we're still, you know, going through very much a you know a learning curve with these these beers. I mean, you know, again, like three years ago, I was, uh, you know didn't know anything about this, and I'm still it's still a massive trial and error learning process where we have tons of beer that that doesn't work out and ends up mm. you know going down the the drain it's, it's a lot better than it used to be where like half our stuff just from a barrel program we thought were, were failures and, and and dumped but uh at this point it's better but um you know no one ever says that on this show <laughs> i have to t- you have That's to true, know actually. that other brewers are doing this and yeah. they all puss out and don't tell me that they don't say we dump a lot of beer you're the only no, one who comes no in one, here and is honest about that. No I, I think it would be more embarrassing to say that we don't dump a lot of beer. It's like, <laughs> we experiment a lot. We do a lot of things that we don't know if they're going to come out good or not, but we're going to sell it to you either way. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> that to me would be a much more embarrassing position to take right. than to say that we experiment a lot. We do things that we're not quite sure how they're going to turn out. And if they're not good, then they don't leave the brewery, which right. is, you know, where, where we're at. Well, right. and I think beer drinkers know. I mean, you know, we, we've ran into a, a few beers that are suddenly labeled Belgian. <laughs> no, right, that's yeah. a contamination issue Belgian that you surprise. had in your brewery, and you're trying to make money off that batch instead of dumping it, which I can't yeah. fault anybody for, but people know. People and, know. Be and, honest about it. And there's probably... I'm not I'm not saying that everyone who comes in here says nope, they don't dump it is lying, but... The, it's probably also the types of beer that you guys are doing, too. Like you're saying, Ron, you, you guys are experimenting a lot. Uh, probably the guy who's just doing the pale ale and things like that is being pretty honest when he says he doesn't dump a lot of beer. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Sense. Yeah. Um, but, but back to fooders, I mean, right now, I, we probably will get some fooders at some point. But right now, I'm just kind of having fun with the, the variation from, you know, 60-gallon barrel to 60-gallon barrel. And that's that's kind of a lot of fun to see the, the variation where, uh, given our limited space, if we had just, you know, a couple of fooders, it would be, I think, a little more monochromatic in the, the flavor profiles. Uh, so uh, for now, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the, the smaller barrels. Okay. And are you using new barrels? Uh, no, we get them from uh, mainly wineries, um, some distilleries, um, but uh, we're, we have, there's a very vibrant wine industry in Central Texas, and uh, places like Fredericksburg and Stonewall, which are just like a two-hour drive from our brewery, are a lot. Of, there's like 20 wineries, so okay. we uh, you know have some of the advantages some of the nor- no, uh, Northern California uh, brewers have here with the access to, to wine country and barrels. Okay. And from like a inoculation standpoint with the barrels, do you end up having like a like favorite barrels, like your workhorses that you know, oh, that this barrel is so badass. I, anything I put in it, it's going to be good. Uh, definitely, uh, yeah. There's certain ones that uh, even though uh, we are, who would think we would have to retire them because we don't scrape our barrels. Like eventually, you know, you'll the, the pores in the barrel will kind of become lined with with, with kind of beer stone and mm. and some of the the penetration of the oxygen, which will kind of drive some of the the souring, uh, will, will cease, and you can kind oh, okay. of either take the barrel apart and, and scrape them and then certainly with like the fooders uh you know for example like uh uh you know i know they they they, they scrape they've talked about how they scrape their barrels to mm-hmm. kind of open up the pores so we we don't do that we do about like three fills and then retire the barrel uh 
and sell them on is like rainwater collection or, or planters. But there's a couple that like we're surprised are still making some really nice sour beer after like three or four spins. And, and uh, yeah, so yeah, they're okay. Yeah, some, some kind of cherished it's, barrels. That's still a short lifespan. I it would seem you know only only running beer through it three times. That 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 that, that buildup happens that quickly, huh? Yeah, we've been disappointed with, uh, with 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 some of our uh, older barrels, just in that they kind of have to lose their their luster in terms of uh, the flavors they're producing, and we attribute that to uh, you know the, the the oxygen permeability kind of decreasing below levels that we want. I don't know that for a fact, but but that's our our, our theory on it. Got it. That makes sense. That's why, like, when you go to Canteon, they have that crazy contraption with the yes. chains that they use to kind of scrape off that outer layer or the inner layer, I should say, in the barrels to help create some of that micro-oxidation. Exactly, yeah. They'll reuse barrels, you know, dozens and dozens of times, apparently. Yeah, yeah and that, you know, that's, that's exactly right. And that's, I, I love that they have developed a, a really cool contraption. It's crazy. To do right. That, yeah. It's so medieval. Yeah. <laughs> Look at too. It looks like a torture device. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the size of your brew house? You mentioned the 30-barrel prank tanks. I get the feeling your brew house is smaller than that. Um, we do have a 30-barrel uh, brew house. Really? It's, um, uh, uh, For 1,000 th- barrels a year. Yeah, um, we um, uh, we only brew about once a once a week. Okay. Uh, it's a two vessel system, uh, mash louder ton, and then uh, uh, boil kettle. So you um, put the hot liquor in the in the fermenter, and what do you, how do you get? Oh, uh, we do actually have a, a oh, hot, on demand. Yeah, we have a hot and cold liquor tank, which are just oh. uh, dairy tanks. Okay, and so yeah. Okay. Um, my brother Michael, uh, who's uh, you know my co-founder, he's um, kind of our um, person who built everything and kind of keeps the brewery going. Nice. Uh, so. Um, yeah, we'd be screwed if that was my job. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, we've got a little time to try yeah. your Brett Saison. You want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, a beer that some folks had at the Winter Brews Fest recently. We had a yeah. opportunity to pour a little homebrew there, so I brought this, and uh kind of fits right in with some of the beers that we've had, too, from from Duster King today. I mean, especially similar to maybe something like Wonderkind. I actually blended a uh, fresh Belgian blonde ale in with an aged Saison that had been... Uh, Aged with Britannomyces bruxellensis. Okay. Because I thought the Brita- pure Britannomyces bruxellensis saison had a little bit too much aggressive Brett character, and I wanted some of the fresh hoppiness, kind of similar to what what these these guys are talking about in blending in a fresh beer. Okay. So I'll send that around, and we can we can talk about it a little bit. But it uh, originally kind of started out as a, a saison that I, I wasn't really happy with the uh, full level of attenuation, like a sta- standard straight-up saison. It was mostly... Uh, Belgian Castle Pills and just a little bit of sugar, like uh, Hollertau, Styrian Goldings, and Saws. Saws at Flame. And I remember you mentioned that, uh, Jeff, that you like to use uh, Saws in the brew house as well, too, I think. And that's the one that shows really well with Saison type yeast. Uh, and I didn't quite get the attenuation I wanted. It stopped at about 10, 12, or uh, about 4 Play Doh. And. Uh, about three to four Plato, and I, I just thought adding Brett might be an interesting way to take that beer into a new direction and give it new life. Okay, and then let it sit for about six months. Use Brett Brooks lenses because it was kind of a known quantity from beers I'd done before with Brett. That's the classic kind of Orval uh, strain of Brett, and I just thought it would be interesting to see how it went. Really liked it a lot. Uh, brought it to Winter Brews Fest, and people got a good reception for it. Yeah, so, we were all raving about it. Yeah, it's a really, really. So just to be clear, you weren't trying to repair a beer we get that question a lot where people right. are like oh, okay i'll just add brett to it if it's a bad beer but the, the beer tasted okay but you I were like looking it i just want a, a little more dryness yeah exactly and i thought it would be kind of a opportunity to i was doing a lot of traditional saison brewing last summer and that was uh you know i wanted to try brett at some point but didn't know which beer it might be and this was a was an opportunity presented itself to to give that a shot so mm. 
and it was uh, I never intended originally to put fresh beer back into it, but thought that would be one way to add an interesting element to complexity, kind of similar to what what Jeff and Ron were talking about yeah. earlier too. So, and you can taste that similarity from uh, like the the petite uh, that we had first yeah. in in the in the brightness of it, in that hop brightness that is in uh, yeah. the petite and and your beer. Um, so I think they're really both a good testament to this blending fresh hoppy beer back in. Yeah, I was really intrigued by what what the stuff that Crooked Stave is doing with uh, pure Brett fermentation and Brett adding aromatics to beer. And this and in this beer in particular, there's not a big sourness or not a huge funky character from the Brett, but I think it adds like almost like a sandalwood, like kind of a yeah, cool, totally interesting aromatic. Yeah, you get that on. It's kind of yeah. a fun way to play around with the beer. So a bit yes. of an experiment. I actually thought it was pretty cool that it was you know better than i would have hoped in some ways it's a standard saison range in terms of uh, not too high abv it's about six percent alcohol so it started in the mid 50s and finished out in about the single digits after after adding the brett so mm-hmm. i think it's it, it let it sit about six months to six to nine months is an interesting range to let these beers kind of sit and you don't really get much of the brett character that you want before that i don't think um, yeah. Did you say any of it was was Brett primary or was it all? Uh, no, oh, the, right. the primary primary was uh, the White Lab saison one, the five sixty five, oh, right. which can be a fussy one, which yeah. is one reason why it didn't probably didn't finish out on me like I wanted. I had used that yeast previously and had great results, but for whatever reason, this particular batch didn't go as far as I wanted. So it's it a good mistake. Op- opportunity to play with with Brett on it. Yeah, yeah. So if this nice. sat around for another year or so, would the Brett keep going? Is there a moment? Uh, possibly, but it's. I, mean, I took a gravity on it today before bringing it over, poured a sample, and checked it again. It was about like less than half a play-doh, so I don't mm. know if there's much okay. much left for it to go any any further. But it's interesting because you you want some Brett flavor in there, obviously, but you also want that fresh hop flavor that you have in there. Yeah. So it's a beer that you sort of age and don't age. You know that, like you're exactly. saying that that six to nine month range. Um, but you don't, you maybe don't want it because, because yeah, maybe I would get a little more Brett flavor out of it later on, but then I'm missing out that other great quality. It's going to stale. Exactly. Or fade. And trying to dry hop directly had been one direction I'd taken with these style of beers before, at least a, Mm. um, you know, maybe a Brett finished beer or something along the lines of a traditional or vol or something. Those are nice too, but I thought that might be too aggressive in, in this one in particular. So blending back some fresh beer that had some nice sauce character was one way to do that without adding pellets it might be a little vegetal yeah harsh to go that that direction certainly not that it's It's a good beer um thanks man what's the the, just a base saison recipe uh roughly base saison recipe is uh 95 percent castle pills and then five percent turbinado sugar the there was a bittering charge of hollertau for about 20 ibus and then uh stirring goldings for about another 10 ibus for the 30 minutes before flame out and then about two ounces of check saws at at flame out this is for a 10 gallon 10 gallon batch so pretty simple saison mm-hmm. style or belgian style uh recipe and then of course the primary ferment was that uh dupont strain the wlp 565 saison mm-hmm. one why the sugar is that to get it to dry to help to drive attenuation yeah exactly. i see you can almost skip that with a beer like this maybe and just mash really low the made i should mention that to you mash tempo is 147 on this so fairly low to help drive attenuation <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, what was the ratio of uh, of Brett beer to to young beer in this? Good, yeah, really good point. The ratio is about fifty fifty, about fifty fifty. I like that wow. you have two thirds and one third though, like you guys are talking about. That's a kind of a cool 
realm realm to do it too. Two thirds fresh beer or three quarters. Yeah, fresh we, beer? we we use more fresh beer and add a mm. small amount of mature beer, but it's not it's not just Brett beer. It's also it it has the uh, acid bacteria in there as well. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, this didn't have any um, any of the uh, you know lactic acid or or um, acetobacter kind of qualities to it either. It's just straight. Brett, so. How did you decide on the fifty-fifty? Did you do samples at different ratios, or you just went for? I it? I tried to, and then I just said, "Well, forget it. Let's just bring this to the Winter Brews Fest and try it blending at fifty-fifty." I actually wasn't sure it would. I would get what I wanted out of it. And let, right. Did that and let it sit for about three, four days. Went back and tasted it, and was pleasantly surprised. So. You were like, "It's just a bunch of douchey BNers anyway." Yeah, they're just going to drink it down. Nobody really cares. <laughs> so you know, right? So, so you blended it and served it. Well, what about blending it and selling it to see what happens now with the, with the blended beer? I do have a little bit left. I think I'm just I am going to do that. Just let it maybe. sit and see how it goes. You know, see if it changes, mm-hmm. if it changes in a way that I like, or maybe not. But yeah, yeah there's only probably about yeah. a gallon left. So. Yeah, it's a great beer. Good job. Thanks, man. A lot of fun. Are you guys able to do festivals? I know you said your well, you, they weren't your words. My words would be that your festivals suck because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't have beer from all over the place. But uh, with your small size, I mean, are you able to go do festivals? Uh, yes, um, we've done a, a number of festivals. Um, actually, um, our, our favorite so far, and I encourage anyone listening to check it out because it was really just an incredible festival. It was uh, the Shelton Brothers Twelve Percent Festival. It was in uh, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts last year, hmm. and uh, this year it's going to be in Portland, Maine, and it's just an incredible gathering of, of just small artisanal brewers. So, nice. But uh, we, we go to some other ones. Uh, Ron, you're headed to think South Carolina. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Charleston Brewvival is uh, next event that we're doing. That's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, we're, we're really selective at this point about festivals that that we do. It's got to serve a, a purpose for for us and really try to get our beer specifically uh, to to people that we think will uh, will appreciate it. Our, our motto at Jester King is that we we brew what we like, drink what we want, and offer the rest of those who share our tastes. <laughs> and, nice. Um, we we have to try to target people that we think are likely to share our tastes, which isn't to say that that's not going to happen at some of the festivals that we skip, but we we just don't have enough beer to to be able to do everything. So we have to try to choose the ones where we think we'll we'll reach out to uh, our most likely consumers. Got it. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for bringing in the beer. Um, we have I, more to taste. It looks yeah, we've like. got more. Well, and I'm not throwing you guys out either. We got a little more. I got to get to. Um, but uh, you're welcome to stick around. But I did want to thank you for taking the time and and even, especially for coming all the way here. We we like yeah. having in studio guests much better. Oh, this has been really cool. It's been been an honor to be. I'm a big fan of the show, so it's really cool to be here in person. So yeah. that's awesome. You guys didn't put forty dollars in this case, did you? Yeah, was there forty dollars in this box of beer that you sent by chance? No, huh? Mm, that's too bad. Hmm. Hmm. All right, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe Moscow gave kept twenty and gave them twenty back. <laughs> Be quiet. Uh, excellent beers, uh, excellent uh, packaging, and thanks so much oh, for spending time with us. Yeah, the the labels are equally as rad as the beer. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's a nice it's a nice find. One last yeah. question: uh, Are you still Panther fan, Jeff, or are they not metal enough for you? Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything I say about Jester King from here forward hinges on the answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honestly, I've got uh, some CD. I haven't heard. I don't know. Still Panthers. Uh, I'd love we'll to roll them for you right here. We'll yeah. have to place them at <laughs> cool. the break. Uh, also, right. Brain Oil, Nate's band. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. All right, Jeff Stuffings and Ron Extract. Uh, we didn't get to talk to the brother who changed his name tonight, but uh, <laughs> the other uh, Jester King uh, in the group here. And thanks, guys, for being on the program. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you Our very pleasure. much. 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a, a break. And uh, at the break, I'm going to play a little audio from SF Beer Week. What are we going to listen to, Moscow? Is it the opening gala that we're going to be listening to? It's pronounced gala. The opening ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's ball. actually not. No, it's uh, <laughs> no. the new opening ball is now two nights earlier because mm. it's SF Beer 14 Days, right? Right. right. Yeah, this is from Anchor Brewing Company. Uh, you and uh, Their o- opening event. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, so we'll hear that at the break. We'll come back. i got more to do. We're going to taste some Moonlight Mead, and we're going to talk to the boys from Fast Track, the people from Fast Track, I should say. I'm not sure they're both boys. Um, but so they probably are. There you go. <laughs> all right, it's the session. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Did you know the Brewing Network's very own Code Writing Fool's son, Ryan Wolf, has opened a beer mecca in Missouri. The Wolf Brow House of Beer has hundreds of beers from all over the world and is conveniently close to I-70 in St. Peter's. Free tastings, Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m., featuring special guests from local breweries. The best build-your-own six-pack around with every style represented. And kegged craft beer available for your kegerator, too. There's always something new at the Wolf Brow House of Beer. New and hard to find beer every week. No two visits are the same, just like passing out at the Rat Pad. Hi, this is Ryan from Wolfbrow House of Beer. Mention the Brewing Network when you stop in for some cool free stuff. Mention JP for a swift kick in the ass. The Wolfbrow House of Beer. Beer with personal service from a member of the BN Army. 
This is code. Visit my son's shop or I'll yank the fucking website down. www.wolfbrow.com Here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate chocolate and stout roasty cocoa chocolate insanity hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life all at beercandy.com hop drops and beer caramels satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy visit beercandy.com today Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Jamil Zena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at £7,000. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer has... Excellent That's just a crazy dream. Or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own ale and water for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of superior customer service and the finest selection of home brewing goods for the future. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Now it's short and stout. With Scott the Jew. Well, it kind of is, but it's more that there was just no other intro to do for this particular segment, which happens to be coverage of the first event of SF Beer Week. And when we say SF Beer 12 Days, we really do mean that. This was Wednesday night at Anchor Brewing Company. The opening celebration technically is Friday night. Anyhow, it was the unveiling of their California Lager as uh, a year-round release after a wild success as a seasonal. You can start to look for it on the shelves. It's got the bear from the California the flag or something close to it on the label. For this particular beer, Anchor has partnered with the California State Parks Department to help with funding by donating a portion of the proceeds from the sales of the beer to the parks. And I know we're getting a lot of mileage out of Anchor these days, uh, but believe me, you would too if you could. That place is unreal. As we were leaving, the ever-gracious Mark Carpenter was like, you know, you're welcome here for a pint anytime. And I was like, you know, don't make me take you up on that because I'll be here every damn day. And I, and I would, is the thing, I, I would. Uh, anyhow, let's start off with Jerry Emery, and I'm the Director of Communications for the California State Parks Foundation. They approached us several months ago about a potential partnership in conjunction with the uh, release of the new California Logger, and of course we were quite excited about that. 
we do have you know a lot of partners up and down the state, and to be able to um, coordinate with such, I mean, you know, Anchor Brewing is San Francisco. They've been around for close to 150 years. Great tradition, and they're very concerned about the status of the California State Parks, which have been taking a huge hit these last few years. And so any help that we can get is um, very much welcomed. We have a a multifaceted agreement, the center of which is that a percentage of each six-pack of California lager that is sold um, will come to the foundation. And we have what is called a discretionary grant program, and we'll create a new discretionary grant um, named after Anchor Beer. And we'll use that to give grants to people that are working in state parks and on behalf of state parks to improve them and keep them open. Over the years, a $1.4 billion, with a B, deferred maintenance issue has accumulated in state parks. And that means things like, you know, electrical systems that haven't been fixed, uh, septic systems, because a lot of state parks are in rural areas and they don't have access to normal sewage systems, uh, historic parks that uh, have leaky roofs. It goes on and on and on the list of deferred maintenance. So the more that we can work with companies like um, Anchor Brewing that step up to help us out um, is, is really quite phenomenal. Uh, hi, my name is Jeremiah. This is a California lager. It's a recipe that came from Boca Brewing, which was used to be up in Tahoe, up in northern California. In the 1800s, they couldn't lager beer on the West Coast, and that's how we ended up with steam beer in San Francisco. But in Tahoe, they had ice lakes and snow, so they could pack in their their barrels and you know whatever vessels they were using to hold the beer and actually let the lager yeast work all the way through it. So we got the recipe from Boca Brewing, and we put it out as our first Zymaster release. It was a huge hit, so this year for San Francisco Beer Week, we're releasing it as our newest year-round release. It's California Lager. Jay's grabbing a sip of it. What's your impression? If Mexican weed were... (laughs) (laughs) Off the record! (laughs) Sorry, off the record. It's a great beer. It's um, kind of a light, easy-drinking lager. You know, it's not a big... It doesn't have a a ton of body to it. It's just kind of smooth. It's a little bit fruity. I think that might be from the steam yeast, but I think it's a great beer. I think I would drink a, a six-pack before I even felt it, for one. JP, what are your impressions? I think it's good. I didn't, it sounds like I cut in the word good when you <laughs> said, this is shitty, and I made it say this is good. Uh, no, I, I, I really enjoy it, as a matter of fact. It uh, has a spiciness and a sweetness that kind of blend together. There are some fruity notes. Uh, in my mind, it, it's fruity like if you eat a underripe apricot. I think it goes really well with the hops and the yeast characteristics. I really enjoy it. I'm Dave Burkhardt. I've been with the brewery almost 22 years, and uh, I've involved in all of the label design, graphics design, packaging, point of sale, that sort of thing, and was uh, intimately involved uh, with our wonderful designer, Jim Stitt, on the creation of the label for our new beer, Anchor California Lager. You know, in only 22 years, it strikes me that Mark would consider you a baby. I'm just a pup. I'm just a pup, uh, you know, or a cub, I guess you should say, since there's a bear on the label. <laughs> it is actually kind of an amazing place to work when you think about uh, the legacy that everybody has around here and the in- incredible history. You know, you ask anybody that's been here for a while, and they've got great stories to tell about the early days and uh, great knowledge about craft brewing. Uh, this label was super, super fun, and uh, it was inspired by the original label from Boca Brewing Company, which was the label for California's first genuine lager beer. And uh, But we, of course, wanted our own label, our own special label for the product. Uh, when I went out to meet with Jim Stitt, 
the label designer on his boat in Sausalito, as we always meet, um, I said, okay, one of the things that's got to have a bear. We've got to have a bear on the label. And he says, I don't do bears. He might have thought you meant big gay men, though. That's it. <laughs> and so, uh, so I said, okay. Uh, so I had a wonderful book called Bear in Mind by a woman who works at the Bancroft Library at, at UC Berkeley. Uh, we leafed through the book together, and we found the perfect bear in this, in this book. And it's a bear that was a woodcut from 1856 that was first published in Hutchings, California Magazine. And I went over to the Bancroft Library, and our wonderful friends over there were willing to scan it for us from the original and uh, give us the bear that became the bear on our label. And uh, that bear, that very same bear, was the inspiration for California's current state flag. Although you might notice on the flag, the bear is heading in the other direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our bear heads east, and that's the illustration we had with him heading east. And uh, the bear on the flag, of course, heads west. You could have easily mirror-imaged it in Photoshop, right? And is there a reason you didn't? Absolutely. The reason we didn't is because Boca Brewing's bear on their label, on their original label for the original lager in California, was also heading east. And uh, so we thought it was appropriate to just leave him alone. And actually, it's very appropriate to leave a grizzly bear alone. <laughs> I, well, I thought you were supposed to run screaming at it or waving your arms up wildly. All you have to do is run faster than your friend. Uh, my name is Keith Greger. Uh, I'm the CEO and president of Anchor Brewers and Distillers. Where'd you find that job listing, like Craigslist or Monster? <laughs> Not quite. I, I had to put the whole thing together myself. This, this particular beer, Anchor California Lager, we had developed under our Zymaster series and got such a phenomenal reaction to it, we decided whether we could actually commercialize that beer. And that amount of effort you know, takes us a bit of time to figure it out, how to do it. Uh, we've managed to do it. We've got it out now. But when we, an anchor puts out a product, we don't want to just put out another beer. We want it to be meaningful to what we're doing at Anchor. And so the great fun thing for us was, was really looking back into the history of beer in California. Now we're, we're launching it under the Anchor brand as Anchor California Lager. Same beer, same principles, but we found it's got phenomenally great reviews and a lot of interest in it. And then, as you were saying about the parks, that for us was a natural. Think back to our histories, the history of Anchor Brewing Company and the history of California State Parks are about the same. We go back to the uh, second half of the 19th century. And so with this beer reflecting that, it's been a fun partnership. And I just was talking to some of the people from the, uh, the parks, and they are absolutely thrilled with the relationship. The work that we do with our beer and the work that they're doing trying to raise the visibility on the parks work and work hand in hand. So this is a relationship where the parks benefit and we benefit and something that is more than just, you know, sponsoring a NASCAR race or something, like, something stupid like that. Uh, you know, it's something that's much more meaningful to us uh, in terms of our, our, our real belief in, in trying to maintain the history of Anchor in San Francisco and its impact on California. All right, there you go. Very special thanks to Anchor Brewing Company, as always. Best of luck in the partnership with the California State Parks Foundation and the excellent beer that makes it all happen. Stay tuned for more coverage of SF Beer Week 2013. And until the next one, it's Scott the Juice saying, L'chaim. Wilson in deep, centering it.
Wayne Gretzky. He scores. There's the hat trick for Wayne Gretzky. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks to Moscow for giving us a little Anchor audio there. That was from the Anchor uh, party that we got to go to this week, uh, kind of kicking off SF Beer Week. It was a good time. Also wanted to thank, uh, once again, Jeffrey Stuffings and Ron Extract, who are still hanging out with us from Jester King Brewery. And... uh, Mostly because we've got more of their beer to drink. So we, we refuse to let them leave at gunpoint until uh, they open the remaining beers with us. Uh, so we're going to do that. Uh, plus, we got some mead to try uh, a little bit later, too. But first, uh, we're gonna sp- our next guest today are the people involved with a new uh, invention called Fast Rack. And it's Mitchell and Casey. Hey, guys, you with us? How's it going? How What's are you? Guys? Thanks for being on the show. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having us. Can't wait. Canadians, huh? They're Canadians. Yeah, all the way from Canada. Yeah, we might drop some A's in here tonight. Sorry. <laughs> so We can interpret on the fly. Yeah, don't be sorry. <laughs> I think that Canada is our second largest listenership, but they're at the top of our list for the listeners that we make fun of the most. So. <laughs> they're so easy. Yeah. Where in Canada are you guys at? Uh, we're in Toronto right now. Beautiful. I like Toronto, actually, uh, believe it or not. Yeah, I don't like their hockey team, but the city's beautiful. Yeah, yeah we, we don't have to talk about their hockey team. I'm a Vancouver Canuck fan, so uh, well, whatever yeah. you say about those leaps is all good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Mitchell and Casey uh, have invented a device uh, that home brewers and uh, bar owners uh, will be pretty enthusiastic about, I think, and it's called uh, it's called the Fast Rack. In fact, if you want to go right now to thefastrack.ca, uh, you can check it out, and uh, there's a video on, on how it works, but that's what we're here to talk about. D- uh, why don't I just let you guys describe t- uh, to me what it is? I have one in front of me, of course, but I'd like to hear how you describe it. Cool, cool. Um, so yeah, basically it's a uh, it's a racking system for the for the empties for storing and drying them. Um, it's about the same size as a two four box, like a twenty four case of beer bottles. Um, it's got twenty four holes in it, so the bottles go in upside down. They stand very securely in place. Um, they all drain. There's no pegs on the inside of the bottles, so there's no- nothing touching the inside. Um, once there's 24 bottles on the rack, you can actually put another one on top. They stack uh, quite high. We actually, uh, when we were filming our video, in the video it stacked uh, seven high. Wow. But we did have it upwards of nine. <laughs> Beautiful. You just don't recommend um, it? You're saying that it, could get, it gets dangerous after you seven. you got to push the envelope on your own, man. <laughs> right. Exactly. Depends how much you want to push it, right? <laughs> right. Right. I'll push it real good. So... I don't know if you guys know this, but I was a bartender for a long time. I've really moved up in the world. Now I'm an internet radio host. Uh, but before, <laughs> killing it. Yeah, right. Uh, but before I, I was a bartender and dealing with empty bottles. So this is even before we talk about the homebrew benefits of this device. Dealing with empty bottles in a bar is a pain in the ass. And uh, like just walking around and having to gather them all up on a tray. And I dropped the tray every third trip. Um, so having a device that all these bottles just turn over and, and dump right into uh, is, is just a fantastic idea for bar people. Um, I, I would think that maybe one of you were, was a bartender before realizing the need for this. 
We haven't officially worked as a bar as a, as a bartender, but we've attended enough house parties and ho- hosted enough uh-huh. house parties that yeah, I think you could say we were. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, what about that? Now, uh, we're, we, with the fast rack, you you take the bottle, you flip it over, so it's it's in the rack upside down. What about what about the beer dripping out? Where's that go? Well, we've actually got a tray underneath that to catch all the beer. So uh-huh. if you're looking at like a bar situation, yeah. instead of having to go find that stink or that slop bucket, you just drop it in the rack, and it actually drains all into the tray. So it's going to save you like you know a whole bunch of time as well as the mess of actually finding a place. Perfect. With also the added bonus of all the, everybody who works at the bar can make a bet for who has to drink the slop in the tray. Hey, we don't recommend that, but it's happened a few times. <laughs> yeah, it's called a bar shot. You know that rubber mat that they pour drinks on? Well, it gets full of liquor after a busy night. And then uh, if you don't like your coworkers very much, you make them do what's called a bar shot. And that is that at the end of the night, you dump the rubber mat into a shot glass and, and someone's got to shoot it. And just trying to diversify and get beer involved in it, right? I love it. Yeah, and it's also uh, yeah a much better beverage than a mix of all of the. I mean, think about it. It's like the it's like a Long Island ice iced tea gone berserk in in that <laughs> in that mat. So, well, let's think about the the homebrew uses now too. Uh, I like how you mentioned that there is no uh, like nothing touches the inside of the bottle. Um, the home the bottle trees that we have now. It's literally like, think of the branches of a tree, right? And when you put the bottle on it, you've got something coming into contact with the inside of the bottle. So if you're dealing with a sanitation issue, like homebrewers are, once you've sanitized the bottle and you put it in this rack, nothing comes into contact with the inside of it. It's been pretty awesome. We've had, had a lot of great reviews on that so far. And that's always something that I think, uh, you know, homebrewers have asked us about, too. It, it's a, a kind of when you get started and you start to learn how important sanitation is, people ask us, well, what do you do with your with your bottles once you sanitize them? And a lot of people will, will kind of put them in their dishwasher rack. But again, something can come into contact with the inside of the bottle if you do right. it that way. So I like that this is just... Nothing touches the inside once you've sanitized. It is a really good... Um, it, it's a really good design. It's not relying on that little peg. Right. There. Yeah. How did you guys, what was the impetus for uh, inventing this thing? So it actually was made originally for bars and restaurants. Okay. Um, the problem is bars and restaurants have so many bottles to deal with, and there's no real system for it. So Fast Track just kind of streamlines that system by you know providing a dedicated rack for the bottles. Okay. So it, kinda, it helps with the staff training, but just helps make it a little bit easier. Mitch started working on the idea about two, two and a half years ago for a school project. And uh, I guess over time, and about eight to ten prototypes labor and thousands of shop hours. Really? Eventually got to the this final product that we have today. How much beer was consumed in the research and development of this, of the fast track? Hundreds of gallons. <laughs> right. I mean, you got to get... I'm em- sure if we can remember. <laughs> well, that's a nice write-off. Yeah. I mean, you got to get empty bottles somehow, right? That's R&D research. That's tax credits. <laughs> right. <laughs> So you guys, you really had to do eight different prototypes before coming up with this one. Eight different designs. Actually, twenty prototypes were built. Wow, that's a long process. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, well, and I'm the st- molds and stuff like that. It's got to be a lot. Of yeah. Were you inventors before this, or just college students? Oh, we like to dabble in other things. We we're both fairly entrepreneurial. So when we when we come up with a good idea, we're not afraid to pursue it. Okay. You're not like running porn sites on the side or something. 
Well, not that you're going to know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Growing JP, weed? Yeah, sure JP probably knows yeah. about him, though. He's creepy. Yeah, I'll tell you all about whatever you need to get into it. I've been looking for a partner. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, once again, you can go to thefastrack.ca and check out the video. And by the way, right when you go to the homepage... Um, here, let me go back to it, Tasty, so you That's can my see. Future I saw the units downstairs. We got some here. We can <laughs> no, them. it's not. Don't Because I'm about to say very rude things about her. <laughs> what, what's going on? Look at their website. Go to go to the fasttrack.ca right now, and their and their marketing is is pretty good. I'm just gonna say that's that, what they meant by rack. I that's yeah, got my attention. <laughs> yeah, fast the racks and the right and the yeah, the, right, right. Uh, that's a fastrack.ca. Do, do you, does that's not really your girlfriend though, right? I mean, fiance. Depends who's asking, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well done. You just took that. You just stole that off the internet somewhere and used it on your website. He <laughs> paid for that one. Yeah, he yeah. paid for that. <laughs> oh, thefastrack.ca. Yeah, thefastrack.ca. Go check it out. And what's cool, actually, is that the um, the website is then kind of segmented into: Are you a home brewer? Uh, are you uh, do you own a bar or a restaurant? Um, or you maybe just have a home bar? Yeah. And then it kind of directs you the right way to, to tell you about the product. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm a home bar enthusiast right now. <laughs> Right. That, and that, you know that poor model. She her bra is like a size too small. I do That's, feel terrible for her. So do I. Uh, how can people get the fast track right now? Is it in homebrew shops? Um, we've got it in about I'd say about fifteen, maybe twenty in the last couple weeks. Nice. Um, there's quite a few in Pennsylvania, Colorado. Um, I know California uh, as well as Texas. There's been a few shops. Um, we're working hard to kind of get it in with either LD Carlson or BSG Handcraft so they can hopefully help supply it to the rest of them across the states. Okay. But uh, there's a lot of orders online. We've uh, It's all e-commerce. That went live about, I don't know, two weeks ago now. Oh, okay. So people can buy directly oh. from the site. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Check, out, so. check out Fox Equipment, too. That would be a good good wholesale for you guys. Oh, another place to put it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fox cool. Equipment with two X's. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. They do a lot of draft stuff, a lot of bar nonsense. I see it's yeah. proudly made in the USA. Oh. 100% down in the USA. Bro, China? What's the problem? Wait a minute. The Canadians, and it's proudly made in the USA? Hell yeah. It's <laughs> expensive to make it in Canada. Oh, I see. They know what. They know what side their fast rack is. I love it. On. I love proudly made in the USA. Money going to Canada. Hell yeah. <laughs> you guys here. are geniuses. I love it. <laughs> you know uh, what I'm thinking about right now? What I also like about it as a homebrew bottle rack, I have one of those bottle trees. Doesn't every homebrewer yeah. eventually get one of those sure. bottle trees? Do you use it? It's, I've, I've, I used it once. Yeah. And it's enormous. It's an enormous monstrosity that doesn't fit anywhere. Well, and if you if you break one of those pegs off, which I've done, you have to buy a whole new ring, or you're missing that one uh, section. So yeah. this way, it's, uh, it seems a lot much uh, a, a lot much more better. It's, <laughs> better. It's, it's basically unbreakable. Yeah. Like, yeah. JP's our marketing. You have to drive yeah. a tank over that fast track to put a dent in it. <laughs> really. Yeah, and I mean, just the way I'm looking at it now, it does. It, so with the with the bottle rack itself, the fast rack itself, including the tray. Let me see that thing, Moscow. Including the tray, I mean, this can fit like on a kitchen shelf in the cabinet, whereas my bottle tree ended up on the side of my house because it was so enormous. Here, Sometimes, some people actually build dens to hold their bottle trees in. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, I had to go buy a shed so I could put my bottle tree somewhere. You need a force. Uh. Yeah, this is much better. See, I don't bottle anymore because I'm a lazy douche. Well, you don't brew anymore because you're a lazy douche, right? Yeah. But this is this is would this is my go-to bottle rack now. 
Moscow, maybe we should test it and clean up the desk oh, yeah. with the bottles right now. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do we're gonna do a live will test they, of the fast rack right now. Will they fit the? Uh Oh, I oh I that's a good question. We the bottles we have all over our desk are, are 750 mil. Does it fit those bottles too? Should fit about 12, 14 of them or so. Okay. Wow. I love, don't make sure you don't dump any good. Well, we'll just do the bar shot afterwards. Yeah, I was say, don't worry about that. We'll get the tray on that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I want to finish this beer. I, I can't. I don't uh, dump anything. And by the way, if it doesn't work, he's gonna he's gonna dump bottles all over my expensive studio equipment. So I hope you guys, I hope your R and D paid off. Well, we promise we didn't put a pinhole in that one for you. Ah, <laughs> all, all of these have beer in them. They all have beer in them. Oh. We're pussies yeah, yeah. here tonight. Why do they all? Have, what happened? Oh, there you go. See, you know what I I don't mind about doing the bar shot out of this thing mm. is you know normally with all that foreign made stuff I wash the shit out of it before I get it. Now that I know that's made in the USA, you don't, don't mind? I'll lick it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. So, oh yeah, it does fit the seven fifty mil. It fits them really well. It does. I was surprised about that. I thought that maybe it was only for hey, twelve ounces. Hey Scotty, do me a favor. You want to show like show that by Jay's uh, shoulder so we can get it on the camera? Oh yeah, put it on the camera. Right now we have three bottles in it because the rest of them still have beer. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, that fits pretty idea. well, man. Yeah, I wasn't sure it's going to fit those seven fifties. Yeah, works well. Um, it'll, it'll handle those. It'll handle those bomber bottles too, the twenty-two ounce ones. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. Take, there's no problem. Take a few more of those as well. Okay. Well, I like it. I'm glad that you didn't invent it sooner. I might not have quit my bartending job. <laughs> I, I used to hate that 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 part of the process. And how long has the has it been on the market? Um, we've been kind of, we started on the bars and restaurants, it would have been kind of like September, October. Okay. And then it, uh, we were kind of doing some online stuff in December and just found out about all this homebrew stuff and we've been just heavily running at it right now. It's been awesome. Good. I, because I'm not an inventor, I'm just curious. I mean, how are you getting it to the bars? Were you guys literally just walking in with the thing and saying, Hey, you got to see this. We definitely consumed a few beer while we were doing that. Right. As well. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know what I mean? How are you getting getting the word out to people like the bar owners? Like for the, the independent bars, we actually went and just met them to get feedback. Okay. But uh, all the major chains love it. Like we've uh, we rolled out with a few Canadian chains. Okay. And we're testing with like a lot of the big hotel groups like Best Western, like Marriott Hotels, like Delta, those kind of guys. Wow. And, they love it. Like, I don't, know, like, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 major hotel chains have already got it in one or two locations trying it out because it just it makes everything a lot easier for their staff. Right. Well, that's fantastic. Well, man, I wish you guys luck. This It's like good old American-Canadian ingenuity. It's the, NAFTA, isn't it? North, North America. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. It's not, I forget that there's other parts of North America. There's not. <laughs> there's not. Yeah. It's like the North American dream you guys are living here. <laughs> Have either of you ever the U.S. while still living in Canada? It's great, right? <laughs> Have either of you ever had a real job, or did you go straight from college to inventing? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty straight. Wow, <laughs> that's the Canadian dream, right? Look with that. I am so proud yeah. of the two of you right now. Free health care and no real job. <laughs> Who gives a shit? You guys are brilliant. I love it. <laughs> All right, it's Mitchell and Casey. You can go to thefastrack.ca and check it out. And I'm being serious right now. That that I hate that bottle tree, and I didn't even realize how much I hated it until I saw the fast rack. 
And now we're just, I, try, we're just trying to help you out. That's all. Yeah, I it it will be fantastic for homebrewers if you're still bottling. Uh, check it out by going to thefastrack.ca. Guys, I wish you luck. Keep inventing cool beer shit. Thanks for having us on. Have a great night. All right, Cheers, guys. guys. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah, Take care. Dude. Go Sharks. There you go. Oops. <laughs> Did, I say, the balls. Did I say that? Oh, no. <laughs> shit. No, I'm sorry. These guys are living the dream, man. Just get out of college. Oh, man. Dude, what do they say? 20 iterations of that? Uh, that yeah. I mean, that's, molds are what? Like five grand for that mold? Maybe more? We can't even order a DVD correctly. <laughs> Never mind uh, getting a oh, whole we can product. Order, we can order it just fine. <laughs> <laughs> we just can't uh, produce one properly. Uh, yeah. I want to be an inventor. As they're living the dream. We're trying to, but we can't do it. We invented a DVD. <laughs> and we fucked up on the metric system in the DVD. Oh, we did that, too. Yeah, we did that, too. I don't know how we do anything. <laughs> I don't know how we get anything done at but all. But I love us as a people. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I don't know what that, but that's awesome. Isn't it? That's um, a positive comment. You should give me credit. Go check. That's true. I'll give you one point. Uh, go to thefastrack.ca uh, right now and check it out. Even to just look at that homepage, which I've been <laughs> staring at the whole time. It's kind of distracting. Um, uh, all right. Uh, so we've got a few things to do. Uh, we have a mead tasting to do tonight. Yes. We? Do we not? Yes, we is do. Is Michael going to join us? He is going to join us. He wants to call in on Skype. He's actually listening now. So if we're ready for it. Yeah, go grab it. Uh, we can go grab it and I can tell him to call in. Yeah, have him do that. I don't right. have any breaks left in me. Yeah, uh, are you getting that, Moscow? Okay, I, I, we did it. We played all of our commercials for tonight, so now we just got to get through it. We got to power through it. All right, Moscow's getting the uh, the mead. Um, I will M E A D. So, what about that Adam and Eve? They got a great website, hey? Oh, I got to do that. Yeah. Uh, here, thank you, Tasty. Sure. Hey, you want to listen to the Boner Chicken intro real quick? Yeah, oh, yeah. Bring Hour's latest game, Boner Chicken. <laughs> Hey, speaking of boners, uh, if you go to adamandeve.com right now uh, and use coupon code, what is our coupon? Oh, BN Army. B N A R M Y. He's getting over his hangover right now. Oh, man. I, I am stupid today. <laughs> um, you are on Do Not Disturb on Twitter. I don't know if Bevo passed my message on to you. Probably no. On Skype? Because I don't no. keep you open all the time. All right. And now no. he should be able to. Oh, he's calling me. I wish me. I could do the set. What the f- He's calling me. <laughs> okay, good. Hey, Michael. How are you, brother? Hey, Justin. Good. How about yourself? I'm great, except that every time I see you on Skype, you scare the crap out of me <laughs> with that with that look. You didn't see a close-up of you on this show a few minutes ago, did you? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> was it pretty bad? <laughs> well, you know, look in the mirror. I've got that hangover today. Uh, hey, Michael, can you you want to hang out while I do my Adam and Eve read real quick? Yeah, no problem. Let's talk about dildos and stuff real quick. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't worry. AdamandEve.com right now. You get uh, use coupon code BNARMY and you get uh, three free adult DVDs from all sorts of different genres like uh, Chunky, I think is one of them. Right, Chunky. Devo? And uh, no, I didn't mean... I, I just meant... Uh, shut up. Chocolate uh, Frosty Consumer is probably one of them. <laughs> Cheese Eater. Uh, all sort Asian, and, and I mean it. There's really a lot of categories there. I'm being silly, but it's true. And you also get 50% off just about any item, and you also get free shipping, and you also get a secret gift. Uh, so all sorts of reasons to go over to adamandeve.com. They have a mobile site, too. So if you just can't wait... Um, so you get home, you can do it from your phone right there on the BART. In traffic, in bar. Oh, can yeah. you imagine on BART? Right when you're sitting on the on the crowded bus, you can just do your online Adam and Eve shopping. 
right from your I mobile think I'm phone. I'm going to do some Adam and Eve browsing and see if they sell any trashy novels. Uh, <laughs> they yeah. probably do. I would imagine. You like trashy novels, do you? Not really, but I'm, I need to get into something. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not what Sam yeah. said to her. Please get into something. Uh, all right. Anyway, go to adamandeve.com right now. Use coupon code BNARMY. All right. Um, we've got some mead to try. And yes. Michael, who's a longtime friend of the show, love this guy and his meats, has sent us the, uh, oh, you're going to love this, Bevo, he sent us the sensual to try today. Ooh. Which is kind of a good Adam and Eve segue. I want yeah. that. It is a, you should become the official drink of Adam and Eve, Michael. We can work on that. Yeah, it might help you out. Um, so we wanted to talk about uh, mead with Michael a little bit more because we kind of feel like Mead is left out of the conversation a little too much. And because we like his stuff so much, we thought that this would be a good way to do it. So uh, from time to time, uh, we're going to do some mead tastings with Michael so we can become uh, a little more educated about uh, not just mead itself, but even, you know, flavor descriptors uh, involved around mead. So tell us about the sensual. What are we about to drink here, Mike? Yep. So that's a traditional mead made with uh, wildflower honey and a touch of uh, heather blossom honey from Scotland. So it's got a really nice, uh, you're going to get a nice flavor from the honey. You're going to get a nice floral note. This is the type of mead that would go great with like a spicy Thai food or Mexican. It really pulls out the, the heat from like a Mexican dish. Hmm. So if you think about how a chef might work honey into a dish they might cook with, meads go with food better than anything. Okay. I like that idea. And look at the alcohol on that. It's about 15%, I think, 153 Yeah. So a little bit goes a long way. Yeah, I, we should have started with this segment. My hangover would have gone away much sooner. Um, what I love about this is the um, there's a just intense kind of raw honey aroma. Yeah, the aromatics are just uh, it, you wouldn't think that there's so much different between mead and wine and beer. You know, they all kind of share this a lot of the same character characteristics, but. Uh, that like raw kind of earthy. crystallized honey, yeah, earthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. It's interesting that you say that it, it helps with the the spice of a of a spicy food. It has a little spice of its own. It seems like to me. Right. We use um, a Lavalin seventy one B for um, our yeast strain across the whole spectrum of the sixty six meads I make, and uh, I really like the flavor it pulls out of the honey. We don't ever back sweeten the honey or the meads. So um, you get that flavor, but it's we preload all the honey in at the beginning, and I can really kind of tell how far the the yeast is going to push to make the alcohol kind. Okay, tent. I like this mead. And there is kind of a spiciness to it. Yeah, it's a panty dropper. <laughs> I think all meads are panty dropper. They should right. just rename the category. That's right. What's this mead? M e a d thing. Now <laughs> time for category twenty three: panty dropper. Right. Uh, Jeff, Ron, are you are you mead guys? Do you do you like mead? I I actually used to do a fair amount of mead making before we uh, started the brewery, but I, I did a little bit of a different style. I, I enjoy this quite a bit, but I, I kind of got into uh, session meads, which was uh, something that uh, I haven't really seen around a whole lot. But mm. It was fun to do on uh, on a home mead making scale, right? Yeah, yeah we, we definitely don't play around in the session mead category at all. We we go 13 to 14% and up. Our highest percent is 19% alcohol. Is that because you're kind of more in line with like the wine category? And that's the uh, general? We fit in a beautiful niche right in between your in wine. So like I've been at wine tra- uh, conferences 
you know, demo events. I've been at beer shows like the Beer Summit. Uh, we just got back from Mohegan Sun, where there were 15,000 people at this event. Wow. I've never seen a beer show with 15,000 people at it. No. Was it, what kind of show was it? It was a wine festival. Okay. Um, they, we poured over 4,000 samples in three days. Wow. That's crazy. I've been to the I've been to the Mohegan Sun. They take my money every time. <laughs> Great casino. Yeah. <laughs> Any comp rooms? No, no. They don't comp anything. Those Indians. <laughs> what I'm getting a uh, not a lot of I should say, but it's like a like a buttery Chardonnay kind of thing. Where, Chardonnay too. Yeah, not like yeah. not like butter as you think in beer, like a like a flaw. Uh, oh yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, you know, but like a, a really nice white wine Chardonnay kind of creaminess. Yeah, yeah like a full mouthfeel. Yeah, kind of quality. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which I think carries a lot of the honey flavor right on through. It doesn't dry it out. It doesn't make it leave your palate. It's kind of just a nice layer of honey across your palate the whole time. Yeah. And it's you said it's uh, early on. You said it's made with just wildflower honey. Yeah, this one's wildflower honey with just a touch of uh, heather blossom honey. So our friends from uh, Boston Beer Company hooked us up with uh, what seven drums of uh, honey from Scotland, and um, you know about eight thousand pounds worth of honey. And uh, we put some of it to use in this batch. Okay. You know, I think that there's a, a bit of a grape flavor too, like like wine. You know, when you, I, I think the buttery from the Chardonnay, you're absolutely right, but oh. also just a, in general, kind of a of a grape hmm. I, I, flavor as well. Um, the, the thing we hear often is that people say, "Oh, I've tried meat; I don't like it." That's like saying you've tried Wonder Bread, and you're not going to ever try any other bread. Right? You know, there's a whole spectrum of flavor profiles that can be achieved. And I look at all the uh, meateries that are out there as colleagues, not as competitors. Got it. Yeah. Now you have this listed as a as sweet. Uh, what are the, what would be the other descriptors? What are the yeah, kinds. so you could go with a semi-sweet to dry. I mean, most people don't think that honey wine can be dry like um, like any traditional wine, but it's all a question of fermentation. Most homebrewers from your shows would know that you can make a you know a really robust Russian imperial stout to a really dry Russian imperial stout to somewhere in between, and it's all a question of how much residual sugar or finishing gravity you have left. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I recall when we did the show with you and had the different ones that uh, I, I, I think I was more like a dry uh, mead fan. But but this one is not too sweet. It's not too sweet. I, I, th- I, think, I think the spiciness from the from the yeast kind of comes through and, and helps to, uh, I don't want to say dry it out, but maybe balance with the sweetness a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's the one other thing. Most wine drinkers think that if it, anything has any sweetness, it's not going to work with food because they have only got a frame of reference of grape wines. Grape, you know, think of what's sweet when it's grapes. It's jelly. What does jelly go with? Peanut butter. Okay, so <laughs> let's move beyond that. Yeah. Know, with, with honey, think of how a chef may put a little bit of honey on a cheese plate or put, you know, mm. on a dessert or even on some uh, different type of roasts. You know, it really kind of lends in with that flavor of the food. Well, that's great. Did, he, did I see that he sent two bottles? Because I need a Valentine's Day gift for Kate. Uh, no, he sent one bottle. Right, <laughs> Michael? Right. <laughs> I guess Terrence yeah, getting a bottle of meat for Valentine's Day. <laughs> that's all Terrence getting for Valentine's Day. How many states are you in now, Michael? Uh, we're in 23. Wow. You're killing it, man. Yeah, we're, I'm right now in New York City. We just did a promotional event. Um, the northeast of the uh, United States just got hammered 
peppered by this big uh, snowstorm this past weekend. But even on Friday night during a blizzard, we sold this one store here in uh, New York City, Top Hops, out of three cases of mead in, in three hours. Wow. Good for you, man. I like to see that. Well, it's great mead. Uh, what's the website? People can go check it out. Uh, MoonlightMeadery.com. There you go. And uh, how many different ones did you say you're doing now? We're over 60. I think it's 66. That's crazy. So there's something there for everyone. Go check it out. Uh, this one is wonderful. It's called Sensual. And uh, if I drank a bottle of it, my panties would drop, I guarantee you. I think, that, I think that they would. <laughs> yeah. They would just unstick from the wall. Um, I would say that like uh, sour beer fans would like this. Not that it's sour, but it has a little tartness to it. Yeah. Well, and I think also people who really enjoy sour beer, it's the complexity of it. Right. It's not just that it's sour. I mean, that seems... It's almost no. a shame that that's the descriptor because... Yeah. Uh, well, then you just like vinegar. Like <laughs> nonsense, right. like Ron was talking about. But because you can pick out so many different flavors from it, I think that's what's enjoyable about doing sour tastings. Yeah. And I think that mead, a good mead like this, is is similar to that because you're picking out the different flavors of wildflower. You're picking out uh, that you can talk about how the alcohol content affects it and doesn't affect it. Um, yeah, one thing I tell customers at the shop is, you know, when you drive down a road for the first time, it feels like it takes forever, and you turn around, and you go back, and it takes like a fraction of the time. Yeah, that's because your mind's recording all this information. When you taste mead for the first time, your your mind starts going crazy because it's trying to pick up. Like Justin, you were talking about the grapes. You get a little buttery note. You get a little spicy note. When you pair it up with food, it just kind of explodes into a whole new category of, oh, wow, taste how that tastes now. And right. whether it's a triple cream brie that goes with it or aged Gouda, you know, everything seems to add a little bit of nuance to the flavor. That's an excellent point. <laughs> Sounds good. I, I'm glad I didn't have it with my Subway sandwich earlier. <laughs> it probably won't go with a tuna melt. <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah. might. I don't know. But you don't we'll even know. See. Yeah. Well, Michael, it's wonderful. The one we had tonight is called Sensual, uh, and uh, thanks for sending it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. And um, that one's available. Like I said, we're um, in 23 states now, and we're going into all the Whole Foods stores in California and should be in Total Wine and more very soon as well. Oh, wow. That's great. See, I don't go to Whole Foods, but I need to because their beer and and apparently now mead selection is getting incredible. I hear on Fridays they have good sales. They have like one or two cool things they put on sale every Friday. Ah, uh, yeah. So I need to start going to that. And then their beer supposedly is really reasonably priced, and and I'm assuming all the rest of their beverages. So yeah. I, the, I think their that. beer is. I, there's a Whole Foods right by my office that I go to a lot. Um, it's pretty comparable to I would say. It's maybe a little cheaper than the local Bevmo. Oh wow! But well, I wouldn't. Um, yeah. Nothing else in that store is cheap. Don't no, believe that's them. what I mean. They, yeah, they but. do not have sales. It is a web of lies. <laughs> <laughs> but their beer selection yeah. is, is good. Well, now they have Moonlight Mead. Man. And Michael, I'm seeing your stuff everywhere now. I, I go into a lot of liquor stores. Let's be honest. And uh, you're, I see your stuff on the shelf uh, increasingly everywhere, man. Yeah, we just hired a new uh, a broker to help us. Uh, <clears throat> in california at christie and she's going to be doing a lot of uh, promotional events for us and um you know we're really looking forward to it just this past month in january we sold over a thousand cases you know most of the wineries in new hampshire are pretty happy to do a thousand cases per year and this month already eight days or ten days in we sold 500 cases so wow. we're, we're really starting to hit it hard congratulations man I, uh, it could have happened to a nicer and more aggressive looking man <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. Thanks, brother. And uh, we'll talk to you next time, huh? Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, partying with you guys down at the um, 
um, HA conference in Philadelphia. We got picked as a speaker again this year. Oh, good. And our meads are distributed or will be distributed in Pennsylvania, so we're really looking forward to it. Okay, perfect. Oh, yeah, sure. you'll be hearing from us about that, too. We're we're just working on our party now. We think we got a venue sorted out. I'm just waiting to kind of get the final word. But um, any way I can get you involved, we'd, we'd love to have you there. So um, awesome. you'll be hearing from me. Excellent, guys. Take care. Great. Take Thanks, care, Michael. Michael. Thanks. Uh, there we go. Moonlight Meadery. Good stuff. And, um, yeah, that's just good mead. It is. And it's, it's, it's very, very different from beer. If you think that you're a, a hardcore craft beer drinker and so you know flavors and you've never tried mead before, well, you're, you're in for a whole other world, man. Yeah, yeah. Our dudes from Fast Track said they uh, already got a, uh, an order from a homebrew shop. Oh, nice. I'm telling you. Is it, it Nico Brew? It's, <laughs> it could be. It's a rad product for homebrewers, so that's cool. They were good guys, uh, yeah. Mitchell and Casey. And uh, thanks also to Michael uh, at Moonlight Meadery. And, oh, I still have the Fast Track website up. And, God, it's <laughs> such a such a wonderful website. Such a good... Uh, I try to put it on the webcam in my, like, pseudo-drunken state. But yeah. It didn't really work out so well. I'm sure everyone in the chat loved it. All right. Uh, here's what we need to do. Um Oh, we didn't do. Uh, we didn't get a chance to record Stump the Brewer questions with these guys, did we? We wanted to do our new version of Stump the Brewer with you guys, but we mm-hmm. missed it. You lucked out because inevitably, <laughs> inevitably, we we make you look bad. Okay. It's part of the deal. Um, well, let's do Drunk of the Week calls and get out of here, shall we? Triple eight four zero one beer. We've got some new uh, Drunk of the Week activities uh, for you tonight. So if anybody wants to call in uh, and do that, uh, then stay feel free to do so. What game should we play first? Because we do have jingles. Boner chicken. Did we play the jingles last time? No, I didn't have uh, oh, I didn't have man. them ready. So. You guys are in for a treat. So whoever calls in for drunk of the week first this time is going to be uh, you'll go down in history as the first uh, jingled drunk. Of, jingled drunk. Apparently, of the week. Uh, Code is in the chat uh-huh. and has been drinking a lot, <laughs> okay. and people want him to call in for drunk of the week. Oh, there you go, Code. Call in for drunk of the week. I I, I think that you'll excel at some of the games that we have. Uh, for you to play. Code is kind of a ringer. If he's like the chat, like if the chat were to select one person, yeah. you know, he would be, uh, you know, the ringer. <laughs> or I'm trying to think of a, a, a suitable analogy and it's not coming along. That was a good effort. Thank you. Who's hungover, me or you? Uh, well, I was hungover and then I got real sick. Not real sick, but uh, now I'm better and now I'm drunk. Okay. So... Uh, if you're looking for recipe software, you can go to beersmith.com. You get a free 21-day trial. Uh, head over to beersmith.com for your free trial now. And it's excellent brewing software. Uh, most of us are using it here now. Yeah. I, I don't brew. so uh, but, no. but if I did, oh, I'd be using Beersmith religiously. Um, but you don't have to take my word for it. it it's, you know, it's the only uh, continually updated uh, brewing software out there. Uh, Brad works real hard on it. Um, uh, the recent version is just fantastic, and there's, uh, I don't know, just so many features that the other uh, brewing software just doesn't have. It works on a PC or a Mac, and, um, you know, just go check it out. Trust me. You get 21 days to trust me, and then if I'm wrong, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. That's right, and then when we want to decide to buy it, we sell it in the store. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's right. You can buy a, a, a DVD copy uh, right. From our store or CD ROM, I guess. Yes, this DVD copy works. And we didn't make it, so it's so guaranteed to work. <laughs> right. uh, it's not our product. It's uh, not our product. Yeah, so you can do that in our store uh, or go to beersmith.com right now and get your free 21 day trial. So, all right. Wow, Bevo, the, the phones are really lighting up, huh? Got some uh, some drunks this week, <laughs> it appears. Um, it's like Sam on each line. Turn your microphone on. 
you want to speak with me. Should we go to Brew Onion first? <laughs> he's calling in for Drunk of the Week. Didn't he call in with a question earlier? And now he did. He's, now he's drunk. A multi-layered question. My that, kind of guest. Uh, that's right. Thanks, That's God. me. What's happening, brother? Are you... How drunk are you? What, are you crying? Uh, I was crying, but I kind of got over it. Uh, I think I'm doing all right. That's good. I'm a little more... Um, yeah, so... You what's up with the jingle? What the fuck's going on? What, 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 I, I'm not too sure about what's... I'll uh, take care of all that. Don't worry. You're, don't overthink things. I don't, just relax. I don't want you to hurt yourself. <laughs> all right, I'm relaxing, relaxing. <laughs> You're calling if I from, get a back massage, that'd be great. You're calling from Texas, right? Goddamn straight. Uh, yeah... Mm, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say you got to remember you're uh, you're representing our guests here tonight. So I hope uh, I hope you bring it strong. You know, it, it was my intent. All right. He's not in the chat, JP. That means oh, that means um, he gets to play. You're going to play the new Drunk of the Week game called How Dumb Are You? And uh, it's where we ask you questions uh, of, of a fifth grade level and uh, see if you can and get the answers to that. Fourth grade level. Oh, is it fourth grade? Yeah. I downgraded it. You lowered it. It was fifth. Yeah. <laughs> it was too hard. We couldn't get it. <laughs> we no. tried it last week at fifth and yeah. it was way too hard. We didn't know the answer. So no. Why are so hard? My yeah. original plan was try to get remedial because I thought they were extra dumb questions, but it turns out they're just lower grade questions asked at a higher level. So I see. Fourth grade. Um, okay. All right. I appreciate the curve. <laughs> well, you are from Texas. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Why not? This question is multiple choice. <laughs> Okay. What causes sound energy? Is it vibration, potential energy, noise, or people? Or anal. What causes sound energy? Vibration. Come on. That, that's a little too easy, right? <laughs> All right. You got real, okay. Okay. You got right. real uh, Italian on you. Should, right. yeah. should go to hey. fifth grade now, I'm thinking. Right. Hey, my son. Come on. All right. I'll give you the next one. <laughs> Multiple choice. I love this game. What is white light made of? A prism? Electricity running through a circuit? Force? Or different energy wavelengths that make up the colors of the rainbow? Uh, White light is made of uh, Nazis in a light bulb company. That's my guess. White lightning? What? Final answer. What? He's, he's huh? not. He's no comedian. I'll tell no. you that right now. Yeah, he's no JP. Uh, all right, I won't give you that one then. Boy, one is your job safe? Wow. <laughs> a heptagon is the shape with how many sides? A heptagon. Uh, ten. It's seven. I don't think he's all that drunk. Fuck. I think he's just dumb. Come on, really? Yes. Who the fuck knows this? Did, I mean, honestly, did you guys know this? Fourth graders. Well, I knew it was an eight or Yeah, six. when I was in fourth grade, I knew it. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, but you are in the running for Drunk of the Week Brew Onion, representing Texas, bringing it strong for our boys from Jester King. I would have expected you have a lot drunker people in Texas, <laughs> Jeff and Ron. Uh, all right, B, just tell me who to go to next, will you? I can't read all this. Two? Should I go to Stu? Oh, you should read the notes I put for Stu. Is his name? Uh, 
<laughs> All right. His name is Two in the Stew? That's his name. That's no, his, his name is Line Two. It's Line Two. It's just the stew. Why does it say Two in the Stew? Shut up. I'm taking a call right Sounds now. Sounds naughty. Though. I think if it's, if it's not Two in the Stew, it should be now. <laughs> uh, hey, what's up, Two in the Stew? <laughs> The shocker. Yeah. It's like, it's better than the shocker. Yeah. Two in the stew and one in the stew. Yeah. Uh, how drunk are you, Stu? No. How dumb are you, more importantly? Uh, both dumb and drunk. It's Richard from Burbank. Don't say my name. What's your address? What's his address? I want to know where he lives. It's- no, I'll give you my social, though. Sometimes. I can sell it. Is that your wife? No, it's his girlfriend, Mackenzie. Hi. Someday. I like how she answered first, so he didn't have to get it wrong. <laughs> no, 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 uh, just this girl I'm yeah. sleeping with. You mean this guy who's calling in for drink of the week on a podcast? No, 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 no. Didn't he win last week? <laughs> Nine. Stu, yeah. did you drink? Uh, did you drink? Did you win Drunk of the Week last week? I'm sure he did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, he's going for a repeat. Are you getting That's a handy right now? This was. Oh, were there yeah. pictures with like the two broads? <laughs> what two broads? That yeah, were that was that, that was were high. that were bumping knuckles, dude. What? I don't know. <laughs> what were you watching? Didn't he, didn't he call in with two girls? Yeah. And I was making them laugh, and they were, you know, falling all over me. Oh, that's why you remembered it. Yeah. Pulling tits out. Yeah, they were pulling tits out. They weren't displaying. Oh. They were literally <laughs> ripping them out. <laughs> Great. That happened. That was real life. That was real life. All right, you want to play uh, How Dumb Are You? Uh, no, but okay. All right. Uh, why are they all multiple choice? Let's go to the top there. Again, the multiple choice sounds good. <laughs> Do you? Right all right, here we go. Emma has Emma has two yardsticks. She also has a twelve-inch ruler. She laid them end to end in a line. How many feet long is the line? Oh fuck! Okay, I think a yard is three and a half. So six, seven, eight feet. Lies. Eight eight feet is the line. He's losing. I died. <laughs> Getting up. I don't fucking know. I say three and a half is a hard yeah. stick. <laughs> All right. So Stu says eight. What is what does Stu's not wife say? <laughs> I say six because the yard is three feet. Oh. <laughs> you're both wrong. You're both real dumb. It's seven. Seven. Why is that not true? <laughs> Apparently it's two and a half, two and a half, and, and, and one, I think. Because Emma, yard, Emma had two yardsticks and a 12-inch ruler. Right. Oh, what? I thought the 12-inch ruler is what she's used. Oh, no, that makes no sense either. See, I'm drunk, too. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Emma. See, well, the game is working. Why First you thing you learn in fourth grade is to listen to the Emma question. Emma has yeah. a 12-inch stick. <laughs> Fifth grade, you can just get it. Throw that that. out there. Emma should really trade her fucking yardsticks and a ruler for a tape measure. (laughs) Emma should be a good lie. (laughs) All right, Stu. Brewer's Code, compared to last week, are you drunker this week? Um, It's hard to measure. To be perfectly honest, get out a yardstick. Still get a boner. (laughs) That's a good measure. (laughs) 
Prove it. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. Last week, I was mm, It's time for the Brewing Network's latest game, Boner Chicken! Stare at my boner, stare at my boner, you lose, boner chicken. Mackenzie, play boner chicken. Play boner chicken with him. (laughs) Poor guy. Uh, Okay, what do I do? No, no, the description is in the jingle. It's all right there. You stare. If it moves, you lose. Yeah, that's it. Oh, if it moves, I lose. No, he loses. He loses. Oh, he loses. All right. Uh, Stu? Can I, can I do anything to persuade it? Does he lose? No. Does he really actually just win? Stu? Oh. This is why there <laughs> are plenty of women pulling my dick out. You, thank you, Bebo. Okay. All right. Uh, he's going for it. He's pulling it out, and then right. she needs uh, to stare at it. It's just a tip, and the there's tip. my dick. Now. It looks, oh, it looks old. <laughs> it looks old? <laughs> looks old. Look at them both, Really? Uh, all right, now, Mackenzie, yeah. you need to stare at it. All right, Watch he's... Watch uh, Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> What's he doing? Sorry, he's, he's probably waving it around. Like any man should. Jiggling it around. Are you staring at it, Mackenzie? Helicopter I, I am, actually. Oh, I have to piss, and this is very embarrassing. Oh, uh, I think you should let it go, well, It's probably Rich. going into his head. It's like I just turtle. have one... I have one ball out here. Let me pull oh, all right. Right. Oh, right. Here we go. Right. What do I get? Here we go. Here we go. Pee on her, Rick. Stop touching it. <laughs> Put it down. Right, here it goes. Leave it alone. Yeah, you're breaking the rules. You're supposed to look chicken. at it. Okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is it moving, Mackenzie? Yes, yes, it is. Ah, you lose. <laughs> Official game of boner chicken. Well done, Stu. You're now in the running for drunk of the week. Thanks, guys. What? Before, before you disappear, oh. we messaged JP, and we have an amazing hanger voucher from his grandmother's 1967 book of bartending drinks. What is it? All right. It is. I will read it because it's, it's a little intense. It is a three-part hangover cure. And it is called the Prairie Oyster. <laughs> the first part is... <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay, the first part is drink a Coke out of the bottle as fast as possible. All right, easy. Second part, one jigger of brandy, two or three dashes Whoa. of vinegar, two or three dashes of Worcestershire so- sauce, one dash of Tabasco, one pinch of salt, and an egg yolk. Mix everything except for the egg yolk. Float the yolk whole and drink without flinching. Part three, place a cube of sugar in a saucer and pour wow. one-third sticker of brandy over it. Ignite the brandy and let it flame until it goes out. Then drink the remaining liquid and eat the rest of the sugar as hot as possible. Richard, that's disgusting. Wow. She's looking at his yeah. corner again. <laughs> this is very intense. It's I messed up. It's really you. moving now. I, I did have that it is intense. on my Twitter uh, thing. Twitter? I'm probably not going to try it next oh. time, but thank no, you. No, it, it yeah. sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah you it's, should do it. it's pretty normal. But it's from 1967, and that's awesome. Well, of course I it is. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 68 was horrible. 67 ruled. All right, thank you very much. Uh, two junk, what is it? Two in the stew is now uh, in the running for drunk of the week. And uh, he made history by playing the first ever live game of Boner Chicken on the Brewing <laughs> Network. Hey, that's a lowercase L, not an I. I, I don't I don't. It was supposed to be line two, but I typed it backwards. Sorry. And now it's, it, is line three Bungchez? 
Bungchez. Bungche? Bungchez. It's Bungchez. It's French. If it's she, it's C H E Z, so he's Bungche. Bungche. Shut up and take the call. Hello, Bungche. You know, it could be nicer, Bevo. No, I can't. Yeah, it's true. Calling from Iowa. How are you, buddy? Yeah, what's going on? You know. Are you drunk? Yeah, yeah, per- yeah, pretty drunk. Do you have a chat window open with Hello? him, Bevo? All right, you're going to have to do this with me. He's going to get to play another new game today. We have a lot of new games what? today. What? Just wait a second. got to find it. Uh, what's it called? Oh, that's what it's called. All right, Bevo, I'm going to need your help on this. You got your chat window open with him? Yeah, yeah she's on the phone. Okay. She's had to place an order at Target. All right. You guys fucking with me right now? For everyone's favorite game where what you should have said isn't nearly as important as how you probably could have said it if you weren't such a moron. It's time for You Sound Like an Idiot. That's right. You can play along at home. All right, Bevo, are you ready? Do you have the document open on your computer? No. <laughs> Why you would tell she? tell me I had to have that. Remember, remember when we talked in the meeting and, and, and he told, told me, me to share to you and I said I'm going to share this on this. That. There okay, you I go. In the meantime, you want to talk about, about this? Boner for a minute. This, this game is called beer? You Sound Like an Idiot and now I'm the one who sounds like an idiot. No, no, no I'm pretty sure I do. We were drinking that before the mead. These labels are incredible. They're rad, right? You could put shit in this bottle and people <laughs> would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> These labels are so good. Uh... That's um, a Buddhist brew. It's a uh, basically a barrel fermented Berliner Weiss uh, that we blended kombucha tea from a uh, place called Buddhist Brew. Okay, hmm. so it's uh, kind of tart, funky, and has some of the uh, characteristics of kombucha tea, which is a fermented tea with uh, some kind of organisms like uh, well, it has some Acetobacter and then some uh, Lactobacillus and uh, uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of session strength uh, as well. It's kind of like. Four percent. I think it finished at like four three. Okay. So um, yeah, uh, basically, again, Berliner Weisse was the base beer. Uh, it's fermented in oak, and then we blended in uh, kombucha tea. Got Such it. a good beer. Do you realize that the Jester King guys have upstaged us in every area as as entrepreneurs, as brewers, <laughs> uh, as artists? <laughs> yeah. In in all categories, they are past us. It's true. No, Thanks no, a lot. You guys but if we helped spawn Jester King, doesn't every parent want their their children to grow up to be better than they are? <laughs> So we've we've done it right, Tasty. Uh, Good launching. Yeah. Um, Okay, Bevo? Yes, I'm good. (laughs) Okay, let's go back to Bung Chez. Uh, Shebung. Are you ready to play You Sound Like an Idiot? Yeah, I suppose. Let's do it. All right. He wins! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, you have, a, cool, you have yeah. a chat window open with Bevo. I need yeah. you to look at that window. Bevo, give him the clam one, the third one down. <laughs> give him the clam. So what we're doing here is giving you a tongue twister that you need to to say back to us quickly. Uh, once you send it, tell me you've sent it, Bevo. Okay. Have you sent it? Hold your stinking horses. That's the end. He's retyping it. <laughs> There's a button no, there. I'm not. I hate you. Copy and paste. Well, I'm you... trying to copy and paste, but it's copying the last thing I sent you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's 
game's awesome. Douche. You want me to do it? Because no. you clearly can't deal with it. Shut up. Okay. Oh, I see. I can see on the document that she's now highlighted it. <laughs> I love Google Docs. It's doc. doing it again. I'm, I do have to type it out. All right, type it out then. Oh, God. Great. I've seen Bevo's typing. <laughs> I get it. It might in... take a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Here, let me see if I can find Bung Chuz. And I can do it. This is terrible. Bung chugs. All right, bung chugs. Here we go. Read We're this back to us. Hang do on, this tongue twister. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, this is the best radio we've ever done. Dude, what the fuck is going on? To be honest with you, I can't cut. I can't copy and paste. Suck my balls. Our chat, our chat, kind of sucks for copy and pasting. I'm hanging up on. I'm taking out on him. There. I think you should. Good luck. Good job, guy. You JP and Bevo. You, hey. just, you just ruined his chances for Drunk of the Week. Talk to Code, man. I can't get anything to copy and paste in here. All right. How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? That's what he was going to have to say. And, and then hilarity would have ensued. <laughs> that was the whole principle behind this game. Yeah. It was hilarity ensuing. And he got it wrong. So and, uh, yeah. Either way. Okay. Um, let's go to Paul Brown. Paul Brown. Or do I need to first go? I need to go to Sackle Brew. Uh, no, Paul Brown was first. Oh, too late. Hi, Sackle Brew. Let's get drunker, Paul. Hey, how's it going? How are you, buddy? Turn your radio down, please. Um, doing good. Are you drunk? Yeah, we have a little help from, uh, Spider Wrangler. He gave me some hop, flam, and, uh, Boris the Crusher, and feeling pretty good. Sounds sort of unhappy about it. Sounds like I'm feeling good, but I'm unhappy. He just does, he, I think he doesn't want to tell you about it. He's like pissed that he has to talk. Yeah, turn down your thing in the back. I can't do. I can't do this today. Turn it up. Just turn it up real loud. Paul Brown. Hey, buddy. Hey, Justin. How are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> are you drunk? A little bit. Paul Brown is our drunk of the week, yeah! ladies and gentlemen. A little bit. I don't have time for this bullshit. No, it's real hot in here. And uh, you what? Know. <coughs> What have you been drinking, Paul? Um, well, I've been bottling some some World Cup of Beer brews, you yeah. know, like so. No, he said, I, what are you drinking, not what are you doing? Homebrew, homebrew. And right now, I'm drinking Platypus Venom Imperial Stout. He's hammered. He is hammered. I know, Paul, and yeah. he's. I've never heard him sound this hammered. No. That's awesome. You know, from Arnie. On a scale of on a scale of, he's not even following the conversation. He's drunk. On a scale of one to ten, he's like a he's like a nine for me. Are you a nine right now, Paul? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. There you go. Should we give it to him or uh, although, you look like a nine? I don't think we should give him drunk because I think Stu was actually two in the stew was drunker and he did boner chicken. And Paul hasn't done anything. Oh. Yeah, Paul, you need to play a game. I'm. Kind of just still hung over from the IPA fest yesterday, you know. Do you want to play boner chicken? What's boner chicken? I don't know. Get Denise in the room. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You have to get Denise in to come stare at your wiener, and if it moves, you lose. <laughs> I just love seriously, this. Paul. Seriously, I just love describing We're the not game. Kidding. It's just it's a, the rules then, are are awesome. I think if your wife's staring at your wiener and it doesn't move, you still lose. Either way, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever wins at boner chicken. That's the beauty of the game. Denise isn't supposed to know about all this like drunk of the week stuff, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. All right. Well, well, Paul. I'm, yes. 
Yeah. She is here in the room. <laughs> yeah. I know. You Denise, do have a penis. She's, she's a nice lady. I can't. Be, I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to picture it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know them. I, I, don't, right. I don't want Next to. Next time I, I see Denise, I got to picture her staring at Paul's wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Can you imagine if we see Paul in a couple of days with a black eye? <laughs> Paul, what'd you do? Well, I tried to play boner chicken. All right. Uh, all right, Paul. I'm sorry, but uh, this week you are drunk, but just not quite drunk enough to take home mm-hmm. drunk of the week. Well, anyway, I want to give a shout out to society. <laughs> yeah. Our, our buddy Doug. Yeah, Dougie winning. won the double IPA <laughs> festival. Yeah. All right. Shout out done. Thank you, sir. Congratulations to Dougie at Society. He won the uh, like seventh annual um, double IPA fest or something. Thank uh, you, Paul. He yeah, he won the 13th, the double IPA category. As a matter of fact, yeah. Good job. All right, then our drunk of the week today is he beat Pliny the Elder. By the way, two in the stew and double check. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, Dougie. I don't care about Dougie anymore. How about that? Take that, Dougie. Because he had promised us beer for Winterfest and then bailed. But then he yeah. ca- he comes up for the Bistro event. There of were more people to try his beer at the Winterfest than there are at the Bistro event, my friend. So I don't care, Dougie. You don't get a congratulations from me. You take your double IPA medal and suck it. Well, you know, uh, Doug is on the list of the top 50 people to watch in San Diego. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Who else? I wonder who else is on the list. Uh, probably the mayor. Yeah. And the homeless guy on third and fucking 10th or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Making uh, San Diego style tacos. Yeah. It's probably the other 59,000 breweries that are opening tomorrow in San Diego. Right. Yeah. Everyone's in love with Dougie. What has Dougie done for me lately? Well, apparently he fucking ditched you <laughs> on your festival. Right. Yeah. He made you look like an asshole. All right. I'll give, you, one. I'll give you an under my breath congratulations, Dougie. <laughs> Backhanded company. Congratulations, dude. Whatever. I hope it was a good IPA. I wouldn't no. know because no. you didn't send any to the Winterfest. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, the uh, the 39 million people who came to the fest wouldn't know either. I think right. it's funny that you're doing all this bashing, assuming he's listening to this. Oh, he's listening. Oh, he listens. Oh, they all listen. They totally listen. They listen. They love it. By the way, Jeff, Definitely for a future reference, listening. never go to San Diego. <laughs> As you can tell, I will take away every good thing I've ever said about your beer if you promise me beer and don't send it. Yeah. So just, you watch your ass, buddy. <laughs> Noted. Now, now we'll never get promised beer. Yeah, no one will ever. No can do, boys. Yeah. I can't go for that. Now, I was just going to say that. Before we go, are connected. Before we go, I did want to mention the last Jester King beer that doesn't even have a badass label on it. That is yeah, another bat. This might be my favorite one of the day, actually. El Cedro, Cedro, El Cedro. What is this one? An experimental beer, or you just didn't have a label? There is um, a label, isn't there? We, we haven't we haven't got labels in yet uh, for it. It's our newest beer, so we don't have labels quite yet. But uh, it's a cedar aged beer, uh, Spanish cedar spirals. It's not a barrel aged beer, so we dropped uh, Spanish cedar spirals into uh, the stainless steel tanks. Uh, so basically, the base beer was kind of uh, the work we'd do for like an American IPA. It was kind of like ten sixty starting gravity. Uh, we actually got some um, Citra from Sam Adams. They did a hop share. Like we, we don't have very good contracts on hops right now, so we can't get like like Citra or uh, Simcoe. But so through the Sam Adams hop share, we got some Citra, and so we dry hopped it pretty aggressively with Citra. Uh, added the cedar spirals, and then bottle conditioned it with um, uh, the. Uh, the Dre strain from uh, uh, Dre Fontaine, okay. the, that, that strain of Britannomyces. So kind of the three kind of flavor profiles of the beer would be the Citra Hops, the Cedar Spirals, and the Brett. 
and it's uh, yeah, very dry to an eight percent. Yeah. I'm looking at a label right now with like a tree trunk on it. What is that? Yes, that, that's the actual label. Uh, that'll go on these bottles real soon here, but uh, we just haven't gotten them from the print shop yet. Gotcha. I'm sure you're familiar with Cigar City as a brewery. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, Cigar City was the first uh, Cedar H beer I've ever had. The, Mine uh, too, yeah. Uh, the uh, the Highlight, uh, the Cedar H Highlight, the Hunapu. No, no, no. The, the, what do they call a special series? I, I should know. I, I don't know yeah. because Humidor I had series. it. Humidor, thank there, you. Yeah, yeah. And I had it just at the, they were pouring for the GABF, uh, like one of the parties of the week they were pouring there. And that's the only other beer I've tried with, with cedar in it. Are yeah. there others that you know of? Um, from, uh, not, not Bear, what's the Japanese brewery that does uh, Hitachino, uh, Hitachino Nest does a cedar aged beer. Okay. But, uh, it's a strong flavor to play with, yeah. as I'm sure you were worried about in doing it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, um, well, yeah, we were, and uh, so it, it's, it has a big kind of cedar note, which, which I don't know, I, I think kind of goes well with uh, like citrusy hops and Brett. But I uh, think so too. Cool. And I don't remember if the Cigar City one. I don't think it did that I tried had Brett, and I think that's a nice characteristic to go along with it. Uh, Cool. Especially with some of the bitterness that comes out of that. And then Citra is just an excellent choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome hop. The, uh, I brought back a growler. Just a quick uh, shout-out to 5050. Uh, that's where I was for Schumann's birthday up in Truckee. And I brought back, did you try that, California good, APA? Yeah. I like it a lot. That's a Citra beer. Uh, Citra and something, I forget what the other beer was. Um uh, Summit, maybe? It might have been Citra and Summit. But it's just their pale ale, American pale ale. Um I enjoyed it quite a bit, so I ended up buying like four growlers, and that's part of why I feel this way. Today. Thanks for bringing it. Yeah, so but I want to bring some to you guys. El Dorado. And, uh, El Dorado, that's it. Yeah, cool. Citra El and El Dorado. Yeah. El Dorado. El yeah. Dorado. By the way, the, that Mosaic IPA that, uh, that Nathan uh, shared earlier, uh, that was pretty awesome. I had never had Mosaic. I just recently heard of Mosaic Hops. I thought that was that's really good. Yeah. I didn't get any of that. Now he's off my, now he's I on didn't my get shit list, either. too. I got foam on that. Mm-hmm. That ain't right. That ain't right. <laughs> I think I drank it off. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. We haven't heard Cigar City, but we've heard of Rack City. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> you got to hear Rack City. All right. Are we done here, Moscow? Have I done everything I'm supposed to do? Yes. Okay. You're supposed to mention our dinner tomorrow. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's we have another a producer thing. now. Another <laughs> thing. I didn't know about that. Right. Uh, that Jester King is in town for. You guys doing yes. a beer dinner? Thanks, Ryan. We are doing a beer dinner tomorrow, now that you ask. What are you doing? Where's it at? <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a dinner at Alembic tomorrow in uh, in San Francisco. So uh, it's it's kind of a um, an a la carte dinner, or you can come in and order the whole meal. And if you do order the whole meal, there may be a uh, special bonus for you there. Oh, very nice. Wow. Alembic is a fantastic spot. In fact, yeah. we've got uh, the proprietor on the show next month, I think, right? Dave coming in? Yeah, he'll yeah. be in in March. Um, uh, oh, wow. th- you picked a good place to do a beer dinner. Dave's a, a, a good guy. Yeah, and, they have uh, like uh, like pickled or uh, like seasoned duck hearts. Oh, they're beautiful. Really? Uh, yeah, they're great. I don't feel like I can eat a heart of something. You can. You really can. <laughs> you it, most you, definitely can. Yeah. Wow. You gain that power of this. It's, it's a whole power. <laughs> That's what thing. I mean. It's like a thing. You don't just enjoy it. You, you, you're um, eating a, somebody's heart. Kalima! You put it like in the middle of the plate, and then you reach down through it like really hard, like you're reaching through skin, and then yeah. you show it in your mouth. You. What has happened to you? I'm Omo Shavai. 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 Did we mention that most of our beers are vegetarian and vegan friendly? <laughs> 
<laughs> but pair great with Duckhart. <laughs> <laughs> right. But pair great with Duckhart. Exactly. So can people go to the Alembic website to get tickets? Uh, do you know? I have no idea. Go check it out. I would go to SF Beer Week and uh, you can and look find it, it there. So yeah. it's tomorrow night at the Olympic in San Francisco. A good place to go. Uh, and then with Jester King Beer there. Yeah. Did, did, how did you guys get that gig? Do you guys know Dave? or? Uh... I, I worked with Dave a little bit when I was at Chelton Brothers. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for what he does. Yeah, and he's a great, uh, a great foodie. He really enjoys uh, bringing... Uh, good beer and food together so it's a good partner to have as do we yeah yeah as you should um all right well wonderful then now am i uh, hey ron twit, am i done twit, have i done everything on twitter ron slid me a note that says twitter game right. yeah we have twitter game did we even announce the twitter game in the we beginning? sure did yeah we need a hangover cure for sf beer week it's sf beer oh. week i don't know if you knew that or not Oh, and, uh, is that why that lady over. was giving us the hangover? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. She's playing along with the uh, the thing that we're doing. Uh, well, that's good. Hi, Justin. I'd like to welcome you to the Brewing Network. We <laughs> do you. a show every Sunday. Hey, welcome to the studio, guys. We're about to interview Jester King Brewery. We got a lot to get to. That's how. Oh my Too God. bad they didn't bring any beer. I feel. Uh, all right. So what are the what what answers do we have? Uh, well, Andrew says uh, uh, his hangover cure is a duvel in the shower while huffing nitrous. He got in trade from Doc for two goats and a set of banjo strings. Nitrous is a good hangover mm-hmm. cure. Uh, Wayne Perry says hold your breath forever. That's a good hangover <laughs> cure. All right. Our friend Stephen Torres says pound a bomber filled with clamato, salt, pepper, and lime. Hella pound that shit to the neck. Ew. Whatever that means. That's disgusting. I think he means pour. I think he means pour it on his neck. He, every time he says something, he just sounds more and more Mexican. <laughs> yeah, I know. Clamato uh, is foul. Yeah. Uh, so are necks. Uh, Lauren Verbarg. I would like to congratulate Lauren. She actually was uh, was serious. Um, emergency: two cups of water, aspirin, uh, tomato juice, or juiced greens. Um, what are juice greens? Juiced greens, like, oh, uh, juice like maybe greens. wheatgrass or something. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, example, Evolution Sweet Greens, sold at Starbucks. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think that was adorable. Okay. Uh, Matt Smith has glitter, lots and lots of glitter. Glitter. Tom Wallace says, stay home. Hmm. I wanted to. Yeah. Effing Beer says, F you for rubbing it in. We don't get SF Beer Week in Michigan. We get snow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then Dave Malone says, The Sully Cure, surround yourselves with younger women. Mm. I like that one. Yeah. I think that's our winner, right? Works I think so, too. Dave Malone! That's, yeah. Our Twitter winner today. Send me an email at uh, com, and then give me your shirt size, please, so I don't have to play this game of I'll email you back, and you email me, and then I'll be back. Right. There you go. All right, join us next week where we're doing our show live from the uh, Celebrator uh, Party. It's their 25th anniversary. It's going to be at the uh, downtown Oakland Marriott, and uh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to bring a bunch of good interviews from there. So uh, check us out. You can go to Celebrator.com right now. I think it's Celebrator.com. Yeah, Celebrator.com, and buy yourself some tickets, Um, and then come join us. We're going to have fun. Tasty, you down for that? I'll be there. It'll be a lot of fun. You guys aren't even going to have to work that hard. I'm just going to have to sit there interviewing brewers most of the time. You're going to get to walk I'll work around. the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, I'll watch Tasty work the crowd while watching, <laughs> while, while watching simultaneously you interview brewers. Right. Are we going to do the webcams and shit? Yes. Oh, fuck. That yes. means I have to do So work. you will have to do a bit of work. Great. But I can't be on the mic, so I don't give a shit. Right. Is that it? That's it. Sure. Are you ready with everything else you're supposed to do? I'm ready, buddy. All right, let's get out of here. Bevo, you did a great job tonight. Boo. Did I'm, I really? I don't no, think I did. I'm totally but, fucking but, with okay. you. Okay. Let me just say, you are the worst call screener in the history I of every call fine, except for typing one thing backwards because I was trying to 
answer five lines at once. If, when you typed it backwards, did it say Hail Satan? <laughs> yes, okay. it did. All right. um, it did result in a new name for a guy. <laughs> a so better name. Yeah. Two fingers in two your in, butt or whatever it was. Two in the stew. All right, two you. in the stew. Thank so. you. You're welcome. <laughs> and it's not my fault that I couldn't cut and paste because your crappy program doesn't work. Whatever. Why do I keep dealing with such unprofessionalism? Why do I... Talk to code. He's hammered, so... It's probably because... I think he's referring to me as the unprofessionalism, oh, not right. his crappy the system. Unpro- the unprofessional equipment. But you bring up a good point. You've actually answered my question. Yeah. Both Code and Bevo work for free. That's right. So that's why I keep dealing with their bullshit. Look, I'm just saying, I could be doing other things. <laughs> like getting what? more frosty. <laughs> yeah, like eating another ice cream sundae. <laughs> Maybe. To the neck, son. <laughs> yeah. Right in your fucking neck. You're going to get a double quarter pounder on the way home, aren't you? I'm not, because I had some quiche on the break. <laughs> and then you're going to get... And, and Don't go there. It's in Bevo's contract that we have to take a break every 25 minutes so she can eat. <laughs> She's not arguing with that. such an asshole. Because <laughs> uh, I'm not as quick as he is, and I can't think of anything to say. I just... <laughs> My feelings are just hurt now because I'm fat and mean. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. We'll see you next week at the Celebrator Beer Party. I love you, Bevo. You're Thank an you. asshole. <laughs> Justin's an asshole. <laughs> Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. JP's on Twitter. Follow him at Major Jip for the hottest Disneyland tips. Scott's on Twitter when he feels like it. Follow him at Moscow Paint. For some good beer info and uh, homebrew insight, follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew and Mike Cookie Drop McDole at Tasty McD. The BN will be at the Celebrator News 25th anniversary party, and you can be too. Head to CelebratorNews.com for ticket info. Justin will be shaking hands all day long. Check out the Brewing Network store for all the latest merch, including the two, uh, excuse me, the new Beersmith 2 software. And be sure to find the Brewing Network on Facebook and Twitter. Mead, it's what's for dinner. 